I've been trying to abstain a little today because I already smoked this afternoon and took a nap. So that hopefully I'll have the energy yeah, to go with you pretty long here. But when I start smoking, if I start mixing things, yeah, it, yeah, it gets kind of narcotic. <laughs> and I don't want to start talking about, you know, yeah, you know, I got to be careful with what I say. So we're going to have to yeah, be easy with it for a bit. <laughs> we are definitely live. So hello, I am Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram. And this is fucking talking shit with Eagle episode 370 featuring 420 Abnormal. Uh, how you doing, my friend? You want to tell us how you can, how we can find you and how you're doing this evening? Thank you for joining us, too. Oh, my pleasure, man. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, it's not that I'm available. I'm not, that's, right. that's an interesting way to, I guess, start it. Um, I do post a lot on Instagram under uh, underscore dot po 20 dot underscore. Um, I have a, a, a channel on YouTube. I do have a Facebook for AB Normal. That's just a page. Um, you know, I, Cannabis is a big part of my life, but I'm not like a breeder or company where AB Normal is a medical co-op, okay? And when we get more into how it happened, it'll be a little more understandable. And where I'm at now with it is still in such a weird position because, you know, my life, I've been more of a musician, sous chef, saucier, culinary person, and cannabis has always been on the side, but... I've always been in interesting positions and done and met interesting people to where things started connecting and made things very interesting to say the least. So yeah, as far as finding me, that's, you know, Facebook or Instagram. Um, when we will try to do events, used to do some events like go and meet people when the events first started around 2000, you know, when they, the legal events, I guess, not the ones where you could go over to Amsterdam and shit, but when you could actually go to Colorado. And uh, they had the first 710, the first uh, 420 for high times. And at that point, you know, we were all on the net, you know, and we had met that way. And we've been doing this already for a decade or more, causing trouble. And then we got a chance to all meet you know, at a place like that, at an event where, you know, some of us had booths. Dude, there's, there's some wild times. We definitely got some interesting things to talk about. But, yeah, as far as how to get with me, you know, yeah, Instagram, YouTube, or, I don't know, they, they can find me one way or the other, floating out. It's not like I'm trying to put myself out there for people to find us, you know, if it kind of universally happens and it happens. If not, it's all casual. <laughs> Right, right. Well, did you bring uh did you happen to bring something to smoke this evening? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I yet yeah, to yeah. chop something up. All right, so let me see if I got a can present a little more light. I don't know if this will if you guys can see what's happening. This is a little bit of old Sog Super Silver. And then a little bit of that raspberry waltz that I've been posting on. Hold on a second. Let me turn the overhead on and see if that helps. All right. I'm going to do this real quick. 
my my it's really hard to tell what's happening there. It's even coming in focus. Uh, this is the Raspberry Waltz that we've been I've been messing with here about now for the last two years, which is uh, that hybrid of uh, poodle nuts crossed to uh, Mosca's uh, blue uh, raspberry moonshine, and uh, Old Sog did the hybrid. I love it. I missed. I used to run Urkel a long time, so this is basically an Urkel pheno that I isolated out of the seeds I got from Old Sog. And I've missed Urkel so much. And this is basically a, like a faster growing Urkel that gets bigger with a little shot of chem in it. It is so fucking good. And then I also pulled the chem pheno out of that same pool that old Sog made, which was nice. And so, yeah, I got a nice little mix. There's a couple. And then some oil also from the same batches. What do you got? What do you got? <laughs> so, I mean, the first one looked good, but something about the something about the raspberry sounded and looked a little bit more uh, appealing to me for some reason. Yeah, yeah, the haze, that old side super silver, that first one. I mean, we're going okay. So, picture a, a sweet pink grapefruit haze. That's what you're getting right here. Anybody that knows what I'm talking about, there. That's old song to me. All right, what he did in kind of his story that I got from him, you know, old hazes were bred to later after, you know, hazes already been bred or whatever, people started breeding them to more indica base lines or faster flowering lines to get those hazes times down. So there was that haze and L, which was one of the first ones. And from the, the information that kind of came around was uh, when he ran the super silver that he got from Neville or from Mr. Nice, and he found this particular pheno, you know, when it grows, it grows like a haze. It's got the, the nice thin leaf pattern and very branchy, fucking outgrows everything. If you give it too much nitrogen, it's gonna overflower like a son of a bitch. But what's nice about it is it flowers like an NL. And look at that bud for a haze. That doesn't look blown out, does it? You know what I'm saying? And not only that, it's solid, like I'm squeezing it. You see what I mean? Now, if you were to smell this, it doesn't smell like NL. It's actually got the old hay smell still. So if you guys have a chance to get a hold of old Sog Super Silver Cut, it's some of the best old real hay still that you can get. Because I understand people are into Blue Dream and stuff like that. Blue Dream just doesn't have the, the haze haze that used to be what we you know, kind of knew as haze. And just to verify, kind of clarify, you know, for what's happening and what we're talking about, I'm 53 and I'm from the Midwest, but, you know, so I was a, a 60s baby and I was a kid of the 70s, but I was in there in the 80s. I was in my prime teen balls out doing crazy shit in the 80s and dude, everything in the 80s was fucking fantastic. The fucking music, the drugs, fucking women were crazy. I mean, there was not, you know, it's just what the 80s were. And I wasn't that hard into bud that, you know, it was just something that happened to be in the forefront of my life because I was a musician already into culinary, was an artist, and pot naturally was like a connecting factor for creativity and take my edge off. And you know how it is back then, you know, it wasn't about how much you had or any of this shit that we're all into now or how super good or what it looked like it was like if you had some bud and it got you high everybody was your friend you know, that's all you needed back then shit <laughs> and then everybody got picky but 
and then just from you know i'm not sure can i ask you how old you are real quick yeah i have 49 all right so you're right behind me so you're very close in there um one other question have you ever smoked um real gold did you ever get a hold anybody ever hand you a colombian or a mexican a oaxacan gold or a colombian gold that you know of. you know at, back when i was too young to actually appreciate it to be honest right right you, no, and i'm kind of going to take uh, you on the path. Uh, yeah, no i, I i'm trying to to what you're saying there but i just want to know if 18 you to be honest with you and uh i had it i knew this gal come back from tennessee with some gold but okay. and I didn't even think that shit was real weed, to be honest with you. She's like, no, this is how I get it down there. And I'm like, huh? I, yeah, yeah, I, I hit it sparingly. Like, oh, I don't even, I just don't even look right. But it was good. It was definitely. Did you get a look small, at it? That's for sure. Did you get sure, a look at it and a smell, a nose on it and everything? Did you kind of get an opportunity to really see what you're, or were you just smoking it and being like, they told you, you know, hey, we're smoking some gold, and you smoked it, and that's about. Oh no, I've seen it. I actually seen the bud briefly. That's a big. Didn't thing. I actually handle it a whole lot? Okay. You know what I mean. That it, particular bud. It was me. more like presented to me here. Check this out. Let's smoke well, some. Right. You know and that's I mean? how I experienced it too. I went to hook up. You know, we went to score fucking back. You know, this is what it was. And thankfully enough, this particular occasion, yeah, it was like some, some proper Colombian gold. And those, I think those traits and some of those varieties that, yeah, we're kind of starting to lose are something that we definitely really pay attention to right now. But yeah, I'd like to take you down that path and kind of tell you guys how that all happened. And that, that I think that'll kind of be interesting for people that, are not only interested in the past and what we had that you don't it is available now i've seen it in some lines that's why i want to talk about those lines because i have seen it it does still exist you just gotta know how to make it express itself in certain hybrids of other lines if that makes sense <laughs> so well i guess we should get into this uh as a proper i mean we might as well start it out what we do with everybody else. When was that first uh, experience with uh, cannabis? What led you, what started you down the road? All right. I'm going to load this one up for you too. Get this fucking started. All right. Just for shits and giggles for kind of, here's the goofiest one to start. So I'm a Midwest kid. Dive up. <laughs> Ooh, nice. All right. Your camera, what do you do, like a 480? Are you in 720? Never. No, it's supposed to be 1080. But it, I, you're not I getting very yeah, you're not getting 1080. Nice. And what is that? Are they both the same? One looked a little... Oh, it was the same. That was actually the same, but uh, it's uh, Godiva by the American one. Okay. Which is uh, his, uh, I believe, his uh, cheese quake times uh, proprietary mail. Cool. Uh, I like proprietary. Uh, At least somebody's taking 
little bit of pride and putting their thumbprint on something. It never hurts. All right, well, cheers. We'll do this one. So, yeah, because my first story, first time my babysitter forced me to get high, I was nine years old. So that's where we'll start. <laughs> so, yeah, give me a second. Cheers, man. All right, so... Yeah, I grew up in the Midwest and my folks were pretty conservative and they were business people and blah, blah, blah. Um, so just for location wise, uh, most of my time has been spent in Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri. I was born in Missouri, um, been through Colorado, basically hung in the Midwest mostly. So anyway, when I was young, I was about eight or nine. And if you guys, anybody over 50 might know who uh, Leif Garrett was, who was like this. I think he was a singer, TV personality. And that's who my babysitter looked like. He looked like just like fucking Leaf Garrett. And uh, he was probably 18 or something. He was always my babysitter. And anyway, so what made it interesting for me is when we go over there, my mom dropped me off or whatever. But he had this fucking Tyco race car set. It was like 180 feet long. I always bug him to fucking play with that thing. And he never let me do it unless I fucking would smoke weed with him. All right, which is pretty weird. So this is how, you know, I'm nine. I only give a shit about the weed and what's happening, but you know, I'm looking at this fucking racetrack. I'm like, come on, man. Let's just come on. Let's play for this racetrack. So anyway, I was like, all right. And so he had a little, you know, those bowls that were like little pieces of metal you could screw together, the little not protons, but you know, they had like the mouthpiece you could unscrew and that little plastic shit in the center, that kind of gapping piece. And there's like those old school fucking bowls that you'd bowl burn yourself with you heat them up and people would be giving these other bowl burns and shit. so i that's the first time i'd smoke weed and he kind of taught me how to smoke weed and i just remember you know not remembering much of the experience because in my own head mentality wise i don't think i got high until after puberty until i was at least 12 or 13 even though i might have had access to it that early and then maybe one other time after that before i was like 11 12 or 13 and so he made me smoke the weed and I, you know, to compare, I just remember like dirt, you know, earthy. It was probably just fucking, you know, Mexican, who knows what, but we're in the seventies. We're talking mid seventies. Okay. So uh, who knows what it was? I don't remember getting high is the point. So anyway, then he wouldn't, he, then he'd stall even longer because he'd get high apparently. And instead of letting me play at the fucking racetrack, he'd be, he'd put on like yes albums. And fucking make me listen to like fucking all kinds of music for another hour or something. And then finally, I'd be like, fuck, come on, you know, let's play at the fucking racetrack. So finally. And so anyway, that was like the first time that, yeah, it was, it was around here. I knew it was, you know, like something was not, you know, was a little different. And then uh, the next time, it wasn't even like the next time, you know, then you steal packs of cigarettes from your folks. You know, you get into their liquor cabinet, you, uh, your buddies, folks smoke weed and you hang out at his place and you can hear his mom and dad tapping their pipe on the thing and you start getting curious and then it starts becoming more prevalent. So anyway, about 11 or 12 years old, I was really into Kiss, the rock band Kiss. I mean, dude, I already wanted to be a musician at this age. I was pretty much just a little kid, jock fucking wannabe kind of guitar player at this point I was really getting into music and but I was mainly an artist in school and uh talked my dad into taking us to the Kiss concert in like 1980 or 81 and that was a fucking 
I mean, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you know who kisses, but those early concerts, man, with the platforms and shit and fucking Gene Simmons and oh, fuck. So anyway, we, he takes me and a couple of my friends. And uh, so we go, that was my first concert. I was like 11 or 12. And I remember smelling it. It was fucking, people were fucking reefing that place out. It was definitely, this is at the Civic Auditorium in Omaha, Nebraska, probably 79, 80 or 81. I used to have the fucking concert ticket. I think I lost it. So anyway, that was the first time I kind of remember smelling something like, why, it doesn't smell like my dad's cigarettes. What is that? <laughs> but, you know, that was about the only experience of it. And so then after that, within a couple of years, uh, we started getting into, hey, pot, you know, this is, people are doing this now. And, you know, it's, it's the thing to do and whatever. And at this point, I had already probably done like reds and i'm like 12 or 13 and one of my buddies moms was a, a nurse and then a couple of other of my buddies were just hooked up with the wrong people like their brothers and their brothers friends are already hustlers she so had black beauties and fucking reds dude there was a lot of drugs back then <laughs> this is like you know not to go down that path but and just to be straight like i'm not somebody who is like needs drugs or really hardcore into doing a lot of drugs or anything i just like to have experiences and roll the flow kind of situations and uh when opportunities presented themselves you know definitely take advantage of it i don't drink and i've never drank i think that's one saving grace in my life is i've watched a lot of people go down that road and i just don't have the palate for it it's not because i ever did drink or anything so but as far as other drugs go you know, mesk. I remember the first time I got really good pot, we were getting really good mesk at the time too. And uh, shrooms and Sid, so much Sid, paper fucking everywhere. So that was Nebraska in fucking the 80s. So people think, okay, now one differential for when we get later on into talking about like varieties and how things happen as far as cannabis go, there's a gap that happened with like culture. So if you lived in the Midwest, what would happen on the West Coast would happen about three years before you saw it, if that makes sense. So something that would happen or things that were happening on the West Coast would move East slowly. And so when new varieties or drugs or whatever, or it would come you know what I mean? There's always like a, a starting point for something. And so with cannabis, I know there seemed to be like this wave that would come across country. It would take a couple of years for things to kind of work their way across. And that had to do with all kinds of drugs. You know, even when fucking crack came into the scene and you had fucking uh, gangs moving into the Midwest. And fuck, dude, I mean, shit got weird. I remember parts of Omaha being called Vietnam, man, because shit got fucking sideways. It was, and that was just that part of town. So anyway, um, all right. So yeah, the eighties. Now this is when we're seeing, I didn't see the Colombian yet. So at this point we're seeing like regular commercial bud. Haven't seen the first Kush yet. Um, we're seeing green skunk from Colorado a lot. <laughs> Not really haze. We'd see like Afghan, some harsh bud. Afghan back in the day was not pleasant to smoke. Green bud, like Colorado green bud, 25 bucks a quarter, 100 bucks or 80 bucks an ounce if you know where you're getting it from. Really good. Like literally this, I have some 
the ISS, the Island Suites kind of grass skirt that I isolated. The reason I keep it and isolate it is because it's very reminiscent to me of the 80s green skunk that you get for 25 bucks a quarter. And when you take the jar off, it's a very acrid, clean skunk. It's not a dead roadkill bat shit. It's a different one. And the high is very up and fucking motivating and really expanding and fucking groovy and shit. You know, it's not overpowering and all that shit. So, so anyway, we were getting that green bud. Um, and there wasn't much else. I mean, we're talking, you know, people might talk about how it was going on by then. And I have a lot of knowledge stuff that we can get into. I, I you know, I don't know if people paid attention to some of the stuff that I posted on uh, Instagram, you know, for example, I'm going, I'm, I'm moving around right now. I was going to be going to Colorado and I'm staying at my daughter's right now. I have a lot of my material. And so I'm going back through my material right now. So for example, this is just what I have sitting around that I'm trying to kind of organize before I go again. And it's a collection of all kinds of stuff that I'm into, but when you got heavy metals about every high times ever published, including the first couple issues, Cannabis Canada, before it changed the cannabis culture, the early issues, uh, Skunk Magazine, I did get the cover of that one time. You know, and then all kinds of sensimalia going back to sensimalia tips, going back to the 80s. Earliest one, I think, is Marijuana Monthly, like 76. And all Pretty kinds of impressive plus. Yeah, you know, I, I'm definitely nerded out on it. I mean, it's just what it is. And this isn't what I consider a forte. This is just, you know, a good passion. But this information has, there's a lot... <laughs> Not to say that we should base all of our knowledge off of whatever's printed like that, which we shouldn't, because there's definitely a lot of misinformation and um, stuff I'd like to get into as far as kind of what was happening back in the 90s when it got fucked up. <laughs> the 80s was good, and I do agree with a lot of people. A lot of years of stuff. Hold on a second. I'm trying to switch back up here with a lot of the stuff that went down. You know, when OG, OG went down and overgrow.com and certain things, that wasn't until after 2000. So the 80s, like I was saying, was great. You, no one's, I mean, I was very lucky to be there. <clears throat> 90s, okay, so by mid 90s, all that shit we're looking at there, high times, no, so even though you see those magazines from the 70s, we didn't have computers, okay? Computers didn't hit till what, late 80s, early 90s, you know, whatever. So we weren't talking to each other. The only way you knew about anything, and that's why I'm saying that time gap between West to East Coast mattered so much because the only time you knew about it is if you knew somebody there and you picked the phone up and you had that connection. There wasn't cell phones, there wasn't computers, none of that. So there was no connection beside high times or the people that went from the States to Amsterdam and made those direct connections, which there's some interesting ones there too. All right, for example, <clears throat> Tony Sagamartha. The reason why um, I'll mention him and whatever is because we're both from the same hometown. Um, he's a couple years older than me. <clears throat> And I tried to work with him a couple of years ago, actually, and help rebuild his company. And he's kind of fucking 
doof, but I mean, he did have access to some great genetics and put out some good lines. And the people that he worked with and uh, where he was and what they accomplished was some serious shit. There's some definitely misguided stories. Unfortunately, I do know facts and the truth. And that's something I got to be careful about talking about, but there's a lot of things that I can talk about <laughs> as far as that goes, that whether they, you know, want to fess up to certain things or not. And we're, we're talking about Adam, you know, Don, the first two American guys over there screwing it up for us. And they did, and they did well, you know, but, you know, they're very prominent in those early times for what we did over there. Because you have Tony Martha, you know, Tony, a Sagar Martha, who's literally from, you know, my hometown. And even here when he was in high school, he was telling people he was going to go over there and do what he did. But he was known here as Tie-Dye Tony, okay, because he was more into acid and shit. So anyway, he's a good guy, but, you know, it's a seedy business, as they say. Adam's a different character. I didn't meet him later. And just for perspective, you know, at this point, I've met the people that used to grow for those guys. Okay, those guys may have produced things and had the connections. And not only that, I know where they got some of their genetics. And that's why I still have access to those and still hold some of those original lines. They go back and know what they are because I was there and experienced them. But, you know, and then when all the breeder stuff happened over there, you know, this is, that's, that's going to be a, where I think this might draw out because, all right, so yeah, we're all smoking weed all over the place and everybody has these concepts of like, well, the work was done here and they took land races and this and that, and this group of people did this. And then you have so many controversies and stories like the Hayes brothers, you know, did they exist? Did Robert make them up? You know, with Sam the Skunk Man and Robert fucking, did they work that whole fucking camouflage? Dude, there's just so much controversy on the backgrounds. And so instead of that, the way I ended up approaching everything was just working with plants. I gave up on the backstories because all that information, honestly, the stories aren't worth much, but what is worth a lot are the pictures and the little details. The, the the terpene profiles, the types of effects, where their origins were from, why they looked that way because of their origins, whether they were acclimated to different um, regions later as they were hybrid and domesticated by us and worked to death and really fucked up at this point, sadly, to a degree. There has been a lot of progression. I'm not saying what we have now is bad by far. It's just very disconnected and it, it's really hard to say that we're getting somewhere that's going to be fixable <laughs> because I mean, like I say, we're just, we're kind of making a big stew out of everything. All right. Like culinary, I'm culinary. So instead of going fucking cannabis, let's just go culinary for a second. When you learn culinary, there's French, there's Creole, there's Italian, there's German, okay? And that's what makes those dialects and those regions and everything those different. And now we're just, we don't understand the mother, the true mother lines and what they had to offer. So the hybrids we're making are based off of us, like already using a mixed meal, you know, a couple different dialects of meal, you know, in, in one, you know, some, a German sausage with like, 
an Italian meatball and something else and then putting it together and being like, and it comes out good and we end up like a turducken. Like that's what the weed is now to, to me, culinary wise, turducken, just all shoved together. Even though it's probably great in the end, you know, when you eat it, it's fabulous. But is it what we really are after? I find more pleasure in the, in the intricacies of all the different varieties and what each one has to offer rather than just compounding effects and pools and it's like I want to keep them separate so if I want to mix them instead of me going to a bud that's already hybrid to the effect I might like I can start with this bud which is kind of what I do I start with a day bud that's kind of got a day buzz but I know if I add this to it as I smoke through the day it's going to alter that buzz and now it's going to change to this and if I add this on the end or do a dab or you know go even heavy indica it'll all combine and really get me to where I need to be by the end of the day and use it for that purpose rather than trying to create the, the next super hype strain that's gonna be covered in crystals, <laughs> which is like so secondary. The reason I smoke pot is it's like, I smoke it so I get creative. So I feel like cooking, feel like eating, feel like playing guitar, feel like doing art. You know, that's why. I even am involved in cannabis at all. <laughs> but unfortunately, I've jumped in head first into it too, because uh, I feel there is something to protect. I feel that we do need to pay attention to what's happening, what's going on, to the point that I studied botany for over 15, 20 years, to the point that I've studied this fucking plant to death. And uh, I will fight for it. You know, I have. I've gone to jail a couple times. I've looked at 20 years and 50 years back to back at one point. Fucking just for a fucking plan. <laughs> so, you know, uh, when you risk all that, you know, and you still come out <laughs> passionate about it. And it's not because you want to. It's just because, you know, uh, not to get too deep into some of my own personal bullshit, but had some mental health issues not too long ago. And even though you're hearing me talk about being a sous chef and associate and artist and musician and all this, and you know, by the time I was breeding, I had had my first kid or two, you know, I was 22 or 23. So, you know, life can be, life can be pretty bizarre, but at the same time, I don't know. It's, you know, cannabis has saved my life and I, I want to, I'm trying not to condemn the pharmaceutical companies. And that's kind of where my mentality was just going. I don't want to take you guys down that road because it's fucking dark. Our, our mental health system is fucked up. And unfortunately it's in my family and it hit me pretty fucking hard. And I used to be a really strong, easygoing, you know, whatever, you know, culinary, there's a lot of ego bands and music it's not that there's a lot of ego but there's you know a lot of personality and passion as well art is some is more personal to each individual so i, I feel that it is different something i can keep to myself uh and then cannabis is something also i feel like I keep to myself but i can share with everybody like my music and my art even food I, that's why i enjoy cooking so i enjoy you know entertaining i enjoy being able to create something that somebody else can appreciate so i find like the joy in my life and so, <clears throat> all right, so anyway, to get back kind of on a focus at all, 
Because, you know, my idea, what I was trying to say to you right there about mental health is, you know, that's one of the re main reasons I use cannabis. And there became a point where it didn't even work for me. And I don't want to condemn the mental health system, but if people do have mental health problems, mostly they're never understood by the people that are trying to um, relate to them, their family. I mean, unless you have mental health problems, you just can't ever understand how, how fucked up it can be. And uh, I went through the meds and you know, seven fucking doctors and three to five years of therapy and gave up smoking pot, you know, fucking eight years ago for about three to five years because it was not effective at all. And so even though we'll be talking about all this stuff, I, I just want to, you know, make it clear that this isn't my life and it, it saved my life. And I love the plant to death. And I don't think it's as simple and I don't think it's classified correctly. Like I want to take you on a, a pretty fucked up path if we're going to, you know, since we're going to do this. But uh, I think it's an amazing plant and has possibilities to do so much more than we even get it credit for. And I just don't, when it comes to people and all the breeders and all the shit and the way things to be, you know, after everything that I've kind of had to deal with and even in my own life, watch other people and how they've been dealt with and uh in the scene it's just hard to you know i don't know find anything that's really like we're like we're going in the right direction i think we're all have good intentions but it, it's still very doggy dog so giving out the information is great but how how much will it be appreciated will pre people really understand you know and stuff like that kind of comes into question for me but so like for example and this is a fucked up one um what do you think uh, a cannabis plant is you feel it's an annual flower you feel you know what just basically you know a lot of you know they say it's a weed you know and we all know it's not a weed so let's let's just go we know it's a, a flowering plant we know that the males produce the pollen and the flowers and the females produce the fruit and the bud, which to me is the fruit. So, and we know that these do have a, a season to them. They have a evolution, a life, and they want to propagate themselves. They will save themselves and seed themselves, continue their own life. So what, what do you look at it as? Just as you know, you've known this plant you know this long does it fe feel like an annual what other flower do you know let's say what other flower do you know that produces a fruit that not only you can consume that has a chemical effect that has chirping profiles that range from fucking <laughs> top to bottom uh that has so like okay so i talked to this chemist genetics mastermind guy and i want to mention his name but instead of doing that so i i proposed the idea to him now because i was in culinary because i don't drink and i'm very into flavor profiles and stuff like that um that's where i found a lot of my interest in cannabis too because as soon as blueberry and shit like that started hitting it was like wow this is incredible like even ak had its own just as accurate you know kush's had the frankincense incense deep hash tones I and mean, there's so much 
you know, so many different variations when it did open up and the seed companies, you get seeds online in order. I mean, the nineties were fucking crazy as far as opportunities for new varieties and stuff like that. But all right. So anyway, um, I developed a really good palate and nose for just being able to isolate profiles and understand, you know, certain types of pot and realize they were, they were connected. Like there was something more going on. And I didn't realize that till later. Cause just as a culinary person, I'm just building my, that repertoire as I'm aging at this point, I'm only at like, let's say 18, 19. Um, all right. For one other thing, let's backtrack just a little bit. So we got past, I know I'm going, see, I shouldn't have smoked that bong hit, dude. I told you. <laughs> we shouldn't have so, all right. Um, okay. Let's go back a little bit. So there was the green bud. There was mask. We were getting great mask and chocolate mask. Um, I also grew up with the local Hell's Angels uh, sons because I was a guitar player. I was a musician. I was pretty good at the time. And they wanted one, Dickie wanted to play bass and Calvin wanted to play guitar. And so uh, my best friend happened to know them and they were angels themselves. We're talking about the sons of local regional uh, leaders. Son. And like, okay, so, you know, picture that you're 15 16 you're hanging out with your buddy and his two buddies and you know we're all friends and we're going into a strip club and we're 16 years old to meet you know the leader of hell's angels for this area in a strip club just to say hi to meet his dad to meet you know the two guy two boys dads so we go in there you know and he's sitting at a table and fucking huge gnarly biker dude and he's got a stripper on each side and one's combing his beard fucking like all right we meet this cat and we went there because he told us to come there but the reason why we're going there is because it's calvin's 16th birthday and he's like pick any two you want you know and you know that's how that went (laughs) so anyway that connection opened up you know some doors to drugs as far as that goes was you know that's just what it was we're talking 80s and a lot of hell's angel hustle so I'm not going any farther than that. That's all we need to say about that. But it's all about drugs. Um, at that point, seeds started becoming like seeds were not, they were still in bud. It was starting to get less. It wasn't like the seedy stem shit that you would just pick through forever and just barely be able to get some weed. Now it was starting to become something. And the green bud would have already been around. Like you say, we were seeing that. We'd seen the mess. And then we went down to South O. Okay, so like I said, we're still in Nebraska. This is in Omaha. And there's a Colombian family over there. And I don't want to say their last name. I did on a different show. But so we just went down to score a bag. And it was a $50 bag, a half ounce. And so we go down to get it. Um, He goes in, comes back out, shows it to me. And I open it up and I take a whiff and look at it. And it it looked like brown weed. It looked like just regular Mexican, but it was really light gold. It was, it fucking looked not tan. I'll explain more in a minute. So it just looked fucking weird. I was like, uh, looked like fucking alfalfa almost. And I'm like, I don't know, man. So, but when I smelled it, it was like instantly, it was like, fuck what? And I closed it. I'm like, we're good. 
And my guy went back in, talked to him for a minute, came out and we drove off. And as we're drove, driving off, he's like, yeah, that was a little hairy. And I'm like, why? He's like, well, they wanted to roll you for it. So they wanted to give me the weed and then right bite me into party and then fuck me up and take the weed back after I paid for it. And fortunately, since we knew the sons of the locals, that didn't happen. So it went over. Anyway, we took that half ounce to a party down on 13th, this fat Cindy's chick's house who used to throw parties and fucking stoned out half that party on that because we had this two foot bong we take like this four foot piece of vacuum hose to it dude and we were just doing like six foot rips of Colombian gold in Omaha in the middle 80s and that was that happened <laughs> fucking and we it was a fucked up party I got a gun pulled on me that night at that party too so I mean it's that kind of party so uh that was the Colombian gold, but that had fucking serious impact. That was probably to this day, you know, people talk about how things are strong and stuff like that. To this day, one of my top strongest stones ever, period. All right. So when they talk about the differentials, nah, it, it's still there. Okay. Now the clue into that I gave at the Adam Dunn show about Colombian gold for people, since we're on that note right now, Shram. Okay, when it comes to isolating phenotypes and hybridizing all this shit we're doing, it, you know, you can take a cut of a hybrid somebody gave you, all right, and SRAM is a hybrid of Santa Marta, Colombian Gold, Toronto. Okay, that cut that goes around as SRAM, whoever put, pulled it out of the pool, pulled a dominant Santa Marta out of there. It's very little SRAM, if it, or very little Romulan, if at all. It, it's all Colombian gold. And I know this because I grew it for like five fucking years. And not only that, what's, what's the thing about that is if you grow it, okay, now here's the, diff, the part that I don't know if people really, you know, grasp is, all right, to get that profile to come out like a, a gold, I grew it like a gold. I grew it like it was in fucking Colombia. I let it long flower. I didn't overfeed it. I didn't underfeed it. You know, Columbia is very rich in all kinds of aspects. Okay. But I didn't grow it like an indica that came from India in the mountains either. I didn't grow it like a Hindu or the pink kush or anything like that. So I grew it long, got it really big, tall and branchy and ended up having this tree, this fucking beautiful tree of this plant. And we're in about 12 weeks, which doesn't sound, you know, that's reasonable for a fucking gold, a, a sativa dominant, you know, that's very reasonable actually, but we were in a pretty high powered room and I'll explain kind of the process we used to do later, which when I did discovery, I would do it at my house. Um, personally, I would do, I would test lines for their tendencies and their needs. And then we would, after we, I kind of got the idea of what they needed and how they fed and how they acted, we would move them to a bigger room and run them through production. And, but we'll get into that later. Um, in a few minutes, I'm going to take a break and go smoke a cigarette. Unfortunately, I don't drink, but I, I am a tobacco aficionado. I mean, it's horrible fucking habit, but it's what it is. <laughs> but how you doing, man? I want to take a breath. See, and this is what I, you know, I, I'll tell you guys, anybody watching, before we got on, I told him what I found was interesting about his show is how he, 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 he'll ask you how you know what you're about and then it, he just seems to let it just comes out of the people talking I didn't you know I don't want to I'd rather have a conversation where we're having you know back and forth than just fill it for some reason I'm doing the same shit I'm just spilling guts so I don't know what you do dude but you got some kind of weird pot whisperer shit going on here <laughs> 
but that's a good thing. <laughs> I'm enjoying the story so far. Cool. Uh, you know, it's it's a, a good story. You've you kind of haven't yet to get in on the grow part. I mean, you've kind of skipped ahead, but when did the actual grow start things? I mean, it sounded like it's yeah, pretty yeah. earlier, but yeah, no, kinda... no, you would you would think, right? Yeah, no, bear with me, it's coming. And you know, and that's why I don't I've never been pushy about hey, this is you know, I, I was there and there's a lot, you trust me, there's a lot of growing coming. That's for fucking sure. Um, one of the first times I will say real quick, like when I was 10 or 11, I remember seeing the first couple of pot plants in my buddy's mom and dad's closet under a fluorescent tube. And they looked like some skinny ass tie skunk shit. Now that I think back about it, but that was as much other access that I had ever seen about pot. Um, beside, I think one, yeah, we built a house on the lake one time. Uh, my mom had seen pot plants that grew wild in Nebraska and she's like, oh, that's a pretty plant. We should bring it inside. And I was about 13 or 14 by then and kind of knew what one was. I was like, ah, you don't want to do that. Besides, it was ditchweed. And we'll talk about that too, because, you know, ditchweed in Nebraska is a very prevalent thing. And the paraquat thing, uh, the eradication through Kansas and all that, you know, it's still there in Nebraska. So, um, the first just, okay, so growing. What we were doing at this point, I hadn't done any seeds yet. I hadn't ordered because we're in the mid-80s. So it was in the magazines and people might have been ordering, but I think just the people that were really hip to the scene, man, you had to fucking, I mean, I was young, dude. I was trying to get laid playing guitar into cooking. I mean, pot was something I scored, you know, and I was involved with it. And we weren't seeing all these varieties yet. It was very limited, very consistently limited. <laughs> so... But I remember keeping bag seeds and I remember my best friend's dad, like the first time I'm going to grab a cigarette here in a second and then we'll get back into it. But the first time I got high was very like really high is, is an important thing to me. And then the first grow and they kind of combined. All right. And it was about 12 or 13. And that's what I meant about saying, like, I felt like I needed to go through puberty before I got high. Cause the first time that it really, I, maybe it was his dad's pot that was just that good. You know, maybe because I had smoked before that. Like I said, we were stealing cigarettes from our folks and shit like that. So, but I'll go ahead and tell you that one real quick. So, you know, the whole idea is we're going to go down and smoke with your dad. You know, that was the whole, the whole game. So me and my buddy went down there and his dad rolled up a joint. We started smoking and And yeah, dude, shit changes. Like reality changes. When you fucking, if you smoke real pot <laughs> the, the first time, that it you actually get you know i feel there's catching a buzz there's getting high and there's getting stoned it's three very different things catching a buzz is something that's pretty functional and anybody can do anytime getting high that's where we start that i feel when you get high your whole perspective changes i don't know how that cannabinoid connection works like that or whatever it is and getting stoned is lethargic like where you're Okay, like getting high, you overthink. You can get hyper, you can get lethargic. There's a lot of things with, you know, a high, actually being high, knowing you're high, like being like, oh, I'm high, you know, but then you go pat, you get, you know, to where you feel those type of effects and stones with different pots and drugs or whatever, and then there's stone. And that's like, now I'm not thinking of nothing because I'm so high, or I'm so high that I'm stoned. I can't fucking function let alone think <laughs> so, sure. 
that. So we smoke the joint and that happens. And at this point, like I'm high, high. And I'm looking at a comic asking his dad why Iron Man's wearing a gray uniform, a gray suit in the comic. And they're fucking laughing their asses off because they told me to turn the channel, the channel three from channel six. And this is rotary TVs. So you got VHF and UHF. What do I do? I don't go from three, four, five to six. I go the long way around. Three, two, one, 12, 11. Geek, geek, geek. And going in. And so his dad had a blast with my ass. And so, yeah, he got as high as fuck. And it was, I don't know what it was, but yeah, that was, that was it. That, that changed it all. Then after that, we, we, you're always pursuing that feeling. It's like, what happened? <laughs> it's like, well, I want to do that again. It wasn't because I needed it. It's because that was fucking stupid fun. That was retarded. You know, I shouldn't use those politically incorrect terms, but. Fuck, back then that wasn't an issue. It's just a fucking word. So anyway, <laughs> um, that's that particular high. And then shortly after that, we had thrown some seeds out in the cornfield. I'm gonna go smoke real quick. And I grew, we grew our first gorilla. And that's the where that started. So that's right, almost me getting out of high school. But yeah, let me grab a smoke real quick and I'll be back in like two minutes. <laughs> Well, how you guys doing, <clears throat> chat? Jason, I sold my vision for 24, 24, 20. How you doing, man? I have not seen the chat, but it's good to know you've been lurking in chat. Father and son trimming tutorials. Good to see you in chat as well. So many cool people in chat. Might as well do a quick shout out for it. Quick one. Of course, 42420 LB B13 Leo Bingus. Cheers to you, my friend. Hopefully you're doing well. Captain 420, Chad Westport, Chicha B. How you doing, Chicha? John Gorski. Of course, Jason Axel. Thank you, my friend, for hanging out and being here night after night. Greatly appreciate it. Dozer, meet us 207. Smiley's Gardens. How you doing, my friend? Red Pill, Miss Green, motherfucking fingers, Thomas, Prometheus Soils, Ned Denver. Jason662, how you doing, Johnny Canaseed? Hopefully you guys are all doing very well. What are you guys smoking on? Comfortably numb? Glad to see you too. Zippy, Zippy, nice to see you. I always have to cut you short, man. I always get tongue-tied. Tongue-tied on that name. But I hope uh, you guys are all doing well. Appreciate it. Oh, Miss Madam T just popped in. How you doing, Miss Madam T? Cheers to you. Cheers. Getting that ink done tomorrow. I've got a whole day, hopefully, set aside to get my whole uh, left area from uh, probably down to there from hip to just under the armpit. Uh, it should be a nice six hour plus sitting. Yeehaw. Right on the ribs. It should be uh big i should be i should be miserable through the whole t-dog episode tomorrow night but i will do what i can do i'll try i'll try to put on that happy face <laughs> i see me am i saying that right 
smoking that gelato. I had some not gelato yesterday, but some good gelato, like really good ice cream, some like double shot espresso gelato ice cream. On a side note, Barbara Matthews, cheers to you. Welcome to the show. Hopefully you guys are all doing well, man. It's always uh, nice to see people check in, say hello, and chat there to make sure they're on the shout-outs list. That's how you make the shout-outs list is see that name come popping through chat. I got to know you're there. I got to know you're participating. I need to roll up another joint is what I need to be doing got the opportunity man i've been doing a lot of work here in the garden man things are probably the closest to being on coin minute aloha all right might as well go back again cheers guys it's probably a bad idea no it's never a bad idea cannabis is never a bad idea no, it's not. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> All right. <coughs> we'll just jump right back in. <coughs> so, <coughs> yeah, about this time we start <coughs> seeing better skunk <coughs> and Afghan hybrids, stuff like that. And you can buy it. <coughs> you'd be getting this bag wheat. So you start saving seeds. And you're like, All right, well, how can we? get something going because you know you would see a high times at the gas station and be like shit something's going on and know that you know there's a culture but you know you gotta understand in the mid 80s i don't give a fuck who you were you did not talk about it still <laughs> you know it was not something you discussed you didn't want to smell like pot and the funny thing about everybody talked that you know when i did get online in like 2004 and shit and start talking even though i was looking i was watching them all talk before that and everybody's like after roadkill they're all after skunk and it's like dude if you ran the skunk from the 80s or you still do you know there's a fucking issue growing that pot because <laughs> you can put three scrubbers in a fucking room with that shit and you are still everybody in two miles gonna know you're growing skunk that's how fucking strong that stuff that shit was and so I don't think it's a matter of like we lost skunk. I think people started moving away from it because that shit was, I don't know, maybe we started going after profiles that were more, you know, that didn't give you away or something, you know, but I always thought that was funny. It's like, man, if they were really growing skunk and they got it and be like, you're paranoid the whole fucking time you grow a real skunk, you know, you're, you're sweating it. Even in veg, they fucking stink you know so you imagine taking down a fucking room with nothing but skunk at its prime grown properly just in you know oh my god and then you can't get it off you like i got hit coming off a train fucking from colorado once just working around cannabis and they flagged my ass they're like everybody on that train thought i was carrying probably 20 pounds and i didn't i had fucking like a, a gram and fucking a handful of seeds which they did get me for and that was it and they're like dude you fucking and i just didn't wash them in my clothes so i put them in my backpack before i got on the train but you're so numb to it when you're around that amount of it you're just like you don't realize it's like a, somebody that doesn't smoke cigarettes and they're like god you know you smell like a fucking ashtray well if you don't smoke weed you definitely most people know that you do 
So we were starting to save seeds. Um, like I said, we're talking, you know, like Nebraska kind of area and a lot of cornfields, a lot of rural stuff going on. So needless to say, uh, we had talked to one of my buddies and his dad was a farmer and they had a field out there. And uh, I was really interested. I saw Green Bodie on there speaking of Nebraska. I'm really curious to talk to that cat and find out what he what part of where his stomping grounds were. Because it's, you know, that's one of the cool things about talking to people and meeting people online, especially when you've been to some place that they are familiar with and you're like, oh, well, you know about these guys or this place and that's it. Because to me, the stuff that we don't talk about online, the stuff that's more kept to ourselves is where a lot of what's really happened, happened. And so I find that a little bit more, uh, I don't know, interesting than some of the stuff that we all lock onto and feel like is really the true stories of the culture. When it's not, it's the underground people we don't even know about. They probably did all the work that we were just bastardizing for decades <laughs> so all right <clears throat> so we make a deal with this kid to throw our seeds out there and the beginning of the year after they get the corn going after they just start coming up and we weren't um i think one of the guys were, were, were sprouting the seeds before he took them out there but then we did a couple plots anybody that's done gorilla style you usually will do you know i don't know if this is common practice but you know, a map, a plot map. And so let's say you have a couple acres of field, you know, you'd have your, your markers of what streets, you know, what rural routes you're kind of at. And then you'd have something that marked the fence line that you'd start your path and you'd walk so far in and then so far to one direction or another. And that'd be your first plot. And you just lay a handful out and then you go another direction and kind of just sparsely put little sections around that way. There's not one group section of too many pot plants in the corn. Okay, so that, that's how you got away with proper gorilla without losing everything. Because usually they'd till some of them up or some of them get ripped. Because, you know, as soon as they start flowering and get towards the end of season, not only the farmers know what's going on, anybody within a mile or two and with the right wind is going to know something's going on over there. Because even though there's a lot of ditch weed in Nebraska it don't smell like proper weed and when you smell proper weed anyway you, you think there's a skunk close by or there's a big patch of some fucking proper fire and so we uh only did that for like a season or two and so what would happen is at the end of the season we did just one part of the field and his his kid was the one that that tilled the field and they harvest the corn and he kind of, he'd be able to miss some of it, but if his dad was with him, he'd just go ahead and till it over. And I don't know how he got away with it. So some of the plants would be knocked down and like tilled into the dirt. And if, but if we knew where the plot was, we could go there and literally like find the stalk and kind of like shake it out of the debris that was left and there'd still be all the buds in there. And it was kind of, some was fucked up and some wasn't. We'd be able to bubble hash some of it because it's not like we knew those processes, but hash processes were kind of, you know, like I said, high times. There were certain things that were being talked about. And, you know, this is way past gold stamp, you know, Afghan, which was early, what, late 70s, early 80s. So hash processes were probably even more prominent at this point in the 80s than the connoisseur level growing that we're at now, like this really tech advanced shit that we're doing. Um, 
And even though, you know, metal halides and all that were available, it still wasn't to the degree that we are at now by far. So um, we, we did all right doing that kind of stuff. You know, you'd still get street bud or whatever. And so what really tricked me as far as growing, wanting to grow. So the second year we did it, um, you usually would see pretty good high plants that would come up and pretty much match the corn height wise, maybe about half the size, sometimes a little taller. And so we were getting these mixed varieties, nothing indica, we, no indicas were even seen yet. All right, at least in the Midwest, and we're talking early to mid eighties. All right, now if somebody's out there wants to, you know, go against that, this is where the argument starts, unfortunately. And I'm, I will fucking fight tooth and nail on this because there's another part of the story coming up where I did see the first Kush that came across the country. And so this is where it might get a little bit weird. <laughs> so anyway, the second year we did it, we did the plot and the seeds and all that, but there was this one plant that was, that only had gotten about three, maybe three foot, okay? And so they had plowed the field and everything was done. And we we're oddly, we went out, we'd go and pull the stuff at night, you know, because that's how it worked. You didn't go out there during the day. You just wait till either they tilled or right before they harvested the corn, you'd go out and you'd take your plants down. And that's actually how you did the proper gorilla without them getting tilled. So right when his, he, the kid knew that his dad was going to pull the field, he'd be like, you guys need to get out there within the next couple of days and get all the plants down. See what I mean? So we just go out there and so we fucking start getting what we could. And you kind of be, you know, picky about it. You'd be like, oh, this one got hit by a deer, you know, so that one's fucked. And you're just kind of looking and you're out there with flashlight in the middle of the night fucking being stupid. And uh, some of it was proper looking bud. Some was total trash. Some didn't finish. Some, you know, would be males or we never really got out there and got into male, female stuff. So even if it was, you know, it was still, some would be pollinated, some wouldn't, you know, so seeded or not. Um, I don't think we got hit by cross pollination because we did, we were kind of smart enough to be up on a hill and away from areas that would have cross pollinated, which were a little bit further than where we were. If you guys know, uh, kind of where Valley and Fremont and Elkhorn and, okay, I don't want to say too much. All right. So, um, but it's all the Platte River Valley. So it, it's a lot of hills and dales, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay, so the last time we went out there, we're at night and we were done and we were coming, going back down the road to leave and we already grabbed some of the plants and th it was a fucked up, you know, grab this time because they had already tilled. We had done it a couple nights before, so um, we had pulled the ones that we could, but then we missed and they actually tilled a day or two and the ones that we didn't get, we were like, all right, well, let's go out and double check and see if there's any that we can pull up and hash or whatever. And so we did that and we found a couple, but on our way out, we're, we're driving and there's like the moons out and shit. And I don't know if this was fate or whatever. It's just kind of a cool part of the story. So, and I'm like, all right, so I see the, the horizon and it's night, you know, and the moon's here. And all I see is like this fucking mound, this little bush. And I'm like, you know, stop, you know, cause we're leaving. I'm like, hold on a minute. I'm like, is that what I fucking think it is? And it's in the middle of the cornfield about where one of our plots would have been, but just sitting there, I'm like, I can't be. And so I'm like, hold on. So I fucking run up the hill and sure as fuck, it's this perfect fucking little indica fucker about three foot tall. And it was fucking beautiful. And I'm like, 
all right. And those guys were like, he's just grabbing the fucking bean bush. It's beans or some shit. And I pulled the whole thing, root ball and everything. I'm like, for some reason, it was just like one of those, holy shit, what is this? I fucking turned into, what's his name? Fucking from the Lord of the Rings real quick. It's like, she's, you know, and fucking, you know, beelined it for the truck. And they're like, what the fuck? I'm like, look at this fucking shit. Like, holy shit. And we're all freaking out. She's like me and two other buddies. We go back to my apartment and we didn't know nothing about really, you know, we were already kind of dry, learning dry cure processes, but the stuff that was done at the end of the season before we chop, we chop and then we let it hang somewhere or we just process it right away because we were still kind of kids and didn't know really what we were doing. So it was just like, take it off the branches. We'll dry the buds. As soon as we dry, we should be able to smoke it. And most of the time you could probably get away with that. A lot of the times we just fucking get rid of it. Um, sometimes it, you you couldn't. It was like, nah, we something needs to. We just need to leave that sit over there for a while and see if it gets any better. Which most sometimes it didn't. Most of the time it didn't. So anyway, this particular plant, um, I took to my apartment instead of taking it to like a buddy's garage or wherever somebody's basement where we normally take any amount. And I kept this one close because it was big enough to keep close. And we put it in the garbage bag and I took it to my apartment. And I remember putting it in my, I left the root ball on. And I remember putting it in my, there's a, you know how your water heater or whatever in apartments, like in a little closet in between like your kitchen and the back rooms. I remember because I was freaking out. I had a fucking pot plant in my apartment in the middle of fucking a place you don't want to have a pot plant in an apartment. A state and a city so i put that in there hanging with all the leaves i think we trimmed the leaves off of it but we left the root ball on and everything intact stuck it in there because i wanted to start dehydrating slowly i figured the water heater pilot would just kind of do it just enough and so gave it a couple days but i remember over crisping it a couple days later i felt it and it was like oh fuck so i kind of worried about it so i put it back in the garbage bag with a little bit of moisture and re-moisturized it again now, maybe it was just overnight and it happened real quick. Or I remember drying out and putting it in a bag and re-moisturizing it. But what made it unique was within the root ball in that first day or so of cutting it and it not really being completely dead. Because to me, even if you pull the root ball, you know, even if you chop it, it's still alive while it's in that dry cure phase for a while. You know, it's still a lot of processes and, came, and chemical changes. So we were still in that first 24 hours. I remember it getting too dry and then rehydrating it but i wrapped it in a, paper, a plastic bag and put it in my freezer for some reason i forget why i did that now that changed the outside of it to like this black purple and did something to the resins or something so anyway this pot the came out to be in like one of the first experiences i think anybody that i knew and myself had with a kush or a real indica and when you smoked it it wasn't like anything you had had for the last 10 years. It was fucking like, it's not a haze. It's not a stunt. You can't compare it to anything. It's like fucking drinking beer, you know, a good beer. You had stouts. But now there's fucking scotch. You know, this shit, it fucking hit you like a fucking whole different beast. And not only that, the way that dry cure, whatever we did, or the way it finished and all that, added to even more it made it like super fucking good. It was fantastic. One dude I know, my girlfriend's brother held on to a butt of it for five years and he would just take a little piece off and do a bong hit once in a while. 
you know, it, it was that kind of, it was just that next level. And that got me into wanting to be like, something happened there. I think we can figure this out, you know, because I was already starting to cook at this point. I was definitely learning guitar. Um, me, myself, as a person, I, I like to really master things. So when I get into it, like studying guitar and learning to play, you know, being an artist is something you're born with. By the time I was three, I was drawing. And I'd won an art contest by the time I was six for, you know, the school I was at, uh, just my high school. Uh, music came later just because people influenced music. And I had a direct desire to want to play guitar, even though I started on like cello and shit like that. Um, guitar in music, you know, that's one of the reasons I like smoking because, you know, anybody that plays music or is really into guitar or, you know, just a true musician, you know, there's that point where, even though you're catching a buzz, when you play music, you like almost disconnect and you can create just these fucking incredible fucking, you know, melodies and harmonies. And it just opens up that creativity and don't overthink and, you know, just the whole idea of getting, you know, putting your whole self into it without feeling like it's work, you know. But then, I don't know, when you smoke, you know, a theory, like, not to get too complicated, music theory can be very complicated. And instead of trying to explain to you guys what a passing tone is and why it is and all that stuff, which I'm almost trying to do, and that's why we shouldn't be smoking weed while we're trying to have these conversations with explaining. <laughs> but, all right, so... At that point, I was like, I wasn't into botany, I wasn't into pot, wasn't into growing nothing. It was nothing to me. I was into music theory, and I was just starting to get into cooking. I was a, kind of a developing artist. Shit, I'd already been in football. I was a football kid, a wrestling guy. I'd been on the tennis team, water skier. I was slalom water ski, pretty normal life. Um, then the late, okay, then the biggest change, that fucking clone first Kush clone to come across the country and it wasn't fucking OG Kush I can tell you that fucking right now so um at this point I got two kids I'm like 20 something 22 23 it's late 80s and I've been growing now for a minute now I'm growing in my house I have a metal halide in my basement a couple uh plants around it and uh all from bag seed i don't think anybody was passing cuts even at that point because it wasn't like you're like hey i got a stop here's a cut it was all still seeds you were people you know any i don't know maybe guys on the coast or the big because you know operation green merchant was in the 70s so there was people doing underground warehouse shit and i know there was a lot of progress happened here and there but we didn't see it like that in the midwest and i would think that 99 of all the people you know, even involved in cannabis back then, you didn't tell your brother, let alone anybody. So, you know, whether there were people that were that involved or not, I doubt they're, you know, that much in the forefront. Even though you have people like Wolf Siegel, who, you know, he, he tells you the story. He was the guy that was busted with the um, biggest count for Operation Green Merchant with like 12,000 plants. Now in the 70s, getting hit with 12,000 plants, fuck, you know, you're fucked. And the first time I got hit was with that fucking Kush clone that came across the country. I got it in about late 80s, about 88, I think. I got hit in 92 or 93. 
and was looking at one to 20 for that fucking thing. That's how the eight, that's how the nineties were, the early nineties in the Midwest. There was no understanding for pot. They looked at that as might as well have been fucking Coke or heroin. There's another thing that'll never be the same, a Coke from the 80s. <laughs> Not to go down that road, but anybody who was actually there knows what's up with that. You guys watch that movie, Blow, or watch anything about narcos. Yeah, we, we fucking live that shit, and they weren't fucking around. That, that shit was, you know, I hate to go even bring up that topic, but it's what it was. I mean, it, and it made things change, but it, it was part of why it was wild because it was fucking so good, you know, and it was, just wasn't what it is today. It was just a whole different beast. So, um, my, uh, I was living, I had a house at this point. I was working, uh, doing assistant manager, kitchen somewhere shit, probably playing a couple guys on the side trying to make a band. I had my woman and a couple kids and her mom and her boyfriend in my basement and her mom's boyfriend was kind of a scrappy dude. He always bought from me. I usually, you know, was so good. Like I said, at this point, I'm growing, but I'm still buying QPs. And at this point, I think I'd even sold, like, I didn't grow up myself. I might have, I think we hooked Ronnie James Dio up with a QP one time. <laughs> you know, I didn't grow up, but we got it for him because, uh, you know, there's an argument about surfers having the weed and how it all came across the country and all that was surfers but the musicians were also involved you know the the, the black jazz musicians with the, the reaper and all that bullshit and that's true and not only just with the black musicians musicians in general so i understand the the surfboard stories and the surfers but they forgot all about the musicians and musicians had more access than surfers because surfers were dirty hippie surfer fucks the way they were looked at back then, just like I was looked at like a dirty hippie stoner fucking through the 80s, you know, even though I wasn't because it was more grunge by then. We're starting to get to where it was flannel shirts and fucking Harley Davidson t-shirts. It wasn't fucking hippie shit, but there was that hippie attitude in the pot, you know. So there were no thugs, were no rap. None of that shit existed didn't fucking have anything to do with anything all pot was all about peace love and fucking hippies you know and it was supposed to be so uh but like i said the, the musician scene that was huge i think that had as much impact with pot getting around as fucking the surfers but that's anyway so not to get off tangent but yeah one year uh the reason why that those connections i ended up selling snoop a couple zips too and pinched him pretty hard on the price we'll talk about that later though um <laughs> so right the reason why the the deal thing kind of happened is because limousines are needed to get people from their hotel and managers usually are already had connections and so when ronnie james came through he uh knew somebody that worked for jeff kaplan star limousine and that's somebody who knew us and so they were all put the word out hey ronnie james looking for a qp so we got a qp and then just a quick Snoop thing. The Snoop thing was weird. That wasn't too long ago. That was like seven, eight years ago. And he bought two zips from us and we hit him for about 700 bucks. Okay. But now remember about 10, eight, 10 years ago, Bud was still almost 400 zips. So don't, you know, we didn't hit him that bad for you guys that are like, damn, put a pinch on Snoop. We actually did him pretty right. Cause for the time and what he got, we gave him a, 
to so his manager just put a word out and we just happened to be the people that heard and my buddy is the one that heard because he had a connection to the guy that worked for where Snoop was going to be playing or where he was staying or whatever it was and he didn't quite have enough he only had about a zip to give him and that's why he called me and we we're already partners so he's like you got about enough and I was like ah. so we kind of put what we did was we gave Snoop basically eight different varieties in two ounces so just you know like a quarter or half a certain thing so he got a fucking he got all of our dude I think he got like blueberry and purple butters and fucking maybe p98 bubba shit like that some really good stuff man and we heard he didn't finish it he didn't give us no mentions or nothing but we know he, he had to leave some of it because when a lot of the bands tour they you know they're going to get stopped so they don't roll hold them they'll hook up and smoke and leave it where they're at or try to roll clean so that's what i've heard his process was is he'd show up and buy and smoke it all up and move on his way and if he didn't he'd give it away or just get rid of it um all right so after the uh started growing and uh my girlfriend's mom and boyfriend in the basement he gets a visit from this cat and at this point i'm i'm wanting to be a pretty hardcore guitar player and i'm upstairs playing and this fucking huge guy comes up and uh he's from oregon and i do have his name written down somewhere out and we don't need to get into all that um and he sits down and i've got a nylon string classical sitting next to me and i um he's like hey you know you want to smoke one i'm like yeah because i had to live my tray out in my bong and he's like well i'm gonna roll one up this i'm like all right you bet and he saw what i had which is probably just some regular green bud and so he rolled it up and i could smell it was different i was like all right like i said i'd had that indica experience already so i was like all right whatever um and I remember looking at it being like, this doesn't look normal. Now this is, okay, so an indica is one thing, but a kush, I mean, a real kush, it's so much, I mean, it's so blended into everything now, it's hard to be like, oh, it was so different. And it is so different, but compared to, I mean, I got a bud down there from Justin's School of Hard Knocks of his uh, Whataberry. It has like a blue, a berry kush in it. And it looks like, aesthetically the bud the same bud that i was growing in 88 <laughs> that i got from that dude but smell wise there is actually some of this the, the profile is actually kind of there but all right so anyway um this guy twists up a doom and i pick my guitar up and guitar players like to do what they call cutting heads which is kind of like feeling each other out seeing you can play better it's almost like what you do when you fucking uh go to match bowls with somebody who's got the better bud in your crew you know in, in your fucking peer group and that's how you start to you know people start to know what's happening like god damn every time that dude shows up you know he's got that fucking fire and one of the things that i believe any really good grower will hear if he's that good is somebody tells him that was the best bud i've ever smoked in my life and if you've heard that more than once or twice, then you are doing something special. And I've heard it plenty. And I don't care if I hear it or not. You know what I mean? It's not what it is. It's like, it's why people come back. They get like, what the fuck was that? It was like, it got me high, but that was it's a different level, man. There was something that was deep shit, you know? Like, fuck yeah. You just felt what I fucking put in that, you know? It's like, 
And that's kind of, you know, the type of connections I get to things. And I talk about mastering, but also that connection that really putting, you know, every piece of yourself in it. So, um, yeah, so at that point, he rolls it up, we start smoking it, and the flavor's phenomenal. This is definitely, uh, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, it is OG, it is Hindu, it is Afghan. It's complex, but not as over complex as a lot of things are now. Like Bubba was really close to the flavor, but Bubba has a very strong coffee front. But that rich earth, frankincense, incense, hash, black hash. But if you don't know what the affy black hash was like in the 80s, and that me saying hash might have a different interpretation to you. And so, but it was all that and just a fantastic deep body stone. And it, it hit you like nothing else. And this is before everything. I mean, those guys can argue, oh, we had it in the late 70s, early 80s. Nah, fuck. You might have, but it wasn't in the fucking Midwest. So anyway, not only this guy had the butt, I shit you not, he fucking, he's like, you want to buy some phones? You know, your boy tells me you grow. And he's talking about my uh, girlfriend's mom's boyfriend. I'm like, yeah. And I show him my plants. You know, hey, like, check them out. He's like, I got you. And he says, this is Mazari Shri Hindu Kush from Oregon. And it's been there a couple years as we've been cloning the mother. It's on its 20th generation, this clone. Like he knew, he was telling me shit I didn't even really understand at the time. Like the 20th generation, I'm like, okay, whatever, dude, okay, it's a plant, I get it. I'm gonna grow it, this pot's fucking bomb. So he sold me five clones for five bucks a piece, rooted, they're pretty. And I guess he, okay, now this is kind of why I feel that everybody has the same kind of stories or, you know, we all have a story. So this guy not only sold me a nobody from the middle of fucking nowhere, these five clones of what I do believe is the first curse that was making its way across. He was doing it everywhere. So that fucking thing, just like, you know, that Bubba dude talks about how he got a hold of a, a Cali NL and some Kush down in Florida and Bubba and OG were created. I can see it just because of how things fucking happen. It's so random, but it all kind of ends up connected somehow in the end. That's fucking weird, but it's just the way it you know, seems to be working. It comes around full circle one way or the other. You know, with my perception of it, it's just more complex and harder to define now because we're mixing so many cuisines, so to speak. So anyway, that fucking plant, I had that rolling for years for like I said till 92 or 93 unfortunately uh the house I was staying in had a uh and that okay and this is also when the the price changed all right and actually right after that so instead of getting a quarter for 25 bucks now all of a sudden it's uh what are we at we're not at the 400 range yet but we're close it jumped it fucking jumped big and that sucked at the same time, it didn't. Okay, producers, you just quadrupled your fucking money. We're all growing the same shit, but all of a sudden, everybody's paying four times as much, whether it's Kush or not. That Kush changed the whole fucking game, so it has fucking bearing. But unfortunately, it was just a variety of, you know, of the range of possible varieties, you know, just that one type. But it, it fucking had impact, man. It was... You could, you know, it was solid. You could, you know, a pound of it wasn't fucking this big. 
You know what I mean? It was fucking, you could get a pound, <laughs> you get a pound in a, you know, a pretty compact thing and the buds weren't fucked up. And, you know, it's just what it was. So yeah, after about three or four years of that, the house I was renting was going to get an insurance inspection. They were selling the property. They're going to bulldoze it. Me and my partner, like, all right, we got to fucking move this. My partner was ex-military Marine. Uh, we tried to do things as fucking slick and tight as we could, and it just didn't work out. Moved them in the middle of the night. It was only a 10-plan operation. Uh, they were about halfway into bloom, so we had plants that were about two to three foot tall um, in bags. Moving in the middle of the night to a van in the driveway and then over to his, the, his, his place, taking them from my place. What I think happened is my neighbor saw, smelled, who knows what. Um, they watched us for a couple days. I was working. Uh, they hit both houses at the same time. They hit me while I was at work. Um, I didn't have anything at my house at this point, but 12 cuttings. I was just doing the cloning and keeping them sustained. Everything was over at the other place. They hit both places at the same time and me at work at the same time. Snatched him and everything up, got me. Now it was our, my first charge. So uh, unfortunately it was a manufacturing charge. So the first charge was one to 20 for manufacturing. Um, it was my very first felony charge. So they pleaded to me after they waited because it wasn't over 10 plants. So it wasn't no federal issue, pretty small op. Uh, came out to over two or three pounds because they weigh it dry weight, but they, what did they do? They took the root masses and everything with that one, which I thought was fucked up. I think they shook them out because I've been hit after this and the second time or third time I got hit, whatever. <laughs> they cut the stalk and took the top. But in this particular instance back then, they fucking took the whole root mass. So then they dry it and they weigh it and they are giving me a possession charge at this point. Now it's based on weight. So uh, I got hit with two or three pounds. I'm like, all right, well, well, you never had anything prior. You know, I didn't have any priors or was it no fucking habitual. So like, all right, we're going to give you zero to five. And uh, I did like fucking six months and I had a job. So within a couple months, I got on work release. Um, they took me out to Lincoln Penn for a minute for there was a before you go to, before I went to work release, I was uh, in jail the first couple of weeks or about a week or two or a month or so, maybe more. Yeah, because it took me a while to figure out I could get work release to do the paperwork and everything. It fucked me up. It was weird. It was a weird situation. I, you know, I wasn't a criminal. I was just growing bud and you know, doing my own thing. So, But it worked out for me because when you do go into jail as a grower, everybody wants to be your friend. You know, they, They're all bored to death in there anyway. And Anybody that smokes weed or anybody that's you know a criminal looking to profit from being able to produce their own fucking profit, you know, they're like, teach me, man. So I had it pretty easy in jail. That went that went well. As soon as they because when you go in, you find, you know, they got the new this is when the newspapers would be in the jail and they'd have you you your charges and everything circled. They know who you were when you were walking in, all the all the convicts did beside all the guards and shit. So they already knew because the guys that were like molesters and shit like that, they, if they walked in, yeah, they were waiting for them motherfuckers too, all the little kid freaks and shit like that. So, I mean, that's a, you know, the judicial system and the whole jail prison system is a whole nother fucking life in its own. So, um, got through that pretty easy, did the work release, got, uh, fucked that up about two thirds into it couple of years into uh after i got out 
I was on probation. So I, I didn't do the work release for like, you know, whatever, six months or so I was out for, I had three years probation because the judge is like, yeah, we're giving you this. And it's going to be three years probation. And it's going to be another six months at the end of sentence. He, he threw this thing on. I forget this part of the way, <laughs> pardon me, the sentence went. And so I was out and uh, I was on probation and I got violated about two years into it. And I was uh, not, yeah, that was tricky because it was like, I should have just fucking bit the bullet and been like, all right, whatever, I'll go do whatever the judge wants me to do and be done with it. But for some reason, I was like, you know what? Fuck this state. Fuck these motherfuckers. <laughs> and I bailed to Kansas. So this is where now we're getting into the late 80s, early 90s. Okay, no, we're in the early 90s right now. And the reason why this matters is because not that I was in Kansas, but this is when seeds became a big, big deal. This is when okay there's already been cups in amsterdam this is when shit's already gone down in california and oregon and all that shit's happened there still is no og there still is no d's there's fucking no cams none of that shit it's really this is the early uh 90s the catalog from the 80s that neville put in there you know those people had bought those you have the guys from sacred seeds which, you know, you got the fucking story. Were they full of shit or was it for real? And unfortunately, I do believe there has to be some truth to it just because the way they did the descriptions. And I could go on, you know, you, I love the name of your show, The Wormhole Part, dude, because fuck, I can take you guys down a wormhole. It's just endless, you know? And I, you know, it's just, it's got so many directions on top of that. But, and I've talked to the people that have been involved and literally had, all right, for example, in the 80s, 90s, Mattatunuska Valley Thunderfuck, everybody that knows what MTF is and stands for, all it was was a bunch of lines that were sent to the valley, and the people in Alaska high-bred this beast of a line called Mattatunuska Valley Thunderfuck, okay? Now, it didn't come back like that. What happened was some people from those groups came back through the states and through Europe, just like that guy from Oregon did that clone. These people would travel around and sell their seeds. Now, genetics were an issue at this point. Now it was like people were understanding what was happening, especially by that mid-80s point. I was a kid and just feeling it out. But those, like I said, there's people that were, they knew what was going on. And there was fucking serious work already well done by this point. But like I said, by the time we're getting to the late 80s, early 90s, now it's hit the Midwest. Now it's hit the East Coast. It's already been over in Amsterdam. High times are having cups over there. I think we won the American, the Adam or Tony. I know Tony won with Western Windsor, got third place in early 90s. And uh, the story with Western Winds is real convoluted. So anyway, um, this shit's really going down now. So all that seed work starting to really be available available to people and like i said the kush has come and it's not that it was just like i said there was skunk and afghan we didn't really see i didn't see haze a whole lot in the midwest so i i'm assuming that was a, a surfer coast thing and probably the islands and you know other places and you know afghan durbans and things like that it's like each country and region still had like their own diversities you know even though it was all starting to mix now it definitely started to mix and people were beyond it mixing now they're thinking you know, what we do now is 
we have these moms that will be like, this one gets me this high, this one's got that flavor, it has that effect. Well, I want, this is why I want to mix them. People are doing that then, but no one had done it at that point. You know, Neville, I guess, sat on his couch and was the first to kind of be like, well, I'll sell seeds. But he got those seeds from other people and uh, knew, you know, was that guy, I guess, that did that realization. It's like, mm, I can, I can hustle this. I can really make some money. But then you also had uh, Sacred Seeds and uh, fuck, I'm trying to think. There were two groups in that Cultivator's Choice catalog. It was Sacred Seeds and somebody else. And those were the first guys, I think, that were doing a lot of the breeding that got together and did the backbone of every. They worked pretty much with the lines that are the backbones of everything we have now. I mean, period. Because we, we all think what we do, everybody knows about and no one cares or knows what we're doing. You know, we're talking right now and there's probably, you know, a handful of people watching, only so many people, you know, watch it later. But in the reality of all of it, if you were to get a thousand people together and ask any of them the name of a breeder or an Amsterdam seed company, you'd be lucky if two of those people would be like, uh, fucking Simon from Sirius Seeds. And fucking uh, Adam Dunn from TH Seeds. You know, there's just no one knows who who they were. Any, you know, it's just I I just feel like the cannabis breeder really cult. You know, culture is so buried under everything, and we're so small of a population that I don't even see why we argue about the stuff and fight over genetics because we're you know, out of those thousand people that mo the majority might smoke the weed and be like, that shit's great. Have no idea what it is. They don't care like we do. They don't care about the varieties. They don't care about how it's grown. You know, as long as it gets them high, it does what they need them to do, especially medically. People that don't even smoke weed or want anything to do with it that have cancers and, you know, shit like that that are like, I don't give a fuck what the drug is. Just give me something to help. You know, there's all kinds of perspectives for why we use it. But, uh, you know, like I said, that's kind of my concern for where it's going, why I think we still need to try to grasp where it's going, and hopefully it's not lost, but so we're at, you know, 90s, um, trying to think the first couple catalogs, okay, so you remember Neville's catalog and Mr. Nice Seeds, uh, Super Sativa Seed Club, the Seed Bank, Super Sativa, I don't have the catalogs, but I'm sure some of the you your older guys might and uh and you guys i hope know what i'm talking about when i talk about those early seed catalogs after neville's was just a pamphlet i think it was like his actually neville's was just a piece of uh a fucking advertisement in high times like in 74 i don't even been actually maybe that was early 80s okay and so then he had cultivator's choice one and that had it was like a menu but it only had like 12 varieties and another thing real quick though on that neville's thing if you look at the varieties that were available from neville i thought that was really interesting because he says original haze and there was five of them there were five different hazes and one of them it, it, he even said it didn't finish until like february of the next year which i really loved about the way neville presented information it wasn't like it was in the 90s later when they're like we got that 12 week haze we got that 10 week haze it's like, come on, you guys. You got that fucking eight-week blueberry. 
eh, how are you giving me these super sativas or these mixed sativa dominants that are finishing in eight to 10 fucking weeks? If for one, it's fucking impossible. So how are you doing it? And they, they weren't. They were forcing them and they were getting them to finish fast and they were coming up with some nice, good little frosty, tasty buds, but it wasn't matured and grown regionally properly like it would have if it was in its place of origin kind of concept. And so that really gets distorted in the 90s. And that's why it, it's so fucked up in the 90s, because that's where it really starts to get twisted. Because now we got these breeders that are coming out of the 80s with this great work that I feel that was done then. And now we got the fucking this guy passed this guy a clone. The bubble gums, you know, even though Adam had a cut here and it's coming out of T8 seeds, well, then how did Simon get it? Okay, well, Adam gave the cut to Simon, but Tony's got it too. Well, Adam and Tony, or, you know, Tony got it from Adam. Okay, so they all have the same bubble gum. Yeah. Okay, well, wait, then why does Nirvana have a bubble gum? Well, there's this bubblicious and everything that Nirvana has, they kick it to a fucking stump. So even though it might be called fucking AK-48, it's AK-47 crossed to Nirvana's stump. Even though they have a bubble gum, it's called Bubblicious, it's Nirvana's version of bubble gum crossed to their stump, making it their own. And they kept it differentiated that way. I don't know if, I don't think Simon, Adam, and Tony ever variated the bubble gum because they didn't have to. They used it directly. You know, I think uh, Tony used it for Bubbleberry and worked with and dj was starting to work with tony at that point and they did uh trying to think of the other one yeah bubbleberry was the one uh simon had straight bubble gum and i think adam also had bubble gum for th seeds which i always thought was weird how there wasn't like that you know i don't know it was like simon i don't know you see and that's what i that's where it gets kind of weird so one of the, the things that I believe happened over there, just to throw that on the table real quick before we start going down that fucking road. Um, even though they all had a catalog, okay? So you got the Super Steve Seed Catalog, you have the uh, Seed Banks Catalog. Tony and Adam worked together at the Hash Museum in Amsterdam or whatever. And that's how they started their thing and got together with the Dronkers Brothers and Sensi Seeds and all this shit started evolving. Okay, so what you have is basically the same shit we're doing. We all are in the same kind of town, doing the same kind of thing. We start talking. There's a couple guys that know a little bit more than everybody, and they're teaching this handful of people, and that's how that all evolved. And when it all split apart, they all had their own individual ideas and work. And even though it was done in Europe right about that time, a lot of those fucking genetics came from the States, man. And they really don't give a lot. And you even see it in the catalogs. The Cali O wasn't done in fucking Europe. It's called California Orange for a fucking reason. Um, Northern Lights, man. You know, it says Pacific Northwest. That's because that fucker was made in the Pacific Northwest. Those genetics were made here and then moved there and then produced fucking nonstop for decades there in Canada and there. But there's so much work done up, up there in the Pacific Northwest and Canada. Uh, Vancouver and Federation, those companies up there that also did a lot of stuff compared to the European seed makers and breeders. Vic fucking high. You know, see, and this is where I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to do a bomb hit. This is where I really want to, you know, the, the guys that have been, I don't know, really passed over lately. And I, I you know, unfortunately with Subcool passing away, you know, rest in peace. His 
I wasn't that big of a fan of Subcool, but Vic High's work was fucking monumental to me. Um, Jim Ortega's fucking work. And I, I would assume anybody under 30 years or maybe even 40 now has no idea of what the fuck I'm talking about. And these are guys that literally, you know, I think I made a post on Instagram saying, even that about Jim, this is the guy that worked one of, if not some of the first and Afghan lines that were, it's not that they weren't being worked already. Cause like we were talking about the seventies, you know, that we already knew about hemp and they made rope for the fucking, uh, used hemp and whatever to make rope for the Navy through the forties, fifties and all that. But Afghan pot and all that, and the whole us sending troops over there. And then, you know, you have Vietnam and Thailand and Thai weed and how that came over. But the Afghan thing was a whole different beast in that pot. When that, when that happened and when it was uh, domesticated and worked in the States, in our climates and in our, you know, taking it from fucking Afghan, basically the dry shit Middle East, if it wasn't up in the mountains where it's a little better, but taking it from someplace like that to someplace very rich where it could just really go off. I think that's why it did because it had a chance to really become something that just took it to a whole nother level but uh all right so yeah the seed companies you know just not giving fucking credit to each other and a lot of fucking backdoor seed shit happening and clone stuff and dj straight getting fucked by tony and Sag tony and sagamartha and uh he told me that himself which is horrible i fucking love dj and the work he had done we're talking dj short and uh First time I met him, he's like, and he saw that I was working with Tony and that I'd already kicked Tony to the curb because that's another part I guess we can get into here uh, at some point. You know, I worked for Tony and he wanted me to help him, you know, get some new shit out there. And I had it ready to go. I had a bunch of new lines and a bunch of work that he could have used and some stuff he still had in his pocket. I could have worked for him. We started doing it. I put about two years into it. And then he pulled, you know, if anybody knows Tony, he pulled the Tony didn't go the way he thought it was going to go which was me handing him everything and saying thanks and we pay, me get paid on the back end or something that fucking shit wasn't happening so he figured that went sideways and then he's like told uh, me and the other people that were involved he just wants to make feminized seeds now so now i got a bunch of shit that i don't even want to be running that's some of his stuff we got you know we're doing selections we're doing stabilization some things are throwing herms that we can't use so i'm just you know, having to chop shit, just trying to do selection and come up with, you know, things that are going to be worthy to put my fucking name on it, let alone his. And he don't give a fuck, you know. I don't want to get too personal. And see, that's the problem with getting into these conversations because it's going to kind of fucking start to go that way. And I'm, I'm not making that my intention. Uh, so anyway, to try to get back on some kind of track. Um, the seed company stuff. So I'm in Kansas. <laughs> there's a fucking right, there's a hairpin turn for you with all that fucking nonsense. So now I'm in Kansas and I meet up with these guys that have actually gone over to Amsterdam for a couple of years and they bought some seeds. And now, uh, where are we at? Early, mid 90s, about mid 90s, I think. Sounds about right. Yeah, in Kansas, mid-90s. All right, and now 
we see the first fucking real ones. AK-47s in my buddy's basement. Blueberry is in my buddy's basement. Uh, I forget what else he had. And I was kind of the guy that knew really good bud. I always had really good bud. Always had the good connections. Was already had already grown plenty. And was going over there to be like, you know, I had my own kind of little seed, weird bag seed stock going. Um, this is still before internet and any of that. You know, there's computers and internet, but we're not on the websites yet. Overgrow and all that shit. We're still, you still don't talk to your neighbors about what we're doing. You know what I mean? It, it's still like that. And so if you guys don't have that mentality, you weren't there because it, it's still, it wasn't fucking something you discussed, especially anywhere past California. <laughs> Maybe in Cali, you get away with that shit, but anywhere else. And they were like, you'd be flagging them. So uh, those guys in that seed stock was what really got me started because that gave me access to uh, domesticated hybrid, mostly professionally bred varieties from over there because they did, you know, we're talking about Scott's Shanty Baba from Mr. Nice Seeds, um, Simon. We're not talking about just fucking, you know, kind of, trailer park boys they're not you know these are very well educated people that fucking had you know i'm sure they a couple of them i'm pretty sure they a couple of them had degrees you know the drunkers brothers with sensi and all that um dutch passion trying to remember some of the names hank or hump hank hank h-e-n-k and then you got fucking arjun which who even wants to bother with that shit and the his buddy that you know definitely did a lot of work for greenhouse and some of the early greenhouse stuff was really viable and worth you know running same with mr nice seeds and honestly nirvana had some great shit paradise had some great shit federation had the best cat piss that i ever ran um it opened up a floodgate of genetics uh first time we bought reefer bins nl5 was in the early 90s from emory for 260 bucks and it was reefermans nl5 pure and i still have a picture that documentation of it still um and it, it was good it was what you would um i don't know what i could compare it to a, a little bit more boring version of a, a bubba kind of but with og i don't know i can't say og because og just doesn't relate because uh you know everybody thinks og and it's a little stretchy and I mean, there's some parts that I guess you can relate to the term OG and what everybody thinks it is, but I hate even using the term because Kush has nothing to do with what people's perception of OG is, at least some, you know, to some degree, because it's just, it's not, you know, Kush is, you know, a high altitude indica, fast flowering indica, you know, broadleaf, you know, plant. It does not have you know, gapped node points and fucking shit like that. So OG Kush would not be a pure Kush. It couldn't be because of just it's the way the way it's formed. You know, if anything, an Afghan Kush hybrid of something, but definitely not. What I remember is coming across country as that first Kush or what I would think is the mother arch Kush or our arch Afghan. I believe arch Afghan is the mother to all the shit we're talking about. And botanically 
scientifically i'll want to take you guys down a path about why i think that why i think and i think that's a lot of people believe that i, I don't think that's something that i'm just trying to you know we all understand that there's you know so many varieties and all these different zones but where did it all come from is that one thing and i do believe that mother afghan zone that asian area is definitely it but i have kind of my own theories and even getting clark's book you know backs up some of it but I think we can go even a little bit further than that. And I kind of did and went weird on it because I'm just that, I got that anal and I really wanted to you know, understand of where the, I think there's only so many mother varieties, but I do feel they all spawn from one central Afghan region in general. So, all right. So all that work was done and, you know, now varieties are starting to be something. So now we got the, the worked lines and the seed companies and all that. And this is right before 2K, right? So we're mid 90s and it, it's rolling there. I mean, um, it's not too mixed up yet. You got to understand AK-47 was literally called AK-47 by a dude named Greasy Gene over in Amsterdam because it was a basic hybrid of uh, Afghan to a Kush. Okay, not OG, just Kush. And uh, it's probably a Hindu Kush, one of the only ones they had, because <laughs> that's what it should have been. There's only one Hindu Kush, but I don't know. You know, they start bringing in Burmese Kush and all these, and that's where it gets distorted. So let's just say Afghans. And there's only one Kush that I consider to be true, and that's a Hindu, which would be an Afghan Kush. So we have Kush, we have Afghans, we have Mazars. And then through all these territories, you have Lebanese, fucking all the different variations, but they're all Afghan. They're all Afghan. So you have those mother varieties that those guys had isolated. Not sure what the G13 is. I got a story about that later too. And if anybody knows who Clips was or Pacific, the breeder, and what the PG13 was or what the purple indica is, uh, I guess I can throw this one out there to keep you guys intrigued. Uh, the PG-13 and the Purple Indicator Sisters. So anyway, without getting too far into that, because MG-13 stories are ugly. Pacific was a true, real person. Uh, he was a breeder from the Northwest, Pacific Northwest. Uh, he did PG-13 and a handful of other things. Clips was somebody that, his thing used to say he was a human being, B-E-A-N. He was just the kindest, really down-to-earth, not over-scientific, very, very scientifically inclined the way he laid out his information. I'm trying to think where you could find it. You might still find some of it on, uh, on ICMAG, I would almost bet. Um, I was part of a, a website called the Canada Cabana for a while. And he had a lot of there. Eclipse passed away quite a while ago, in case anybody doesn't know who I'm talking about. And uh, he meant a lot to me. Like he's he's somebody that I bounced a lot of my ideas of, off and uh, supported a lot of the theories and kind of thing, the way I think of things. And uh, the reason I say that is because, you know, the beginning of this whole story, I told you there's the way that pot and certain, certain things that have happened to me because of it have happened is where I find just some of the most bizarre things that have happened. It's just, all right, so not to get too far off track. Um, so now we're 
doing those lines and i have i still have images of like the blueberry from the late 90s and stuff like that because we weren't you know we were i started to take pictures and document but like i said we weren't online yet so we're, i'm just doing it for personal you know i bought a camera i think digital cameras at this point are starting to become into play because you know with technology even though we're talking about computers you were still stuck with like you know a normal fucking polaroid from the 70s or like a high fan pollutant camera you'd have to adjust every little fucking knob and shit just to get a picture in focus going from thems to these new digital cameras and shit like that <clears throat> so um now we're getting into some better technology better digital cameras the little hand cameras cell phones to a degree you know the flip phones bullshit phones nothing too crazy computers are getting a lot better because i remember buying build my first one with my dad later on you know and i didn't we didn't have video game systems everybody nowadays grows up on them but you know i, I saw the guitar the atari and i had a commodore vic 20 and i had a coleco vision fucking watched it all evolve so uh the lines that we were seeing in those 90s were a couple years behind the work so even though i was in kansas the ak-47 the blueberry and all that they that was still late 80s early 90s work like i said it would take a while to get there the only reason it was there even at this point is because a couple of these guys that i was hanging with which were a little younger than me even at the time were going over to amsterdam for the cups because at this point americans were going over there to be like hey what's going on and they were buying seeds and bringing them back and it wasn't such a custom issue yet to get stuff back and forth that didn't happen until 9 11. you know we got we got away with doing i think i made a comment about in your last chat on one of your shows about there used to be this floodgate of clones and it was every spring because every spring everybody be all you know kind of cooped up over the winter and you'd always be enjoying your crop from the later you know the year before and you'd done your selections you already knew everything that you were enjoying and what you wanted people to try now so come spring it's like not only do you have seeds to offer people and do swaps with your buddies and your other breeders now you got your set of clones but they all have the same thing now they all have their set of clones and the clones that their buddies have been passing it's just fucking so many opportunities so fast and but it wasn't so convoluted and blurred it wasn't like we didn't know what was made out of what it was very still simple yet you know sweet tooth was just you know we all knew it was a grapefruit to a blueberry so even though we might not have known what blueberry and grapefruit completely was it was still just two two were knocking together they might have been made from two other different things so there were still only like four breeds intermixed not fucking a dozen or two dozen in a pool of the genetics we're trying to figure out what the fuck it is now so it was you know there was you would drop something you could get something relative to what it said it was and even the 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 siblings all looked relative i got pictures of sensi star and fucking or not sensi star but what's the one uh, black dom and you know bubblicious and all the casey brain stuff that i'd run and all these and the majority of those lines represented what the companies offered and said they'd be and they're you know most i'd say 80 percent were pretty much straight up i remember when mandala came out and we could get mandala packs for like 14 bucks a pack from uh 
HG420, man, Doc Chronic. If anybody, shout out to the old HG420 crews out there. Fuck. Okay, this is when, right before 2K. See, I want to get up to the next part because 2K is when it all changed and we all got to connect. And it was fucking crazy. But by that time, it was getting dirty, dirty, and you had big breeders. Vic dropped out of the scene because of it. He was getting bullied. I don't know if he was getting bullied, but it seemed like the arguments were pretty petty. And, you know, you had uh, Spice Brothers had ripped off uh, Brothers Grimm genetics. And uh, everybody had ripped off each other. There was all these, you know, 12, 20 new seed companies. You know, we're still talking that mid-90s. But they all kind of had the same shit, but it was all called different shit. You know, one's got a... uh, a grapefruit but one's got a mango and one's got a papaya but you grow them and they're awful fucking similar <laughs> it's like you know so and you only knew that if you were the guy growing the shit that they were promising and showing the pictures but and you you know talk to your boys that were growing all the same shit too and be like man doesn't this seem like the same shit we got from when we grew that other shit last time I'm like yeah so, so arthro sensibilia in chat would like to know if uh you're familiar with uh, an old Afghan, an old cut Afghan. This way, whatever. Well, the tricks with Afghan is there, yeah, there's the, I think the G13 was the mother Afghan that everybody kind of wants. And it's not that it was a G13. The idea of the mother Afghan is the problem with the first Afghans when they were starting to fuck with them. And the reason why the Kush was so good is because you could smoke the Kush. Those Afghans you couldn't smoke. It was hash. They were hash plants. Okay. The, you had sulfur tones, you know what I mean? Like fucking, you know, dragon fart, fucking (laughs) um, volcanic sulfur uh, gunpowder. When you smoked them, the floralness, the pininess, floralness, it was Afghan. It wasn't, that's why they hashed it. That's why Afghan hash itself was fantastic, but the bud, eh, you didn't want to, but the Kush made that something, you know, when that those Kush got involved, it, it mellowed out that acrid, bitter, whatever the fuck was happening in the hash plants that made them not smokable by flour. That's why they were hash plants. So Lebanese, everything you know as Afghans, I'm sorry to say they were probably all hash plants. The only one really smokable to me that I came across that I could connect after all that everything I've said in the way that it's got to me and how it worked for me. Kush was the only one that was, you know, smokable. And then other than that, like certain lebs. Yeah. Certain Afghans for sure. Because I don't know how they came up with a, like a Cali. O. how they got the terp file, the terpene profiles of cherry Um, blueberry. I kind of understand because that was its own sativa, the sweet lines and how you can find those tones and those sweet lines. But in the Afghans, you know, you're talking even Kushes, all right? If, if you're getting fruities oh, and all 20. the... Yep, sorry. He's, he's, he wanted me to specify that it's the Kansas part. Kansas, the old cut. Afghans. You know, as far as Afghans go, it, it's very possible because the guys, even the little bit of work we were fucking... Like Afghan number one, guaranteed. We, we ran that. Straight from either either Sensi, um, fuck, who was it? I'd have to look because everybody had an Afghan number one. There's the other problem. AK forty seven, 
probably just fucking like Afghan number two is all that K-47 was because Afghan number one would have been that mother Afghan. And so there was a lot of Afghans. And that's what I mean. Even when we ran the AK-47, we found a blueberry pheno. There was cherry phenos that were found in it. They, these were early when there were still phenos like dropping out of the pools. And I'm not really sure how they got in there too, but the ones that define just your Afghan hash plant, just your Lebanese hash plant, your, but there's another one in there. I keep forgetting that I'm, it's another hash plant variable. That it, it's really pertinent. And not well, like the, uh, I, Iraqian, Correct me if I'm wrong, but a true Afghan is like a three, three bladed wide leaf, right? And it's uh, Afghani traits is a true Afghan. Like what do you mean? Three, three, uh, three bladed? Yeah. Like, like a, a duck foot. A foliate? Like three yeah. blades? No, like a, a duck foot. Yeah, like a duck foot. Like... No, no, I don't believe that. Yeah, okay, let me explain. Okay, as a, as a uh, pot plant matures, uh, I'm sorry, three blades are, are still immature and it's still in a more teen phase if it's not to five blades at least not only that let me go and go as far as to say if you're getting three blades your plant is actually stuck in a point where it needs to either have an, a, a diet adjustment or a ph adjustment or some type of environment adjusted adjustment a basic pot plant will have five fingers and not only that the more fingers to me the healthier and more in tune that plant is with how it should actually be. I've seen up to 13 fingers on sativas and more. I've seen um, Hawaiians that have like that mixed indica, indica dominant wide profile or a thinner blade profile that have anywhere from, you know, five, seven, nines, average seven, nine and 11s because they're their tropical, more equatorial hybrid. And so, Three leaves is a tough one, man. I don't know if I can uh, I can go with that. That's duck's foot. The reason why that's called that, it's five leaves, but two of them are webbed together. Why well, you said as an example? One more time. I basically use that more as an example than the actual two leaf structure. Okay, yeah, yeah. But if, yeah, I, I mean, if you're not in, but that's kind of my, the thing with that with three leaves because i know there's some people out there like well mine only throws threes um fortunately my argument for that is there's a problem with your environment or uh the plant's not happy the plant's not not unhappy it, it's not it's not tuned it's not tuned in because i have the same issues with certain hazes and certain lines rarely with an indica or an indica dominant or even mixed I usually only have that happen with like blueberries and hazes and certain varieties like that, which will throw threes. Okay, you know how once in a while they'll even throw ones, especially if you do a revege. Okay, and, and so instead of getting too scientific and botanical at this point, which I could, we, I, we need to go down that road to understand some of those topics. Because um, there's some serious manipulation, botanical control things we can talk about to make this more logical for people to understand of why they're throwing and that's a trifoliate it's a leaf with three fingers you know a triploidy is more of a, a 
uh, expression that you get from, you know, from the way it forms, but just a trifoliate. Certain words, you know, terminology is going to be tricky with all of us too. But um, yeah, I, I believe that a plant that's healthy, you know, you got to watch your, your stalks and your, the color of your stalk and, you know, not going too green. It can be over leafy. It can get too dark, which will also stunt its growth. Um, and that's why I'm saying it really matters the variety and the diet, how you design the diet for that variety. That's what kind of what I ended up specializing in later in my years here with cannabis is what I've been hired to do or kind of help people with is designing formulas by variety. So when they're running, they're super sativas that want to run 32 fucking weeks if they need to, which have multiple flowering stages. If anybody even does that anymore, I've got to design feeding schedules for that, get them to finish correctly. Um, for the ones that are mixed sativa dominant or just not super sats, because those are the ones that we're just talking about, the endless summer sats where they're not done until the beginning of the next year kind of sativas. And then there's ones that we can kind of control. You know, all these have diff completely different needs, you know, feed wise. And so if anybody's monocropping or mono feeding to multiple variety crops, you're already fucking got a headache planned. So you can adjust your feed and the type of formulas you're making. Like I explained in some of my posts that when I feed my indicas, I use a full strength formula. And because I run indicas and mixed and sativa dominance, I'll start with this base of nutrients at this level of parts per million at this pH. And I'll feed my strongest strength formula to my indicas, which need that. Then I'll cut that with some water. So if I'm at a thousand parts and I fed half of that to something that I've got in the bucket, I fill it back up a little bit more water. Now I'm at 800 parts per million. I give those to my mixed. Now I cut it again. Now I'm at six, 500 parts per million. I give those to my super sativas. And why do I do that? Because I don't want them to over nitrate. Because if I do that, my sativas are going to hold on to that nitrogen forever and overflower for fucking ever and never finish or never want to leach the greens. The, uh, that's usually the ones you got to watch, you know, indicas are fast, easy. And, you know, all you got to do is make sure they got everything they need until the end. And then they eat everything they have left anyway, and usually can finish on their own. But with mixed varieties and sativas, I feel you got to cater to them a little bit, really understand what they need to get them to finish to proper maturity. And see, now that's, you see how we just got off the whole, how I got to even understanding what I'm trying to explain. I'm still trying to get to where, my understanding for even having those kind of conversations come from so it's it's hard not to get a little bit ahead um but if there's somebody from kansas that knows about Afghan, there was a couple particular ones through the midwest that every state particularly has a key on for some reason and i think he's talking about a couple afghans in particular just like you have like uh in Nebraska, the Maz that I hold, but you also had the uh, Williams Wonder Cut that was in Nebraska for a long time. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that were in Kansas at the time beside like, I know we did the Cherry AK is that, and that Blueberry, because I ended up bringing the Blueberry back to Omaha, back to Nebraska, the AK variant Blueberry and called it Faux Berry. And that was actually something I ran for a long time that 
people only got through me and I'll talk about that one later because that particular plant what it did was fucking it was just bizarre but that it just has to do with you know the way you know certain things connected for me in those states and those varieties so um that af any afghans like that like i said afghans were tricky another thing like he's talking about afghans and i say and i can kind of group them all and be well that's kind of the problem with afghans is like you know there were smokable ones and that's why they got domesticated and that's why they were mixed other hash plants or other varieties to take out that shit you couldn't smoke because it was a hash plant they weren't flower plants but yet thai which is another tripping subject you have thai weed yes but you also have thai stick that was dredged in this opium fucking water that they were smoking that you know so they were smoking thai weed drenched in opium base you know so you do have high thai weed that i think normal thai weed is that shit you get and you fucking get all paranoid and get wiggy and you're like what the fuck looking blah, 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 and you get all uppity and you know i've grown blue tie and some lemon tie and stuff like that and that's what it did to me i've never gotten the you know i've talked to like vets you know vets and stuff like that that were there and they used to get their hash with that with the opium in it there was literally when they pressed it they weren't sending see and there's these are stories from other people i know about that you know i, I did tell you but it wasn't my personal experience but what i found so interesting about it was you know they talk about that day when they'd send those blocks that afghan stamped gold stamp hash to the states and get them over here they weren't even sending the hash there was a fucking line of opium in there that they were fucking bundling and so when they get the hash back to the states and they pull that thing apart and they scrape and i'm hearing this secondhand just for example one of the guys that is i don't consider him a mentor i mean we're he's my brother he's you know good eight seven years older but he sold hendrix acid you know so you know what do you what do you he considers himself to be like the first high or what was the guy's name on breaking bad heisenberg he considered him like when he was a teenager in colorado okay i'm going to give you guys a real fast story i'm going to go to the bathroom here in a half second just for example in those late 80s 90s one guy's in colorado tony Sagamartha Seeds is in India. He's uh, sending back temple hash to Colorado. Okay. And they did this for years. And that's just one example of one per two guys that I just happen to know that what they were doing. And they were getting top dollar for that hash. And it was fucking phenomenal. Temple ball. Serious Nepalese temple ball hash. Tony was getting it for dirt cheap and send it to john you know sorry i shouldn't anyway you know that's just an example of what was happening and that's just those two guys i know this was happening with fucking hundreds of people all over the countries all over all countries you know we, we it's always happened it's just it wasn't talked about and it went sour at, at one point like i said the mail system became an issue but that's not why that went sour it went sour because you know people got up in people's business <laughs> or you know tried to get greedy like is usually what happens so anyway uh not to get up because i do want to have you know you have organic guys and i'm not a, a, a hardcore organic guy but i think i've done about every method out there and i've grown hundreds of varieties in it see what i mean so 
when we get to that part, like you're just down the wormhole thing, we can do that anytime and get into the real specifics of growing methods and formulas and all that stuff and the science behind it. Cause I think everybody's going to fall asleep if we start going down that. It's more entertaining to tell you guys some of the fucked up stories and some of the shit that's happened along the way. You know what I mean? Just to keep it fucking interesting, you know, make it. Cause I mean, in 2014, you know, I had Fred Elgato, Matt Riot, fucking Cornbread Ricky, fucking Curbside Service, Skitty of Skitty's Cherry Slider, fucking Optimus Prime, all the guys, Tony from Sagamartha at my hip. And we showed up at the first in like 2013 or 12, maybe 2012 or 13 to the first 420 or first 710 cup, man. We all got together, man. You're talking like serious guys that are now you know that's just one of the stories coming okay and this is after we all been on the line this is after online on the sites og's gone down hg went down heaven stairway got hit in canada or wherever the fuck that was with all their gold bars and all their shit um cs then there was after og went down that's another big topic we got to kind of hit too because it's part of the experience and when sour d bubba og and the chem thing starts to happen that is why I'm, we're going down the path of where i'm kind of wanting you guys to follow how i came to where i'm at instead of us getting into any technical parts i'm just if we keep going down this path it's easier for anybody to listen to the story to understand why I have the position I take on certain things. Um, and I'm hoping I'm doing that clear enough to where it's not too convoluted <laughs> that, you know, because we've gotten definitely gotten off track and hitting on quite a few topics for sure. But uh, there's a lot, yeah, so a lot we can get into. And so, yeah, I'm going to go to the bathroom here in a second. Or, uh, so we're in the mid '90s still is where we're at, and uh, we'll get back into it in a second. We'll do a bomb hit. Fucking, I'm gonna replenish my drink and fucking hit the John real quick. Get back into it. But yeah, I hope everybody's being entertained or at least finding this interesting. Again. Of course, of course. Right. Hey, it's been a. Uh... Go ahead. All right, yeah, cool. I'll be back in a minute. Nice. What's going on, everybody? Yeah, I'm hey. going to turn the thing off maybe for a second. Uh, maybe. I think I can. Yeah. All right, yeah, I'll be back in a minute. All right. What's up, 420? Jack Greenstock in the house. How you guys doing tonight? you guys are enjoying the show i know i am it's been a great story lots of great info so far sounds like just getting warmed up what you guys smoking at john gorski how you doing mr bingus how you doing beastly how you doing got birds bladder some nights I do too, brother. Some nights I do too. Kind of dividing up some uh, slats here from uh, Canabari. 
gave out. Senna was nice enough to send some gear over to give away to you guys, which I'll probably do uh, probably Monday night. What the fuck? Monday night? Sounds like an appropriate night. That's is cluttered. Cluttered. Just here, four twenty. How you doing? Love the harvest. Just got my uh, rotated back together. What's up, before people? Johnny can see. Must be hitting the Afghan number three. Stiff was good hit. Once a couple. Old times volunteers to you as well. T Dog, the artist, will be a good show tomorrow night. Certainly looking forward to that as well. Find out some slaps here for these. Giveaway packs and fixing the stuff here in a second. Minus one. I love it when people send slaps and more stuff to pass out to uh, great people. It's not like to pass out stuff. Smoke no. Just is way too cluttered. Kill it. Holy crap, holy. Jesse Stefan, cheers to you as well. Welcome to the show. Cheers, everybody, once again. One more time. This is a nice little piece I got from Canada. I ordered on Amazon. It was uh, called the lamp, I think, in the advertisement. It was a vase or something, a glass vase is what they call it. <laughs> it's pretty, it says Primo on it. I'm not sure who did it, but kind of fucked up i ordered a piece on amazon a couple years ago that was a mobius rip and it was probably the best piece i'd ever bought online and it was from china sadly they ripped the shit out of mobius but it was a great piece i lost i busted it or got busted a couple years ago but for a while there amazon had some good gear had some nice glass available i think before they figured out what everybody was doing Yeah, I don't use a lot of glass myself, and I, I get terrible about busting it. Yeah, um, 
for my okay so I do have some mental health issues you know I was pretty healthy growing up just for my perspective on how and why I use it um, I only do bong hits or water paraphernalia um, at this point joints and pipes regular you know smoking a joint I have to smoke the whole joint myself pretty much to get to the level of effect I really need uh pipes okay here's the problem with that I have with pipes and stuff it's not that pipes don't work it's the majority of pipes okay even now I don't know if you guys can see this is relatively clean and this might be only my philosophy or the average anal idiot's philosophy but if this is even dirty at all if there's any resin built up whatsoever it acts like the filter on a cigarette it can limit the quality of effect and flavor that you get so if you're ever smoking your bud and that first time your bong's clean and you've got an ounce of it and you've been smoking, it's kicking your ass. And as that week goes by, it's just not getting you as high and you're, you're pulling all the ash through here and it's just getting thicker and thicker. That's where all your highs getting stuck is right here. <laughs> so I know it sounds stupid and anal, but if you clean that out and you keep it clean, man, you'll find that your effect will continually be the same with that pot. This has got that effect. It's just, how you're taking it in i know it sounds stupid but i found that to be very true and why i try to keep my paraphernalia very clean and why i don't think most pipes are very effective unless they're clean and i know it sounds kind of anal but i mean I, I i respect the amount of work i put into it and even other people and so having a clean piece i do believe you know gives you that full flavor and you know you get a, a, a pure hit or whatever but um you know, with oil, it's not so big a deal because you it's not resin. You know, you know how fast resin will build up in doing bong hits and shit. It just, it, I don't know what the ash that falls or how, you know, what it all is on the, all together. But I just noticed that even a little bit of a, of that resin built up on the inside can alter that effect big time. So I know it sounds dumb, but anybody that's having those issues where it's like man i just don't my i don't get as high or i haven't been getting as high my first recommendation to you is use clean paraphernalia i mean it sounds stupid but it's a very simple solution <laughs> especially if you're getting good bud and it's really not getting you high it very well might be your paraphernalia because you're smoking out of a pipe it's like five years old it's just crusted like a fucker on the inside it's <laughs> just fucking <laughs> Yeah, we're smoking this super fire bomb. It tastes like shit though, because all the shit in my pipe, but and I'm kind of getting high. Yeah. I try right. to clean my out these days a little more. Yeah, than... yeah. I mean, hey. everybody. When I was younger, dude, yeah, and you spilled your bong, it was just black. It was brown, fucking, might as well be sewage. It smelled like hell. You know, every, I mean, it happens. My daughter, she, you know, my daughter smokes. I've got, you know, four kids all together. Had I lost one of my sons, but uh, and uh, she's the only one that smokes. So but I get on her about, you know, keeping their paraphernalia clean and that shit. And even like, you know, and I guess I learned that sitting around somebody kind of said that to me once. And so I, and I didn't come up with it. You know what I mean? It's like, you just kind of figure that stuff out as you go. Somebody else told me something else along those lines too, but I kind of just brain farted. But so anyway, to really throw a monkey wrench in for half a second, 
uh, earlier in the conversation when we were talking about uh, just cannabis and classification and the reason why I asked you if it was an annual flower or what you thought it was. Uh, the guy that I had spoke to that I, I felt, you know, I do feel is my main mentor, this guy. Um, I always thought after being in culinary and everything I got into and studying botany for quite a while, I do have a couple, quite a few books on it. And people started sending me stuff, you know, even on when I started getting online and started talking about it. Like I had people that were like supporting me and said, you know, I send them seeds or something or what it ended up happening. And they send me seeds because I was the guy that was growing stuff and taking pictures and actually showing the work instead of just taking the seeds from them and then being like, ah, they sucked or thanks, dude, can I get more? I wouldn't do that. I'd fucking get the seeds. I grow them. I take pictures. I show everybody. I tell everything about them that I could. And then I'd either make more of them and send them back to them or fucking hybrid it with something I thought it would cut well with or whatever. And that's the position I took in the scene. So, uh, in those, in that, in the, that classification topic, uh, Okay, so he gave me a term called parthenocarpy. Now, a banana is a parthenocarpic fruit, and all that means is a seedless fruit, okay? So how do you get a seedless fruit? And I know this is sounding fucking so left, so fucking so uh, other direction, but the reason why I bring this up is because cannabis, the flowers, which I consider fruit, the actual buds, because to me, the flowers are on the male. Um, it is seedless fruit. Okay, we ripen it. <laughs> it it has the effects, like even the sugars from carbs, from you know, oranges. You know, banana has potassium. Uh, it's oh God is such a fucked up topic. Okay, so anyway, me and this guy, when I mentioned that to him, he he thinks. His words were he felt that cannabis was misclassified and it should be a parthenocarpic fruit. And so I treat cannabis as a fruit. The end of the season, just like a cold snap for apples, uh, the way you flush and you don't, you know, it's a consumable, you know, uh, I literally look at cannabis as a fruit. I don't even look at it as a flower or a weed or anything like that. I literally... I can't, I didn't treat it as like tomatoes because in the, you know, your early days, everybody's like, grow it like a tomato, man. Unfortunately, it doesn't like that acidity on the backside. It, when it goes to flower, it actually likes to be more on the uh, alkaline range to flower for sure, because that's where potassium and phosphorus is more available to it. So naturally, as the season progresses, it, it, it fluxes into those ranges where tomatoes want to be acidic pretty much most of the way through um but they can eat relatively the same thing they just don't on the back end it's a whole different beast like i said even though tomatoes can be treated like a fruit and they are because they're you know definitely in that view as far as what it could be but that's where cannabis is so unique to me and why parthenocarpic fruit is kind of where we came to which I, I'm pretty sure just is uh, Latin for seedless fruit or something like that. Parthen so that that's one reason, that's not a reason, but that's how like my culinary 
connects to cannabis and why I really have a weird connection to the classification and how we look at the plant. And so, because I look at it as a food almost, but definitely as a fruit, the way we ripen it, the way we store it, you know, we can consume it. There's so it's just what it is. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there because that might help people instead of thinking it as like a weed or an annual. That's one thing I've always wanted to get people to try to look at differently is if you think of it as like an apple tree or something, you're not, you're not concentrated on that end product or the time you're concentrated on how to get it to that ripeness stage, that maturity, how to get that fruit the best you can get it, which is, you know, kind of a different angle when you're, you're thinking about sugars, you know, and everything that we give to these plants that it, it seems to need way beyond what a weed would be and way beyond what a flower needs, you know, an annual. So, um, all right. So nineties, <clears throat> mid nineties, uh, seed companies just going balls out, um, working in basements pretty much. I don't think we did any outdoor shit. I didn't personally. Um, here, I'm going to bring up, actually, let me grab my seed list. So I, uh, some of this stuff that we can get into later, the BC growers information and some of the old catalogs um, where Romulan and some of those lines that we already kind of touched on come back into a little bit more play. Oh God. So this is, so back in the day when I used to have a seed stock, this would be my seed list. And when I printed out my seed stock list, it was about seven pages. I used to have about 30 years worth of seeds. Oh, and see, and they were all, I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, there's Lumpa, Llama Box, Liquid Kid. So this is just one of the versions, Mr. Nice's, all the ones from Mr. Nice that I had. Uh, Moda from Moda Rebel. Okay, so this is just one variation of my seed Red list. Pill wanted me to ask you about those seeds. Uh, did the ones from the 90s and the European seeds hold up in time or have they diminished over the years? No, some of them I still have. You know, I've got like a Sensi Star from 95. I ran, uh, and there's people out there that still like Black Bart. He still had the 95 NL, and I ran that and isolated the three main phenos that were always in those NL lines that Sensi and all those companies were kicking back, which is along those Afghan lines again when we get back into how the what happened with the Afghans. Because to me, there was a combination of what, let's just make it kind of quick and simple, Afghans, Kushes, hash plants, and a couple other varieties, very all indica dominant, all intermixed and crossed to come up with those lines that we all use as backbones. Okay, so NL number one was Afghan number one to another company. Since this company was using their version of Afghan number one, they couldn't call it that. So they just call it NL number one or their Afghan or American dream or whatever. Okay, but this company flagged this one as Afghan number one and everybody was using it there, whatever. And then you had your Kush 
And if you look at the way some of the history on the NL, there was a Hindu that wasn't involved that crossed that your first AK hybrid is a serious thing that had a lot of meaning to a lot of this. And Greasy Gene, I don't know if I finished that story. He's the one that called it AK-47 because it was a basic AK hybrid and it uh, could be pulled in 47 days. And all the guys didn't like it because it sounded like a gun. That's not why it was called AK-47. It was because they could pull it in 47 days. And it was a basic Hindu, a basic Afghan Kush hybrid. That's it. It was nothing more than that. And Greasy Gene is one of the guys that were over there with Adam, Tony, Simon, uh, the Dronker brothers, uh, all of them. They were all intermingling with Neville, DJ. I mean, it would have been incredible to them around the guys and the stuff they had that they were fucking doing, whether they realized what they were doing or not. Because <laughs> like, oh, I don't know if I finished that Matichanuska Valley story. And that's kind of like the other how that all worked like the, that Maddox Nuska guy he just went he went over to Europe and you know even though Tony was presented with seeds from this guy from Alaska that gave him like if you look at Stagamartha's original lines you'll see he's one of the first guys to put out MTF Maddox Nuska Valley Thunderfuck and the reason why is because he was just one of the first to get it on market but that guy from Alaska hit all those seed companies in Amsterdam and through Europe at that time. And those guys would do that. There were people that would just roll through and kind of make their money and they were drifter type folks or, and just make that. And because those guys over there buy by the kilo. Like if you can produce a kilo of seeds, they're going to, they're going to buy the whole thing. We're not talking packs. They don't, you know, now the funny part about Mattis Nuska, just to finish that story up real quick, is the guy that was actually growing for Tony at the time is the one that discovered Mattis Nuska because Tony didn't, didn't take it seriously. It was just a guy that showed up and offered Tony the seeds, MTF, just like he probably did to Simon and Adam and the guys from Dutch Passion and fucking Paradise, you know, as he's going through all those companies trying just to sell seeds. And like I said, Matichanuska was just nothing but a combination of something they grew over there in the valley that turned out to be phenomenal. But it was a combination of Dutch genetics and all other kinds of genetics that had just been brought to that valley. Just like Williams Wonder became, you know, came out of the Wilnet Valley. There was something there, a couple, you know, plants or varieties, I'm sure, because yeah, we're talking one of the best places to grow in the country as far as Oregon goes. And came up with this hybrid that would acclimate to Oregon and became Williams Wonder. And that's why it's tricky to get it to flower. But if you ever smoked real Williams, I mean, it's in the, it's going to fucking, you're going to remember it. And that's the whole goal of what we're talking about is the varieties are kind of getting forgotten, but they are the ones that we remember the most as far as they were the first ones and they made the most impact to us. And I still feel them in the lines, you know, we, we see now. I don't see them in some of the hype lines because I don't get, because they're so mixed. The GMOs I haven't tried. The cookies just taste like something I've had 10 years ago. I can't decipher anything in it. The, the effect really doesn't do much for me. Gelato is great flavor. It's got a good effect. There's just so many, too many variations of cookies. I can't get the same sample twice, you know, and that's where the problems lie. I can't get the, if it's not, it doesn't even have to be grown the same, but it should at least have the same profile and effect. You know, and that's where I have an issue with what's happening with the breeding scene right now, if that makes sense, is there's no definition. I mean, I realize that, all right, so like, for example, DJ's blueberries, you know, a lot of people, if you force them and they come up fast, when you flower them fast, you notice that they'll get that really rich blueberry funk on the front 
even though a lot of blueberries will smoke very floral, very not acrid, but floral is about the only way I can describe that. And most people know what I mean. Um, or earthy, that's kind of the two pheno profiles you get from DJ's lines is either earthy or floral or blue. If you get that blue and there is a candy store blueberry in DJ's, there's a cake blueberry, there's muffin, you know, and the Dabney blueberry was muffin. I found the cake phenos and the blue moonshines from Dutch Passion. Um, I do believe that the best cut of blueberry out there I've seen the last 10 to 15 years was from Outcast, which is a candy store, fast flowering sativa dominant blueberry. It's fucking phenomenal. Um, Omaha's got a really good indica blueberry float, indica blueberry floating around right now. There's a cut of Skywalker floating around Omaha right now. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of high. What happened? Okay, we we're talking about those seedless. Sorry. <laughs> um, the reason I can look at my seedless and get an idea of what I was doing. So at the back of all my seedless is usually the work I was doing. If it's worth a shit, if I could see what I'm doing. All right. So yeah, see, it says new ones added kind of things. I need. I need to make bifocals. Hold on a second. You guys are think I'm goofy, but I actually use two pairs of glasses to make bifocals. So don't mind this. This is ridiculous. Anyway, so whoa! Oh wow! Yeah, this is. Oh man. Mm. Jesus. Yeah, this isn't organized like my other list. This is one of the earlier ones. So it's kind of just like a bulk list. There's a point. I have other lists where I separate them that are easier to fucking look at than this. This one's. It hurts to look at this shit. So yeah, um, I got hit in 2014 hard. All right. So the first time I told you guys about um, uh, 1993, I got hit with that fucking Kush or whatever. Um, in just to kind of give you guys an idea of how rough it can be. So in 2014, I was doing really well things were going fine i was having a little bit of some uh uh now i guess everything was pretty much going normal so i had fucked up and i didn't pay my electric bill which i have no idea why and uh i was in a state where it was an issue and i was rolling pretty hard i had 20 plants going in bloom and i had uh about 70 60 or 70 in veg between clones and moms so i was under the 100 limit still um when the guy came to shut my electricity off he did and i was home and i called him outside i looked out the window and saw him i was like hey what's going on he's like well we gotta shut you off you haven't paid your bill and i go i had cash so i just i don't know how you know like i said i had meant some mental issues and i some i've done some stupid fucking shit which is definitely you know made shit hard for me and this losing that my seed collection was brutal so uh the way that went down was uh 
I went to pay him. And when I went back into my, I was at my door when he was out of his truck, when I was yelling at him, I went back to get the money. By the time I got back to my door, he was already at the door. I was going to try to catch him outside of that. Reason why that was an issue with us right before harvest. And I'm pretty sure everybody within about a mile of my house, if you were to open my door, would have been like, fuck, dude. Because I had purple butters, Hawaiian purple butters down there. I had that uh, sativa blueberry. Fuck. I had like uh, double Dutch fucking. I know I had 98 Bubba, probably had the white from Chrome down there. Urkel was down there. Um, okay, so anyway, uh, they got an illegal warrant, 72-hour warrant, so they have to bust my door in within 72 hours. The reason why it's illegal is because the only evidence they had was that guy that came to my house to shut my electricity off, who gets a bonus if he gets a, if they get, if I get charged or something, whatever that electricity company cop deal is. Um, they hit me, um, like in the, in the morning. Uh, 15 guys, fucking full body armor. I'm in my underwear in bed. Uh, put me on the floor. I mean, they were in my room within seconds. They broke my front door down, uh, had me down, put me out in my living room in my underwear, fucking cuffed. And it was like fall. It was cold. They left my front door open. Uh, they checked out the basement and found everything. And I heard them going over it and fucking... They were impressed. Uh, at first, they all came in a very gung-ho. And then they saw pictures of my kids. They saw I didn't have scales. They saw I didn't do business. All my shit was very organized. All my head stash was in jars in my room. Very organized. My plants, everything was very fucking well-kept. Um, they realized very quick that I wasn't a hustler. And the whole attitude of it changed, but it didn't matter. Um, what happened unfortunately next since I had a prior felony and I did resolve that, that I told you guys I had left state I think I fucked probation up I didn't finish the story but I left state and I ended up in Kansas right um, so at this point I'm I'm jumping the gun I'm just explaining my uh, the loss of my uh, seed collection real quick and we're gonna have to go back because how like this happened is a different part of it but so anyway they uh started going through everything and logging it all and uh unfortunately i had my dad's handgun in my safe which didn't have a clip in it it was just an old beretta that he used to have because my both my folks had passed away a good 14 15 years ago and it was one of the keepsakes i kind of kept because it was rusty little hand beretta little 22 that he kept in his back pocket because he in his later years worked at his gas station he was kind of hard had some hard times and uh, they found that. And when they find, you know, firearms around people that grow pot, you know, they, oh, we got them now. Unfortunately, I also had about uh, two ounces of oil on my uh, TV entertainment center, which were on silicon pads. They found six hits of acid in my freezer. That didn't help. And they found my seed collection. And so, uh, yeah, at that point, shit went sideways. So they took me down. My girlfriend at the time showed up, asked if she could come in. They said no. <laughs> so she immediately left and called a lawyer. 
Um, and this is when I was in the living room still couches there. Took about four hours to gut my house and get everything in line. Seven pages of documentation on me and inventory. I still have all seven pages of that inventory, everything it took. Um, I get the lawyer. I go down. I'm in jail for about a week. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, um, her dad's uh, well-established in the medical field. They have money uh connections not any connections that could do anything in general but we had financial little financial assistance also reached out to the canna cabana ic mag other people that were in the situation and be like hey i'm fucked anybody can help me i'm looking at 50 years this one wasn't a 120 this was a this was a, a big one because that handgun so we found a lawyer that looked over the warrant and found the, the hole. There was a big hole in the warrant because you need multiple forms of evidence to do what they did to me. So he knew he could win it. He, my girlfriend found this cap. It was basically, but it was 10 grand. It cost, it cost 10 grand, which is fucked up, you know, that a lawyer can tell you that. You know, okay, so if you know you can win it, why can't I just give this fucking information to a public defender and why can't I walk all the way on this fucked up charge but I got, you know, and that's why I fucking hate the judicial system and laws. And there's a whole nother conversation. So I don't fucking like laws and I don't like fucking government. It's all bullshit. And I think man should fucking uh, govern themselves. You know, I own my fucking place. I own my spot. Just leave me the fuck alone and we'll be good. You know, but that ain't just how it's it. Anyway, so <laughs> um, anyway, that's how that went down. I fucking lost everything took two years in court they seized my entire seed collection which i don't know if you guys have seen online i had those century boxes at the time i had two century boxes and then another box or two it was thousands it was three about 25 years of stock and thousands of lines thousands of lines and not only that the lines that i swapped with people when i would swap with people i'd be like hey i'm going to give you 10 lines anything in my stock list you want and i had those pages i'd send them I, i'd be it'd just be a text document pick anything you want and i'd be after the most weirdest shit on their lists and that's why they wouldn't mind giving me stock and they knew i'd grow them and if i could grow them better than they did like reeferman's uh, cambodian um pico orange pico cambodian okay it was just one i wanted to try that i got from somebody i was like okay and i ran it and it grew like a decent mixed indica dominant weird Cambodian plant that smelled and smoked like fucking orange Pico tea. And that was or Reeferman's orange Pico Cambodian. <laughs> and I experienced it. I documented it. I went on with my life. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what I, where I found the enjoyment in all these lives, but the diversity and the weirder shit is where I really fucking loved it. And how I got into Hawaiian purple butters and Hawaiian lines from trying Maui Wowie skunk when it was original and those cat pisses from Federation. But don't do the ROM from Federation because that's just a, a, a fucking rhino or a, a white widow rip. Um, but we can get back into those lines later. Okay, so the stock list um, and the stuff we were dealing with back then, the reason I wanted to look at those is because there was trying to remember. Yeah, I'll just look it up on here. Because we had some stuff that you guys all know, the silver lines, okay, silver pearl, um, 
the skunks that I talked about in that last little uh, Instagram post, the skunk number one, skunk number two, the super skunks. Then you have the pearl lines, the silver pearl, early skunk uh, hash plant, which when, then it was just called hash plant. It wasn't like fucking variations of it. All right, one sec. <clears throat> Man, it sucks to hear you uh, lose all them seeds like that, man. That, that my heart goes out to you. I have a quite a collection myself. And man. sadly, that was hard the first one. And then after that kind of happened, the next couple of years, I reached out to people and tried to regain quite a bit of the stuff I had worked and in certain ones that I was really after that I was looking to work, which is, makes me sad because Bodie, uh, plant more seeds, Bodie, Bodie. Um, I was after him for fucking Lumbo Black, uh, Colombian Black for so long. And he sent it to me like a couple times and I just kept losing it. Fucking that first one in 2014. And then I had regained like, okay, 14, 15, 16, 17. All right, 2017 or 18, I was trying to get shit back together. I was starting to roll again. I had gotten a deal in Michigan that I'll talk to you guys about later because I, you're in Michigan, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got, got some issues with some people in Michigan, but we'll get back to that later. Um, I got fucked in Michigan pretty bad. Um, and yeah, it's just what it is, man. Um, not, and that's not a bad thing on Michigan. It's just some people I'd say definitely be wary of. They, I, I brought all my genetics to them and opened my fucking door up to them and pretty much got bent over and then got guns pulled on me in the whole nine yards. So it didn't work out really well. But, uh, so for example, some of the lines that one of the first breeding stuff that I did start to breed was just by looking at these. And the reason I'm bringing them up is because the way the names changed is kind of pertinent right now at this time is because this is why it gets so convoluted because you have seed companies that are fighting over each other for the same genetics. Okay. So like I said, one company would be bubblegum, the other is bubblicious. And then you got Tutti Fruity or fucking Bazooka Joe, you know, variations of like just the bubble gums. And the tutti frutti was just a bubble gum, but they called it tutti frutti because they were they were isolating the juicy fruit end and not the pink bubble gum, the bazooka Joe pink. And then, uh, yeah, I think those are the main two only because you like, for example, cherries, terps. You have the Luden's cherry, you have the Bing cherry, like a fresh Bing cherry, a Luden cherry. And then a uh, maraschino cherry. So just for cherry terps, you know, when you talk about them, for the real nerdy, nerdy can of guys that are listening to what I'm trying to get into, um, that's what, those are the kind of things that matters. They help you really isolate what, like the one guy that was looking for the cherry terps, I, I know where to find them in multiple lines. And that's the other thing, but what high do you want with it? Are you going for that indicator? Are you going for the sativa? And that's where hopefully i could have input with somebody like that or at least give them some help in finding what they're after because i've definitely probably come across it in something one time or another um another thing i want to kind of say real quick lemon turfs when we talk about turfs the reason uh it's tricky to deal with citrus and lemon turfs out of all the lines i've ever run which is literally hundreds of hundreds from both cut and seed um vintage or not lemon and citrus terps 
beside acrid terps that we do get from like skunks and afghans and it's for people that are really nerdy out there they're like give me something i can use lemon terps are the most common and i avoid them the most citrus and lemon terps i don't know why i don't know what? maybe something they isolated in the lemon hazes and the skunks during the first creation of skunks themselves and then they kind of got the acrid bitterness from that combined with the acridness of the afghans to come up with that true because skunk itself is a three-way hybrid and afghan is probably where that tone skunk came from at some point the the, the, mo the most majority dominant gene gift was from the afghan with that skunk terp because skunk terp's a tricky one it's a three-way hybrid you know so where did it really come from it was that combination of those three and then what exact combination that gave you that skunk and then there's again then what kind of skunk are we talking about are we talking about a, a floral clean skunk are we talking about like a, a fresh skunk spray skunk are we talking about the, the dead body rotten meat roadkill skunk and that's to me the early ones weren't the roadkill the early ones were the clean ones because they hadn't gotten complex yet and then when you start getting the afghan skunks now you're getting in okay the sulfur and the gunpowder, what happens when you mix skunk with gunpowder? You know, now you're starting to get the these sharper tones, these more bitter things. It, it's natural, you know, now, now it can relate to why that's happening. And so, but when you get into the fruitier tones and some of those ones, like where they got their terps for Cali-O, how date DJ got the, the blueberry terps to come out of the combinations he was fucking exploring, you got me, man. You know, there's there's some questions with those that I still have, but there's certain lines that have proved themselves no matter what. Like, you know, when I got into purples, um, not to get too far off base, but for people that are interested in purple history, the first couple ones we saw were deep meat purple purples. They weren't the outer uh, highlighted purples. Um, purple number one, go look in a catalog for purple number one. Um, Adam Dunn's chocolate chunk, you'll see another purple pheno, that deep purple meat type of cannabis, not great. Uh, Black Russian, okay? So purple number one, Black Russian, very deep meat purple purples, okay? Not anthocyan or maybe anthocyan purples. Me and Sunny Chiba had the best conversation one time about, I'm an artist, so I looked at subtractive colors and he's a botanist, scientist, chemist guy. And he looks at anthocyanins. So any of you super nerd guys, Mensa members out there, that was a conversation that we have later. I still don't understand how purple exists in cannabis. Is It's not that I don't understand. Okay, so you need red and blue to get purple. And so for that to exist on a plant to me is fascinating because it's red, green, and yellow to get your blues, but then blues cut to red is going to get your you know it's just and so but that's looking at it as an artist not from a natural botanical scientific so anyway not to get too far off base um where were we going before i went on that path <laughs> you were talking about how you didn't care for a lemon and citrus oh the purples the, the purples Okay, so yeah, yeah, just real quick about the purple meat on the purples. 
purple number one was like a commercial ditch weed purple. It didn't really get you high and the flavor wasn't really great. It was very floral and a whole lot there. Um, Black Russian was a good, tr good try, but unfortunately it had a decent buzz and it was a great looking plant, but the terpene profile was black pepper. It was not very pleasant at all. And even though they tried to do the double purple doja hybrids, I think that's where Sunny came in, Sunny Chiba. And uh, that shit, if you ever run them, like the Black Rose, anybody that runs Heath Robinson's original Black Rose, which was the uh, Black Russian cross tips, the Shiva that he did, the Shiva skunk, saying, yeah, it's just that black. You know, and there's another thing with turf profiles. Some people like those earthies, the peppers and whatever. And that's where it becomes more personal. Like I can't do the Gorilla Glues. I can't do the white by Chrome, even though I grew it. I can't do the musty ones. I can't do the fucking truffle, fucking really earthy. I, I just can't do it. I don't like blue cheese. I don't like truffles. I don't, you know, you know what I mean? It's just those tones are hard. For, okay, fair warning to people who want to grow out the marijuana that we all passed around for a decade and that is one of the best medical ones out there. Smokes like wet leather. It's just what it fucking is. I dug, I ran 40 fucking seeds of those, 40 or 50 seeds of the marijuana, looking for the fucking Petrolia head stash. I'll be goddamn if there's anything Petrolia. It has to be Petrolia, the area that it was made in. There's no gas. The term Petrolia had nothing to do with fucking gas. That's for sure. Because I dug through very, those fucking marijuanas for fucking like two years, three years looking for different phenotypes. And it's just, like hashy some coffee you know that little coffee chocolate essence in there not much mostly just hash and fucking leather wet leather and you know it is yeah the yes the, the stone can be great and it is heroin it's supposed to be that you know opiate effect and when my buddy grew it in colorado i never i used it i felt like it was more of a pain thing i didn't like smoking it because of that flavor profile but my guy in Colorado, when he, when he did run our cut outside, pardon me, he said it was one of the strongest ones that he had that year, for sure. But uh, I don't enjoy smoking it, so I just don't fuck with it. But I got a fucking ton of seeds of it. Um, Romulan is kind of that NL, very piney, acrid, almost <coughs> gagia, kind of funky profile, but, you know, very good. But there's... Uh, that original Romulan, if you can find the one that I've talked to Boneyard Tony about, and that I found in the original versions of Space Queen and why I kind of defend some of Subcool's earlier work, because it wasn't his, it was just him reproducing some of Vic's stuff, especially with like Space Queen. Um, if you guys ever had any of those early Space Queen seeds and ran them and got to isolate the original hybrid, which was the C99 to the Romulan, that Romulan you know, it came out of Canada. I'm pretty sure that's where Ron and Joe was. But it's like this. It's so piney sweet. Juniper pine, not like evergreen pine. It came out like, uh, it smelled like grape. It smelled like a fresh pine grape. It was so piney. It's hard to explain it. And I have pictures of it. I documented. But I've asked people to get uh, seeds of Space Queen so I could run them again and try to isolate that original ROM and it's tough and that's why Tony even sent me some of his ROM work so I could try to find it again that's why I ran the Romulan heroin, but that heroin is so dominant in the leather that 
I just couldn't find any of that pine or grape in the run. Even though I found an acrid, there is some pine in there, but it came off more acrid, weird. When I when I did the these latest the last latest versions of the raw marijuana, which is just something more to rebel knocked out fucking 10, 15 years ago, I think, at this point. So um getting back into those 90s again. So what we were working with when I'd start the very first couple things, I guess after I had hit Kansas and we I we had bought Reeferman's Pure. Uh, we had gotten a uh, great white shark from greenhouse. We had early skunk. We had mighty mite, which is another interpretation problem. Mighty mite. I see a lot of people post it as, uh, I don't know. It, it should be mighty as in mighty, M-I-G-H-T-Y, and then mite. It was a strong, small plant. That was the whole concept for mighty mite. But then later changed to like mite mite. They took the mighty out of it. I don't know, or Mighty Mighty or something. I don't know. That that what's one of the namesakes that's kind of been fucked up. Um, we did okay, that's 05, 06, 04. Uh, yeah, it didn't look like I can go. I don't have anything really before 04. So at 04, I was working with Super Skunk, Mighty Might, Great White Shark, Hash Plant, which I'm sure Sensi's Hash Plant, Northern Lights, Reef Moons number five. A Jack Herrera. Um, our cash plan. In 2006, though, okay, but we did see DD diesels by 2002, 2003, 2004. So that's not because I was going to say I got sour diesel, but it's under 2004, 5, and 6. And then New York City diesels is also listed under. Any candidacy would like to know if you wanted to talk about the 80s pandemonium. One more time. Uh, Jenny Kennedy asked if you'd like to talk about the 80s pandemonium. Um, the only reds we saw, I only saw a couple reds, and even the, the hash, like that lab red and the blonde lab. Um like I said, we were limited to what we saw in the Midwest. If you did, he, he did. He was lucky. I really didn't see any Panama red or even Colombo red. We would get Mexi red bud. They just call it red bud. And then you'd get the, the hair, the red hair. So there was kind of two variations. One I heard was because the iron content in the soil in Mexico, that the Panama, the Panama red, that's why it had the red tone. And I think I might've seen that once, but we're going so far back and it was only that one maybe glimpse or two. So I just don't have much to put in on that. You know, I might've been told this is what it was and looked at it and been like, this is some weird looking fucking pot, you know, that kind of thing back then. But the reds were something that you would, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right at that age where I don't think I was there for that. And it didn't make it up to Nebraska to me or to Kansas in that area through the people I knew, whether the, the angels and, you know, let it run through them. Cause you also got like Acapulco gold, which when we get into that, all I, I think Panama red was just a variation of Colombian red. Just like I figure Acapulco gold, Oaxacan gold and Colombian gold are all directly related. Okay. It's not whether they're the same exact same plant. I think that, that variety made it to those places because that pot made it to those places in one form or the other, whether it was by seed or plant, but they're directly related. I believe the Afghan 
that's related to the Oaxacan and the Acapulco is a Colombian gold that had come from Colombia, ended up in Oaxaca or the Mexican Panama area, and then naturally domesticated and developed into what became Oaxacan gold and Acapulco gold. You, you see what I mean? Like that's one way that I connect varieties because if you grow them, you, you see it. And that's where those profiles come in. Okay, so you, you can grow, all right, let's say you grow a Colombian, it looks leafier and beefier and healthier than when you grow a Oaxacan, which is gonna be skinnier and more Mexican is all the only way I can really phrase it. But the profiles are very similar. Okay, and one of the things we didn't finish on talking is that Colombian gold, when I smelled it. Let me try to explain that. Colombian gold is faded. Have you ever grown a plant where the stalk was yellow before you finished it? Because that's almost what you need to do for golds to get them to finish right. A gold will literally be at the end of harvest. The top of the leaf will be gold, but the bottom will be bronze. Just like a purple leaf or a dark green leaf that turns purple. And this something has to do with that those gold varieties. I heard there's like this mother gold plant in Mexico or Colombia that's like the mother to all gold plants. And I would love to find out if that's fucking true. So anyway, um, but let me get to the gold thing because this is very, I think, information that we all can fucking put our fingers on. And when I saw it and I, I kind of studied that gold pot. And then later when I saw it in books and stuff like that, I was like, that's the shit. And that's what it was. And I could, I could explain it to people. So <clears throat> what made gold pot like that was, you know, I've gotten skunks to come out pink and really light green. It's hard to get a true gold or a yellow, what I think they considered the Lebanese yellows or the uh, uh, reds. To get those tones, there's got to be mineral contents or something happened environmentally to get this to happen. And a lot of the conjecture, I think, is, oh, they used to let the pot bleach in the sun. That's why it's gold and yellow. It's all paled out. No, no, no. If you do that with a plant, everything fucking dies. That gold pot that I had, it wasn't paled out by light. It was not fucking light bleached. And I've had this argument with people because <laughs> there's these like, no, we know. And I was like, fuck you do. Because it doesn't sound like, because if you pile it up and it naturally decomposes like that is one thing. This fucking pot I got was not decomposed. It was fucking beautiful. And I've never, I've only seen it twice ever to that degree. Like I said, that shram that I did was close, but I couldn't get that gold because I wasn't in a fucking Mexico in Oaxaca for one. And I'm growing a fucking hybrid clone of something that's it's related to by fucking grandfather ancestry by that point so okay what made that pot so unique was it was faded to the point where it was perfect and the pot itself was gold it wasn't bronze it wasn't yellow the fucking buds the calyxes it was fucking gold it's the only way i can fucking describe it um but what made it even more stand out so they kind of left the leaves on there and what made it look even weirder is, so as the leaves were curled up around the bud, the back of the leaves is bronze. But when you break the leaf off and look at it, it was fucking gold. Now, the smell of this shit, um, God, there was a little lemon citrus in there, but there was a lot more in there. There was like some raw meat or some dead meat. There was some like cinnamon. There was like cumin. Like, fuck, I don't even know how to explain it. Like. Like I said, grow shram. The closest thing I've come to it over the last 15 years has been the shram cut. 
grow it like a Colombian. Take it 12 weeks, 14 weeks, long run that fucking thing. Be real easy on the nitrogen midway through the back. Fucking don't give it any as far as I'm, you know, my advice on it. And let it finish long and, and strong. And the and if you got the strong cut and it's the same thing that I was given fucking 10 years ago or however long ago I had that thing, that was the only thing I've come across that uh, was anything like a gold, a real true fucking 80s gold. Um, went through Jack's cleaners, um, you know, the rippers that, you know, Subby had, ran some lemon ties, but lemon tie is a different profile. It's a pain in the ass to grow. And Dutch Flowers lemon tie was an indica. I don't even know how the fuck they did that. Pretty sure it was a, a lemon Afghan. I don't even think Dutch Flowers lemon tie was a tie. But anyway, that's a different story. So, <laughs> Uh, the, that Colombian man, if anybody, uh, yeah, has like the only ones I have, I think I have Colombian red seeds that I'm not even sure the breeder was, but somebody did send me some Colombian red. And I just have, you know, not to put a, a spoiler on it, but you know, I'm in between places right now. If we would have done this interview three weeks ago, I could have walked into a bloom room and showed you guys flowering plants or just about ready to come down and the moms and clones and. Right now, I'm in between places. I don't know where I'm going to end up within the next six months. I don't have any place to work. I've got a handful of fucking seeds and don't know where I'm going to go or what I'm going to do with them. Colorado was an idea, but people are being tied on their space and they don't want to you know, give the opportunity, even though they have the, the, the room and the opportunity to you know, do you know, what they have available to them there. Um, I've got fucking rooted clones with no homes. So, you know, I'm definitely not into this to be a pro or try to compete because it just ain't fucking happening for me. But, you know, as far as keeping my meds around and having, giving them to people or fucking helping people out to, or even this information for them to produce the level of quality that I need personally or even to help them get to the level of quality they're trying to reach has kind of always been the goal. So uh, the rest of it's all secondary. I, like I said, my life is more about music and art, my kids and fucking cooking. And this is just, you know, what it's become on its own because it's, you know, turned into something that I really can't get behind, you know, the industry and the business, you know, I believe in helping people out. I consider you guys to be cool because we're all in this because we enjoy cannabis and we all have our reasons. But if any of you were to ask me for something, I'd hand it to you, no problem. I just don't have a, but with the intentions, as long as, you know, I wouldn't hand somebody those Colombian reds, don't get me wrong. Because, <laughs> you know, I have hope in my heart that I'm going to be somewhere at some day that I, even my other stuff that has like, the treasure mix where I know I've got a mango baked mango fino in that pool that is just fucking incredible and have the opportunity to run that stuff. And what's, what's even worse is when you, you know, somebody does give you the opportunity and not to bring up a, a bad spot, but that Michigan situation. So a couple of years ago, I have this ex-military guy get a hold of me. He says, I got all this greenhouse area and I want you to come out and bring your stock and I'm going to give you 40%. I want you to be my master grower, master breeder. I said, all right, loaded up all my shit, took all my genetics up to Michigan, uh, Silver Lake, Mears area and uh, hooked them up. 
fucking brought everything up there they needed, man. About 27 to 30 different varieties already in pots, already fucking isolated, already selected. Everything was done. Not only that, I was on the back end of selection. I had fucking Colombian blacks. I had fucking Bodie's Colombian blacks running. I had fucking just phenomenal genetics. I think I had Herb Pure Tea, which is a, a, a Dutch purple or a Dutch strawberry. Like I just had some bizarre shit out there. And so anyway, what happened was, I think it's 2018, Adam Dunn had the ADSI event. And uh, I told those guys, so we had three greenhouses. We're gonna do 270 plants. They had licenses for 12 plants per license. And we had enough licenses to do 277 plants or something. Um, we needed a staging room. So we had the main bedroom. I had everything set up in the bedrooms, getting ready to do big selects or big clone, um, a big clone run. So we could start prepping for outdoors. The moms that we had in there, the 27 or whatever, and a couple extras were getting up potted to the next stage. So we needed a staging area to get those big enough to get ready to go outside. Um, they were supposed to finish the staging area. I had the bedroom was done by the time I went to Colorado to Adam's event. They were, I had left them there for a week and all they had to do was finish the staging area and keep the mothers watered. Um, when I got back, 70% of the mothers were either dead or dehydrated. They hadn't done anything to the staging room. They had bought a bunch of Coke. They were fucking blasting material. They took the money they had that they were supposed to finish the staging room with and went and bought like a hundred pounds of fucking somebody's fucking leaf because they had the whole blasting set up. So they were hustling all their shit to Chicago. So they didn't care because it was fucking, you know, they're in Michigan. What the fuck do they care? So they're just blasting Earl and they're getting, getting it all taken. Even though the shit they were buying was fucking molded fucking shit from somebody else's other blast in molding molded fucking material and selling it to fucking you know cartel or fucking mob fucking people and whatever so i get back there and i lose my shit um and uh like i said i almost get shot uh i start taking every cut that I can get that anything that's left that's going to survive. And they didn't make it easy for me to do this before I even got back up there. We were, I wanted to see what was happening. And uh, he was like, well, we didn't get the room done. And that's kind of where I knew something was up. I was like, I need you to go in the other room and, and walk through there with the camera. And that's when I saw the condition of the plants and I fucking was lost my shit. Um, so I get up there and I took my son and another buddy up there with a van to get everything that I needed, any equipment I had taken up there and some just, I didn't even take plants. I literally just walked around. I take a fucking big Ziploc bag, put the name of the fucking variety up there, grab the fucking plant, hack the top off of it, wrap it in a piece of fucking wet toilet fucking towel, you know, fucking tie it up. So I got a quick fucking clone, throw it in the bag, zip it up, throw it in the corner and go to the next one and just get the varieties that I could. And the whole time I was just fucking, I was just fucking livid. And the guy was outside with like five or six other people. So I showed up with my son, who's, you know, we're, I'm not a very big person, a, a little Mexican dude that drove. And my son who's a little bit shorter than me. And uh, there was six dudes there. 
the ex-military dude had a two by four and was wanting to come at me with that was telling me that I didn't know Motor Rebel, that I didn't know DJ Short was fucking just all over me about all kinds of all kinds of stupid shit. And so uh I started going off on him. I called I called Motor Rebel <laughs> at that point. I go, that's funny. How about we just fucking call him? And so I, I started checking these people and I stopped myself there then I was like, all right, wait, that's a bad idea. And so I kept trying to back away, but he kept talking all this shit, which would just keep fucking egging me on. So anyway, we got all the shit loaded up in the car. And about that time, a couple other dudes showed up and they were dudes that would have taken, got rid of us. If anything would have gone any more sideways than it did. At this point, me and the main guy that had the two by four that I was having an issue with were fucking face to face. And I was daring him to fucking hit me with the two by four. My son hit. He was fucking scared to death. And I've never, I'm not sure what, where the Mexican kid was, but I ended up somehow walking away from that fucking confrontation, going back to the van, the two thug fucking Vato locals fucking that showed up. I fucking remember giving one a bag of sulfur and be like, Doby's on there midway through bloom. You guys might grow some decent fucking weed. And he's like, you need to fucking leave motherfucker. I was like, yeah, I'm almost done. And, uh, finished up my shit man and they were loaded they were packing they were ready to bury us out there i fucking drove away from that and i shit you not not even a year and a half two years later the same motherfucker calls me back want me to work with him and he's still that rolling takes some balls right that's that takes some balls and i had on paper a 1.2 million dollar plan that would have produced us hundreds of pounds of quality product. So I don't fucking know. So I'm very discouraged in a lot of this, even though, you know, I love the fucking plant to death. The business and the industry has destroyed it. It's fucking destroyed it. And so anyway, um, that's where it starts to get ugly now. Cause now this is where it's, why it's so personal to me because now i'm getting involved with people that i idolize okay we're in the mid 90s heading towards 2000 now we get all connect now it's going to get fucking real not only did i read about these guys and idolize them i'm going to go fucking meet them you know there was one point a couple of years ago uh i'm sitting at john's okay john is the guy who used to master grow for tony of sagamart seeds um John is the reason why Tony won the cup with Western Wings. Um, I'm sitting at John's house. John's in the other room. There's knock at the door. It was like three years ago, four years ago, maybe five. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, somebody's here. He's like, well, get the fucking door. And I go, I open it up, and there's a six foot two, six foot five GQ Swiss Alp skiing looking motherfucker standing there. And you got to understand, John lives in Englewood. If anybody knows Colorado, and he's a biker. So it's not like we're living in a high quality establishment, even though this place is fucking proper, nothing, you know, shitty shabby about it. It's just, you know, it's definitely not Aspen. So it's fucking Simon from Sirius Seeds. That's who I'm opening the door to. And behind him is this little Cuban chick. who's a breeder from Cuba. That he's running around with probably boning, whatever's happening there. And I recognize, it takes me a minute, and I'm like, no fucking way, is this who I fucking think it is? And I don't say it to him, 
you know, and this is just one instance of some of the weird shit that's happened. And like I said, this four or five years ago, I'd never met Simon. And even the first, when I knew Tony and we were working together, he didn't even want me to meet Adam. Like the way those breeders play each other is fucked up too. I can tell you guys some fucked up shit, but we're, I don't want to go down that road, but I could, but I'm not, you know, but we, I can kind of insinuate a couple things. <laughs> um, so I, Simon comes in and fucking, I'm like, he says, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Simon, I'm looking for fucking, you know, he's Dutch, you know, or whatever the Swiss, whatever the fuck he is. And John comes out and we start bullshitting and I handed him a bud of old sod, super silver haze and uh, something else that I was growing that we had run that year because he was looking for some bud, I believe, just looking for some head stash. And he came to John's. He came to fucking the dude that one of the guys that I respect most in Colorado that's been doing this since the 70s for real. You know, this is he's been doing more than just pot, unfortunately. But, um, you know, that was just that, that scenario. And I didn't meet Tony through John. Tony's another situation. Tony's a very interesting story because I was introduced through Tony through people that isolated that Moz that I talk about in the 80s. All right. So I do know where it comes from and I do know the pool of people and the genetics that it spawned from, but it's tricky because those people are tricky. Um, for example, the Brainiac Mensa member that's behind a lot of that, his family. Um, all right, you know how you have cryovac foods or whatever, like the, the foods that soldiers use when they're out on the field that has to be dehydrated or rehydrated, blah, 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 whatever those, whatever they're called. I forget what they're called. Okay, there has to be a space version. Go ahead. I was, you were going to say what it was. I know there's a term. Oh, there are meats, I believe. The ready-made meals is basically all. Yeah, there. yeah, but it's called something. It, that packer, I forget, but. Okay, but where I was going with it is, okay, so the guys I'm talking about, there's also food that has to be able to be survive in space and you have to be able to eat it at those, um, at that type of atmosphere and that type of shit. And that's what his family did. They're the people that produce those, the food that could be consumed in space and fucking wouldn't, you know, that's where he, he that's the level of, um, you know, he's a very interesting guy. I like, I'm trying to contact him again since I got to where I'm at now. I haven't talked to him in a minute. He's, he's fucked up. You know, he's mentally, usually people that are that brilliant are fucked up. And this guy's pretty fucked up. Um, but he's fucking brilliant. Anyway, um, he's the way I got to the Moz. The way it happened was a buddy of mine hooked up with this chick, or no, a buddy of mine's ex wife hooked up with him somehow. And then because my buddy and me were to, you know, doing what we do in cannabis, he had talked to this guy, which had been doing this in cannabis in this part of the country for decades. It's like, well, I got a cut I can turn you guys on to because we had cuts too. And we're just, you know, doing that thing. And that's where the Moz came in. Now, the reason the Moz grabbed my attention is because that cut that came across the States in the eighties, I told you about late eighties. This is the first thing in a long time that I thought they would compare to it. Beside like Bubba and OG, if you put them together, but it, I don't want to bring those in because they just don't relate. They just weren't around and people's versions of Bubba and OG now, I mean, Bubba, I think has stayed pretty clear, but OG has been so bastardized. It's hard to say what the fuck kind of OG because they just started throwing OG on everything. 
you know, it just the fucking moniker. It didn't even have to be a Kush. It, you know, OG was a Kush kind of when it was introduced. There was something Kushy in there, but the re- they fucked it up right quick after that. And they're like, well, it's gassy and fucking chemi. And no, it was never gassy. It was never chemi. It was complex, but gassy and chemi's profiles didn't happen till later, at least where I'm from. So, because those were standout. And I can't, like I said, even in some of the arguments I've had with other people, remember seeing sour diesel and diesel lines before caps. So, and I'll stay by that. Um, anytime I saw anything gassy or what could be considered gassy or chemi or skunk related, and it would have been something that I would call turbo skunk or an acrid skunk or a sulfur skunk or... And that's where those gas and those times terms come terms come from. Afghan skunk would pr- produce those tones. Anyway, so, um, but they weren't to the level. I'll give those guys that they weren't to the level they are now. The chem tones and the diesel tones. They are fucking next level. Like they're prominent. You, you know when you got a proper diesel, you know when you got a proper cam. Um, but I don't even want to touch on any of that bullshit. So, um. This cat that I was introduced to turned me on to that Moz, and I fucking love that plant to death. I studied the shit out of it, and I found it to be very similar, like I said, to that original fish that came through. And then we started talking about it, and I asked him how he got it, and we became pretty tight. And um, I was, like I said, it pretty much was spawned from Cultivator's Choice Genetics or Super Steve Club. Those early genetics from the 80s, that's all I can say. Because everybody's got a story and they can try to connect it to this or that. So I just pool it to that time frame because most likely it was all the same genetics anyway. Or it's just them guys passing them. There were so limited work done, even though it was happening. People, like I said, weren't communicating. It wasn't like you could call up your buddy and be like, hey, I'm mail you a clone because it, it was just... It might have started to have been happening, but it definitely wasn't like it is anything like it is now. It's just a whole other creature. So uh, the Moz stuck with me, and I kept that thing close and fucking started working with that. Um, how did Tony come into the picture? Okay, so then he told me he knew Tony. That's how it happened. All right, and if you guys aren't familiar with Sagamartha Seeds, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you know, if you look at the history of how the seed companies are created, you'll, you'll see that Sacred, and then you have the Seed Bank and the Super Steve Seed Club, and then from there, all the people that work together, blah, 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 then they became THCs and fucking Sirius, and they just broke off into these branches and new seed companies, and so... And, we, and they keep going from there. That's where you guys, all the breeders are at now. They're way out here on the edges of all this shit that's fucking come out of this web of whatever the fuck we're doing. So um, my guy says, yeah, I can, I can introduce you to Tony. I'm like, well, cool. All right. And at this point, I, you know, I was a fan. I had run Yumbolt back in the day uh, when I went to Colorado with Tony skiddy himself gave me his cherry slider if anybody knows even what that is you know cherry slider is basically like a cherry nl or a cherry ak theme you know, it's fucking phenomenal if you ran it outdoors man you could retire on the amount that motherfucker put out anyway um <laughs> the uh the slider the yumble 
what was this most prominent ones the bubbleberry which you know was a big deal because you know you're talking djs you're talking the original bubblegum cut okay the line that they were fucking with that original bubblegum and then dj's original blueberry work on the male side so that combination of that original bubbleberry and then what else did he do it's like blue thunder was maddox newstead of the blueberry um, and then DJ got pissed at Tony and quit because Tony's a fucking dingleberry. Went to Paradise, and that's why Dutch Passion, or no, Dutch Passion, that's why Dutch Passion worked with DJ for a minute. And he ended up putting out Blue Moonshine and a couple other things, right? And then he ended up going to work with Breeder Steve and did the SOL work for Spice of Life, and he did Blue Satellite. Oh, fuck. God, there's so many so many um uh there's some of those other s uh spice life ones that were flow related and there was two flows there was the flow f-l-o-w and there's f-l-o but they're both a floral blue line kind of thing because dj's floral lines were they were really into this incense floral thing man and it was really good pot flow is a really good pot if for the old guys who know what flow is um I can't even explain flow because then I'd have to explain Williams Warner because there's this floral, incense-y, complex thing that they have that it's hard to explain unless you have a bud there and you can give it to somebody. Um, so anyway, uh, DJ's jumping around just trying to find a place to work. Tony's already stole his fucking genetics pretty much. Those guys are still having their little clicks and switching them back and forth. And the whole time, there's us in the States, there's people in Australia, all over the world. That we all know people still. And so they're, the, these genetics are doing this all of a sudden in the 80s and 90s. Okay, but it's still, we're talking to each other. We don't have the internet, you know, completely connecting us. But this work is being very paid attention to by the people involved. Um, and then the fucking night that the end of the nineties starts to happen and the internet thing and the websites and fuck, I don't know what happened there. You know, it seemed like everybody's attention as soon as sour D and OG curse came out, it just fucking went to shit. And the Dutch got pissed because they're like, OG ain't nothing more than a white widow. Because they figured OG was just this. And then OG became original gangster when there was no thug connection back in the day. And I'm not, you know, rapper thug. I say that, you know, even though I'm saying thug, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just the only way I know how to kind of present it. Okay, so the problem I have with OG when it first came out, the first OG that I ever tried, the reason why certain terms get get argued about is because they were brought, somebody said it, okay? So when somebody says OG, we all think OG, like, I don't want to say original gangster because that came next. At first, it was something else, but why would there be other something else than OG? And the other versions were what? Ogres was one. Ocean grown was a big topic. Um, and I think there was one more. Okay, so anyway, the reason why this has any meaning at all is because the first sample of OG that I was given to that really made an impression on me, I shit you not, smelled and tasted like ocean foam. 
like sea foam. And the term ocean grown kush was the one that most connected it to me. So when people put on OG for original gangster and said that, and not only that, that sea foam kush that I was given called OG kush, this, the bud, I didn't grow it. It just came, it was a sample. So it was like, you gotta try this. Also had the kush tones of the other kush lines that I'm talking about from earlier. But now something else, the sea foamy weird shit that was in there. That was new. Okay. But as soon as somebody came out and said, it's OG Kush, and the rappers took it up and they say, this is that gangster shit. And then it all fucking changed. And it didn't change for the better. Man. I think it actually changed in the wrong direction because it became a hype game and not a real terpene profile, real game, which is what we had based all our documentation off before that. You, the names didn't get too crazy because the name didn't relate to the variety. It was fucking stupid. You know, so even when you had like sugar low for certain lines that didn't make much sense, we, I don't, we'd almost avoid them because if it wasn't a simple line that was just called this, this, and this because of the parents used, then we just didn't trust what it was because people would change the names in order to copy somebody else's work and not and take full credit for themselves and not give them any credit when you'd fucking grow it and smoke and be like, this is the same shit that, you know, this guy had over there three years ago. There's no fucking way this just came into existence out of nowhere. The profile is too fucking note for note. And that's what I mean by our click of what we do and the people type of people we are is so small, especially the level that we're talking. Anybody that's understanding and following what we're really talking about we're so such a small group such a small group that really have this kind of fucking passion for you know if you're serious if you're just in this because you're fucking like smoking weed and you're still learning power to you man because this plant can fucking help you financially mentally spiritually i don't give a fuck it's it's, a, it's an alien this fucking plant like i said it's some part of the carpet weird fucking alien shit <laughs> it, it's there's nothing nothing in the world like it i mean literally but so we get into those 90s and now we hit the 2000s and i'm, I'm starting to breed foberry i had that for a minute the reason why foberry was so unique is it grew like an ak-47 in late bloom it would smell like armpits and onions and by the time you harvested it, it would smell like a biggest bowl of tropical fruit ever. And after the curing in the bag, a month later, it smelled like blueberries. So I called it faux berry because you never knew what the fuck would happen until a month after it was harvested. Not only that, that fucking plant, every time you grew it and harvested it, would have a different effect profile. Sometimes it would lay you out. Sometimes it'd make you racy. Sometimes it'd be the grooviest shit ever. Dude, there are some plants out there you guys really pay attention to your plants and what they can do for you and like i said keep your paraphernalia clean really connect to it they can fuck with your mind man the plants are amazing but the cannabis plant fuck dude like i don't you know cannabis plant it, it's it fucks me up it's a it's a creature it's a i don't even know man <laughs> but all right so uh yeah 
those companies, man, and all that shit happened. And the online thing. The best part about the online thing, it was becoming kind of unified and concise. And that OG, the original overgrow.com strain base. It wasn't that everybody was talking because the talk was getting fucked up because I actually have convert. I copy pasted conversations. If you guys know who Vic High was, if you guys know who um, Heirloom was, if you guys know who Hybe was, H-Y-B. Um, you also, I think, would kind of go in disguise as a guy named EXE. Anyway, so in the forefront of all this breeding that was happening back then, when the arguments of RRS, um, which is um, a, a type of selection, fuck, it's uh, Vic High's version of fast, of fast isolated uh, selection, uh, reoccurring, fuck, reciprocate. I forget. I got, I got the. Anyway, I got the documentation for it. We can check it out at some point. Um, I have the conversations and the arguments from those sites between those breeders. Okay, Vic High arguing with um, Hyde. And it's fucking incredible. I mean, it, it's like watching a debate between fucking DJ Short and Robert Clark, you know, and when they're in their forefront, you know, when they're, when they are the forefront of the entire scene, when that was happening and, and the, and it's them arguing about how to isolate traits and how the genetics would backfire on you and how you'd have inbred mutations and just fucking tons of great information. And then them mentally and fucking with each other because they knew, because they were brilliant and they knew they could throw in like a little joke comment and just fuck everybody up. Well, anybody that understood what they were fucking saying so and then that started taking a twist because you, you started to see it happen Vic High disappeared Romulan Joe was gone gone uh, whatever happened to Jim Ortega um, the rest of them stayed strong you know the drunkers hung with Sensi fucking uh, Adam still got TH seeds Simon's still fucking serious uh, Milo Big Buddha Big Buddha seeds I think Hank Hank, H-E-N-K, is uh, Dutch Passion or uh, Paradise. Uh, Shanti Baba, Scott, is uh, Mr. Nice Seeds. Um, and then later, after the OG thing hit, the problem with that is that now it's so convoluted that people think that what OG is is Kush. And unfortunately, California decided to take on the term Kush and call everything Kush because the term Kush itself means killer in Hindi. Okay, so the term Hindu Kush, the reason why they called it that, and this is just stupid old fucking folklore, but it's not, it's what it is. The Hindu Kush mountains are called that because the Indians, the Middle Eastern Indians, tried to pass and died there. And so it's called Indian Killer Mountains, Hindu Kush. And it's the Hindu people, and Kush is killer. And it killed Indian people, that range. And so those plants that were found up there were called Hindu Kushes because they were found, uh, not the Khyber Pass, but up there in the Hindu Kush range. Um, but the fucked up part is in the 90s, California or wherever the fuck, everybody decided to call everything fucking Kush. And it's not. Kush is a fucking very specific thing. And unfortunately, OG and the term Kush fucked it all up period and it's so fucking distorted now that i don't know if it's like it's fucked up fucked up i don't know if it's repairable because people will fight over this shit now 
when they're completely wrong, when they don't even know? And how do you argue with somebody who is going to stand their ground because what they were taught or learned, you know, they're going to fucking scrap over the same point. It's just, you know, it's, we're not getting anywhere. There's nothing definitive happening. It's just everybody standing on their ground arguing about their view. It's like, and there's no way to win that. And so that's kind of where the sadness is. So what do I do? I, I try to explain it and connect it to the stuff we still have access to, like the Colombian gold, the old Kush. If you have Oregon kids, banana OG, run it, smell it. You're going to smell that banana Turk profile all over the bud. But when you smoke it, you're going to see OG Kush because it's going to be earthy as fuck. It's going to be pretty complex. You ain't going to get any chem in there. If you do, then it ain't fucking banana OG. You're not going to get any diesel. There's no gas in it. It's just this really complex, earthy fucking it's Kush, man. It's fucking simple. It's, it's fucking Kush. And he crossed it to the banana, which came out of a Sagamartha 6040 mix. If you guys know who Oregon Kid is and what I'm talking about, that banana OG cut that went around. It's fucking phenomenal. Best banana turf profile on the market, hands down. I don't care. That's, that's a tough one to find. You know, we see oranges and we see cherry and we see blueberry and fucking fruits and all kinds of shit. Diapers, fucking, you know, but that particular one, banana, a banana profile, that's the only one. Even chocolate, I've only seen chocolate two or three times and I'll give Adam Dunn credit on that one. That chocolate chunk he had, even though that pot didn't smoke, like effect wise, very, you know, effectively. Um, the chocolate chunk, even though the purple, the butt was purple and pretty, it smelled like fucking chocolate. It actually did. It has, it's not coffee. You know how we get, um, the coffee tones and, and some people might relate that to the chocolate, the coffee chocolatey thing we're, we're working on. Um, that one Adam had there, the chocolate chunk was definitely chocolate, like a milky dark chocolate kind of combination tone. Unfortunately, the pot didn't smoke very good. And it doesn't have much of an effect at all. Um, but that banana was another one. That's a tricky profile to come by. You don't find that anywhere. And I had never heard of it before, banana OG. And it was interesting that it came out of a with the 6040. Go ahead. I've got a banana. Primal punch that I the primal punch uh that I've been running. Uh had a banana fino there. Very pronounced banana to it. Yeah. I mean I had that. Uh, it's like a baby food banana is what it, it, it in the, the second round of the primal punch. Nah. Super delicious. Nah. If you can get it to transfer, that's a, like uh, that banana, the banana OG, the terps on that are banana taffy. Anybody knows that fucking banana taffy smell. I mean, it's so good. It, the banana OG, those ter- that. And I don't even want to say OG. I mean, I realize oh, that's what how Oregon Kid made it. But fuck the banana on that is so fantastic. Good God, I wish it translated to the palate. Oh my God, because it is that good. But if you had, you, you have one that actually translated pretty well. You said it's fucking all the way through. I mean, wow. All, I mean, from from the bud to the bag to the very well, the last smoke. Yeah, the smoke is the tricky part because that's where i lo- yeah, i lose it in the banana og i mean maybe if you grew it fast and kind of 
you know, that's something we can get into later. You can get kind of a, a different pronounced profile. If you grow something fast flowered and get that sugary front end hurried up bud, which will have maybe a, a sweeter, more up effect, a little quicker onset, maybe quicker dissipation even, but you get this uh, different profile to when you long run it and you get like a, a, a more mature, richer, deeper kind of type of profiles. And, uh, that banana yeah there's just no way to get the i want the banana on the palate because it smells literally that banana oh gee man it fucks me up so bad because it's so good on the bud i mean it's so banana fucking taffy on the bud until you fucking load it then you load it and it's just so og it's just so fucking much like no banana it's like fuck i just wish there was some banana in there but i mean you can't have it all, Instead but yeah, if you got if you have something that came off like that, that's a yeah, that's a fun one to have. But I mean, I, I'm not set on that particular. The whole thing is the effect. As long as there's some effect to something, then it's worth pursuing. But yeah, that I was. So what I had done, I had an idea to try to remove the OG from the banana. But pardon me. So I had that blueberry from Outcast. <laughs> this is going to sound probably really weird to any breeders out there. People get what I'm about to say. So my idea was two sweet sativas to the banana to push out the OG. Okay, so I got the Outcast blueberry and I got Indian guys Indiana bubblegum for the male, and I make my first sativa pool, and that's the blueberry from outcast which is a fast flowering sativa blueberry very candy store blueberry not floral well kind of floral in the taste because you can't avoid that almost floral thing from blueberry lines in general that flow because it's the floral lines is the base to all of dj's work so you just can't avoid it most of everything he does but that indiana bubblegum was phenomenal uh that i got from indian guy and uh but i had that in mail i had that in the that was my uh, male donor. So I put those together to have my basic seed pool, sativa seed pool to start some lines. And so I did banana splativa is what I called it. And I actually have them. So it's possible. I actually made a post about that the other day. It said the, and made a, a little uh, tag to Oregon kids saying, I still might try to fucking pull this off. So that would be my goal. I'm going to run that. And so I already crossed it to the banana. OG. I ran the, the two, the F1 of that blueberry to the Indiana bubblegum, um, pulled a male from that F1 uh, seed run or that F1 seed sprout in that run, used that male on a couple things, but one of them was the banana OG. And then I crossed it with a couple other things that pollen, but that was my goal with the banana splativa was, so my next round, like when we we're high, oh, you know, we were talking, I heard you guys, oh, wow, that's right. So I've been watching your shows and I've been watching you guys talk about a lot of topics. And I literally wrote down your names and some of the topics you were talking about so I could bring them back up. <laughs> um, like for example, Jack Greenstock. Okay. I think I got that right. He asked what Photoshop P was. Okay, this is some of the stuff, like this is how weird I get in general just because I enjoy some people's angles. Um, Photoshop P is portable. It's a compact version of Photoshop that you can use on portable devices. 
That's what P means. So it's a limited edition of Photoshop. Easy enough. <laughs> like that kind of shit. Uh, Smiley, he talks about male stress testing. I definitely want to talk about that. Atomic levels of molecular structures. Uh, some other stuff with that. Eagle, um, you were talking about training, scrogging, sea of green, super cropping, mangroving and creeping plants. I want to talk about that. Um, canopies versus horizontal, something I wanted to talk to you about. Red pill, males in female populations. Um, morphic resonance, resonance, field, zero point power. Um, I like red pill. He's, I, he reminds me of somebody, very, very mental person I know. Um, and that female males and female populations is a, a big issue. Okay, so let's make this real quick and simple on that one. I, and this is a kind of a cool one. In any big female population, if there's not a male, what's it going to do? One of them plants is going to go hermaphrodite. That's why that happens in that particular situation, because it has to propagate. It's got to live. How can all female plants just come to fruition and not progress? So the reason why that happens in a population that there's not a male and one of those females goes male, that's the reason why. Also, if you have a whole room full of females and you're sprouting seeds, how do you think those seeds are going to react to all those females? If you only have a couple seeds, you know, you, you, what you guys were talking about are how plants respond to each other before they're plants, before they're male or female. And I love this shit, dude. I, I've been watching you guys. I'm going back through your shows and fucking watching this shit and taking notes because I... I was messaging you guys in chat saying, can I call in or something? Because I fucking wanted to input and there was just no way to get to you until we did this. <laughs> but I was going fucking nuts. So that's some of the stuff because I have a lot of the stuff you guys talked about. I've been there and fucking beat it to death. Like I, that's what we do. And I want to share any of my uh, viewpoints. Um, so that male and population thing, that's very pertinent. You bet, man, because... If you have a bunch of females, okay, which most of us do, we run clone moms, okay? Anytime you run seeds, they sense that there's a bunch of females. And so at times, some of those seeds will roll over male because they want to provide for those females. And same with ones that aren't sexed. If you have a whole bunch of unsexed, okay, and one of you guys brought up uh, all female, all seeds are female. And I'll agree with that to a point. I'll say all seeds are 80% chance, maybe a little more that are going to be female. And, but I have reasonings behind that too. Um, and another thing that Robert, you guys were talking about was um, getting more of a female percentage from seed, which was a topic that Robert Carnell, uh, Car uh, Carnell has in his botany book about a Russian study that I found really interesting. I do use it to this day that will give you a higher percentage from seed of females. And they got in trouble for it because it was a Russian study and they were using cannabis and they weren't supposed to. But what they did was they ran like hundreds of seeds. Um, some of them were in small containers, some of them in medium containers, and some of them in oversized containers. And they all went from seed from those containers. And then they documented the populations, the female male percentage of the populations. What they found was if you stress a plant or over comfort it, it will go male most often. Okay. So in order to get an 80, uh, a 70, 80% female from seed, 
the key was to keep it as comfortable as possible without over or underdoing it. So plants that aren't sexed before root bound or stress will most likely have more of a 50-50 or higher percentage of going male because of that. Plants that are kept perfect right in line as you as the plant progresses in your little cup and now it needs its root mass has reached the bottom, little thing sticks out and you know you got to transplant to your next level. This plant that slowly goes from comfort to comfort and very low stress and gets to do its own thing its own way will naturally become a female if there's a male around or it knows it's the it's the female that's you know gonna be the the mother to the the area that it's occupying i guess is one way to look at it um and then the final result was the ones that they put in oversized containers became out more male as well and the oversized thing i consider a stressing is most people when they use oversized containers it's not that they it can't be as successful but i think they overwater because the problem with an oversized um without getting too technical or scientific the smaller containers work best because they dehydrate fast and wet and dry cycles are as are equally important. It's good to have a good drench cycle to make sure everything's re revitalized and moisturized and all that, but it's, it is important to have a dry cycle so the roots can breathe, they can die, can produce material for bacteria to eat and then, re, and then make accessible again to the roots and make the whole biosphere very uh, act, active in general. All right, so, um, you know, where you're watering, you're waiting until it's almost too dry before you water it, or you're not stressed, but you know, just to that point where um, that air circulation point doesn't happen too fast or too slow, which in a bigger pot, you know, you put a little plant in a big five gallon pot and you water it, and two weeks later it's still moist, you know, because it just doesn't need it. And so that's kind of that mentality. And that's what I gained from Robert Clark's point of view in that book. Even though I've gone back through his botany book, it might've been DJs or something else. I, I, it's hard for me. I haven't been able to find that particular passage, but that's what I gained from it. And that's, you know, that's just that particular note about the male, uh, the seed percentages from, from seed. And then there's the weird thing, how they say you can look at the little, hole on the seed and de decipher if it's a male or female before you even pop it thing i never bought into that i like the real natural i liked the explanation car uh, robert gave to the russian uh, test and that theory like to me that kind of evidence and that kind of conversation and that documentation has merit there was something there it's just like like i said certain words or terms are used whether they're applicable or not to the, what's happening like the og and the ocean grown thing you know unfortunately it wasn't just a word that was thrown out there people argued about it so even though it's been cast to the side no one fucking probably even remembers it it fucking had meaning at one point at least to me you know and somebody else who argued it and brought it up because i didn't make any of that shit up and it shit didn't even exist until those guys all started fighting about it but even before then you know sour d like okay so kind of yeah okay wait real quick just because there's some couple good points that i wanted to bring up just because like i said i've really been following you guys and i appreciate the amount of effort you guys put in and i've been dying to say any of the some of this stuff to you guys like the sonic bloom you guys were talking about the sonic frequencies that can help bloom and that you fucking ain't right the name of that was sonic bloom 
um, sonification or frequency response. Um, it's the higher pitches, I believe. The, the Sonic Bloom CDs that we used to have was classical music with higher range because I'm a musician. But in the background, there was these bird chirping noises that were very high pitched and there probably some frequencies that we can't audibly hear. So it's probably beyond us, but they did test all that before it was released. And there's, you know, when they sold you Sonic Bloom, it was a spray and the CD. And I don't think you needed the spray. It, it's the sound. It's that the early bird chirping and something in there that helps the plants. I think it's uh, the whooper whirl. You ever hear whooper whirl? One more time. Have you ever heard of Whooper Wheel? Whooper Wheel? Whooper Wheel? Yeah. Uh -uh. yeah. Whooper Wheel. It, it makes like this, like it's a repeating, like sonic noise. Yeah. I yeah. often think that's the one that's the closest. It's very possible. Remember in the Sonic Bloom CD, like no matter what the classical music or the music they had playing was, you heard that in the background. You heard that that whistling, the bird song. It's it's bird song is what we're talking about. To any bird people that you'd ask, you're like, oh, that's bird song, and it's that, and fucking, it's in there. It, but it sounds, you know, like I said, I'm a musician, so I get pitch. It sounds a little different, like it's tuned up a little bit. I think there's some frequency things in there, and I'm not. There are some really brilliant guys like, uh, is it Michael Siegel? It might be Jim Ferrer that, that is a light fanatic. I mean, he can tell you about anything to do with light spectrums and how it affects plants and animals and everything. And uh, I don't know if I know an audio guy like that. And that's what it, what it probably means is somebody that, you know, I'm pretty anal about audio because I'm a musician and I've tuned my ear. I have a good ear, a good pitch. But yeah, I'm not, that the science behind that. Okay, so we used it in a couple rooms. But I also played Zeppelin and Hendrix, and uh, I'd never, I'd never use CO2. I don't believe we need to use CO2 unless you're really trying to maximize every aspect. I just think it's fucking overkill. If you, you know, um, my idea is all right. So if you're running a line or trying to perfect a, a run or a variety to get it to full maturation, just the best it can be then do it without anything first if you can get it almost to where you need to or actually if you can get it to a really good point without any extras then what you do from there can only improve it or fuck it up matters how you you know <laughs> but at least you're you're to a point where you know what the plant can do and that's kind of what i do with any variety when i even get to learn it or try it i'm going to run it feel it out get it to that all right now i got it nailed but I'm not pushing it yet. You know what I mean? I might push it to try to get it to, if it's not doing something that it should normally be doing. Yeah. But after the fact is when I push it. Now that I, I feel it out and I feel comfortable with it and I feel it feels comfortable with me. And I'm like, all right, now I might try to get it to do a little bit of this or that, but I'm, I'm constantly working with the plant that, you know, here's the irony. And I said this a long time ago, we fucking give these these plants own us dude whether we understand this or not we give them better air than we have we give them better food we give them more love than we get dude we give we build rooms specifically for their comfort dude these plants own our asses bro <laughs> we is like 
you know we're like we're in there petting them we're talking sweet you know it's just what it's plants are smart man and they react and that's kind of the concept of if you connect to your plant you really get the you know it's not even giving your all just get that understanding first and then work with it to figure it out because all like for example williams wonder was a brutal fucking blueberry was a brutal line to understand it took me fucking years before i could get a blueberry to grow worth a fuck williams wonder is another kind of it's a it's a tricky flowering plant it's not that it's blueberry complex flowering because blueberry can either be easy kind of easy or a fucking nightmare you know a woody purple stalked fucking you know locked up fucking nightmare <laughs> which is you know the majority of them but uh so try, we'll try to get back on any type of path here real quick so the genetics in the 90s <laughs> um where were we okay so the Maz came back into play with ogs for me and bubba because i was like oh this has kind of got something in there that was relative I wasn't sticking to it because everybody's stories were so fucking crazy. And honestly, Bubba and OG to me were kind of blasé because they were comparative to old Kushes or the, a white widow, those earthy, rich lines that we already kind of beat up already. But when Sour D hit the scene, that got attention. Now, now we're getting into the Chambisals. It just gets uglier from here. But uh my first uh experience with any of those was sour diesel or yeah sour diesel i'm gonna show you guys a picture this one's kind of fucked up and it's had a kind of cannabis culture hold on a second oh god all right now see this image is that pretty clear just a basic sentence from cannabis culture magazine right what do you think this is let me see if you can see it can you see it what does it say it's made out of It says sour diesel to master Kush documented in a fucking prevalent magazine from Canada in the 90s. Okay. So, uh, all right. Uh, that's all I want to touch on as far as that goes. Sour D was really good, though. Headband is a different beast and headbands headband because every headband I've had has been very dieselish rather than chemi. Chemi is an advanced version of diesel to me. It's more complex. There's a lot more going on. Diesel to me is very clean and has a specific head to it. Not only that, but headband, the reason I relate it to that is because you get that grip. If you smoke a real headband, I grew Lupus headband and the 91 Chem D and then all Noma, you know, Soma's New York City diesel wasn't a fucking diesel. I don't know what the fuck 
was, but it wasn't a diesel. But Sour D was all over the place at the end of the 90s there, early 2000 with that OG. Everybody's passing OGs and I avoided it because I didn't want to deal with any of the fucking chaos that was tossing. And I had a Kush, I think, back then at the time that I was happy with. I had a Hindu or something that I was running that was Kush enough. So I didn't give a shit about what was happening there. But I did want to try the Bubba because everybody's talking about the coffee. And that is one of the tones that I did relate to the earlier Kush stuff. So I did get a hold of the P98 Bubba, which stood up. I mean, it was what it is. The stoned uh, P98 Bubba is kind of hard to find. It is in there. It's kind of a, it's not, well, I don't think it's very strong. The profile for Bubba is fantastic. That coffee fucking rich tone, that it, the complexity of Bubba itself is phenomenal. And that's kind of what those old cushions were. I consider it more cushy than even the OGs. Honestly, I think Master Kush, the LA, I don't know if it was LA Master. One of the Master Kushes was very good. That was from Atacali. Might have been the LA Hindu. No, it couldn't have been the LA Hindu. Because, all right, Hindus can be tricky because there's that Afghan acrid thing. And if you even look in some of the books, they'll talk about a terpene profile that is turpentine. Very acrid, like super fucked up, sharp. It's turpentine almost, fingernail polish kind of shit um that's something that was connected to the uh hindus the hindu kush profiles so that's how fucking weird complex complicated they got so i kind of see why people would try to link certain things to certain things but at the same time like i said if the information got so convoluted i just i it didn't care i just you know everybody's got their own you guys even talk about it. they got their own views their own things that they enjoy even the way these plants affect each of us you know um a good example of that you know one person can take a pill that'll make them sleep and uh, another person can take that same pill and stay up for a half a day and feel kind of energized or the other way around you know one pill that makes somebody very active somebody can take a nap on it you know it's just the way people are their chemistry are so everybody's different so it's hard to compare all the ways it could affect each other so all we really can do and breeder steve's fucking interview dude that was awesome i've watched that thing a couple times now bro dude breeder steve holy fucking shit good on you for getting that guy because i love that guy i fucking he's one of my favorite people ever man he's just got the best fucking mind and the best attitude and done some really great shit a couple episodes with him right i was actually thinking about uh hitting him up to see if he wanted to be on the 420 episode i don't do what's fucked up is after i watch your show i've been plotting how to get to fucking columbia (laughs) like i want to go dude it's you know what i mean that's what that did to me i'm like what's stopping me i'm like nothing I'd fucking go down, you know what I mean? I'm 50 fucking three years old. My kids and my, you know, daughters, hopefully going to get married and settle down here. And uh, my son's in college, you know, and I'm just kind of spinning my heels, man. Wondering what the fuck I'm doing back in this fucking cracked out state. And so, uh, yeah. Um, so going beyond those, that Sour D was fucking really good, though. And then a bunch of people from Europe started. And this is, I think, what really divided us all. 
because it was already kind of divided how we'd be like Dutch versus American versus Canadian work, you know, and I think Canadians and Americans were a little more connected because we'd always be like, well, it's the Pacific Northwest, you know, and the Canadians would be like, yeah, we've always used some American genetics and, you know, we, we can acclimate and make and do stuff with your genetics up here faster than you guys can down there and fucking change up their, you know, the way they, the way they'll perform. And the uh, Dutch, I don't know, man. A lot of the Dutch work was good. I think it was just there because it was legal. They get away with it, not because it was a good place to do it. So it was good that they did it, but I think they fucked a lot of shit up acclimation-wise doing it, if that makes sense. Like, fucking Dutch weather isn't fucking good. It's the last place you want to fucking grow anything. I mean, their fucking climate sucks. So, you know what I mean? So it's cool that they did the, and like Tony, Okay, Sagamartha, he was doing mushrooms. He was the first, I think, one of, if not the first guy to bring psilocybin over there and produce them. And that's what he was doing in his prime over there. He wasn't even fucking worried about growing pot and that shit. I think he was getting, he, he was into mushrooms because that's what he got popped for over there. Because you're not supposed to have any dry spores on site. And he had a, a mushroom fall off of the fucking thing or something and dry up on him and they, they got him. And so, but he had a license to do all that shit and everything. And this is when, you know, late 80s, early 90s with, it was definitely a lot looser than it is now because now it's all fucked up. Now they have worse laws than we do. And what's fucked up is his buddy, John, the guy I'm talking about, used to be pretty much the master grower for Tony. He called that shit like 15, 20 years ago when they were in Amsterdam. He's like, you watch. These guys are going to have American laws here within 10 years. And sure as fuck, man. It sure did. They fucked it all up. To where you go to a cup in Amsterdam and you can't even take an ounce in with you or some shit. I don't know. But, I mean, I wasn't... It's fucked up, right? I mean, that's... That was like the culture. It's like they unplugged the whole culture. It just doesn't even make sense. How can you? How can you regress... You know, where's the progression in that? I just don't understand that. It, it worked for me. Like, they had no problem with it. It was working. Why? I just don't understand it. So, um, yeah. So that's the story about that cup things and the, the amount of weight. I've never actually been turned away for the amount of weight I've taken into a cup. But I'll shit you not. I have been turned away for stickers you take in a backpack full of fucking stickers and swag or you know some shit you want to give away really? like, get that out of here get that out of here it's like what you go take that shit back to your car and come back with well a bunch of fucking weed and you know fucking the same backpack they're like come on in <laughs> yeah that doesn't need that <laughs> That sounds like a little too controlling. I mean, you can't ugh, stickers. Yeah, that's like promotion. Any promotional? Yeah, that sounds like a little bit too much of a monopoly situation there for sure. If they're trying to stop people from promoting and just being fucking having fun, that's fucking stupid. And that's the sad part about it. I think those couple early, like the early uh, cups, the ones in 2012 or 2013. They were still pretty loose, you know. You kind of got your reggae rap kind of thing happening there, and they they were kind of laid back and not too 
hyped up, blown out. And then, dude, seeing Chelsea Handler dealing with the Emerald Cup this year is just kind of fucking, I don't know. I mean, they got Ziggy Marley, I guess, but you know Chelsea Handler is probably getting paid to do it, and then she's only there to promote her own shit anyway, which she probably has no idea how it's grown or what it is. So, But she's pretty hot. I'd fuck her. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, let's chisel through a little bit more of it. Um, so now we hit the internet and everything's fucking, it's still going all right, but OG is on its back leg and not by choice. I don't know how that all went down, how they got busted. Uh, it fucked a lot of shit up. Cause even, cause I wasn't uh, prominent on OG. I was prominent on uh, CSW or CSC or HG420 mainly was my biggest outlet. And on HG420, man, I don't know if you guys remember, it was like Muffin Man run it. Doc Chronic was the main guy. You could talk to anybody. You could drop in their chat room and talk to end up talking like Fett of fucking Spice Brothers would be in there once in a while. Sub Cool would be in there. I uh, didn't see like Vic High or nothing. Uh, Breeder Steve, maybe. I mean, you could get response off of them, though. You could drop into their forums, have a comment, say something about their stuff, ask them how to this and this, and they'd comment. They would reply to you. You had access to them, which was fucking incredible. You know, and then, and I think OG started that kind of concept, but it wasn't that kind of connection to start. On OG, what they did is they kind of still kept that separate, but they did that strain base. So after you'd run somebody's genetics, you would list it in the strain base and then give all the information you could about it. It was very detailed and really organized, really nice. And sure, there's hype versions of this and that, or maybe misconceptions, but that's because somebody would get the wrong seeds or they'd fuck up and plant these ones thinking they were something else and then report on and be like well they came out real good but they're nothing like they said they were going to be it was the grower's fault you know or some or even the breeder's fault with the wrong seeds and the wrong you know there's shit happens we're fucking human as far as that goes but all right so um you know at that point uh let's see Mm, trying to think like what what was the most prominent thing to happen like in after og and heaven stairway because everybody split up and kind of freaked out and everybody was looking for what do we call it Re not refuge yeah refugees everybody was an og refugee for a while and i wasn't an active member on og i think i just lurked and just copied the strain base note for note i was really active I was only active from, I started in 2002 publicly feeling comfortable enough to even talk about pot online. And by 2004, I definitely had some threads going on uh, IC or no, I joined in 2006 on uh, IC mag because IC didn't start until 2004 or right before then because they, because shortly after that's when og when overgrow went down and you gotta you know i'm sorry guys i mean i am kind of old and i have had mental health you know issues and i do have like 
not memory loss, but yeah, there's a little bit, you know, it takes me a second sometimes to, to drill some of that shit back up. And a, a lot of things happen in that 85 to 2005. I mean, it's like it all got put into a blender, you know, and then since then, everybody's been trying to figure it out. But, you know, what happened in that 20 year span was fucking a lot. You know? It was like, so much and so it's really hard to try to break it all back down and, and really understand where we're at now um and if there was more communications between kind of the the guys that are the elders and the ones that are directly connected with those lines and the younger um you know the younger cats now that are doing what you know taking it gonna have to take it somewhere you know, it's the only way to get it to happen is by telling them and showing them and getting to them to experience, you know, those same things that we do. Which, you know, everybody's getting high and we're all enjoying what we're doing. But like I said, that diversity for me is where, where the creativity and the excitement is. Um, it's good to have a lot of gassy blueberry things around, but I, I, I like the, the effects and the stuff that I get from a haze that I can't get from anything else and the skunks and the way they hit me and not just the blues but you know there's variations of purples and the cherries and the oranges and those are just the turp profiles and then you just have a, a such a big range of effects too and now that CBD's playing in and we got CBDBs and just new level of cannabinoids which you know pardon me as a kind of as a consumer i i'm not really too i medically i have like i said some mental issues but physically i'm good i don't smoke for pain relief or nothing like that but the moz that i do have has made people throw up made people pass out and gave one guy that had had pain for over 25 years and opiate addicted it was the first time in 25 years that had taken pain away from him and that's what the moz had done um and that's what, you know, keeps me connected with certain lines. But other than that, the ones that I find particularly work for me are the ones I focus more on. And that's why even where I'm at now, the line that I've been talking about, mostly that Raspberry Waltz or the Moz or whatever, um, the reason why the Waltz is such a big deal, and it's not the Waltz, it's the Poodle Nuts. And that's just because it's the Urkel end of it. And Urkel is where I found one of my just favorite plants of all time if you really like green or the uh, the grape skunk you know it's just the the perfect like almost hawaiian korean i've heard it there's so many stories about i like to have a purple conversation because i i do believe there's only a handful of the particular purples we're talking about not the meat purples that don't carry the grape with it you know that grape purple <laughs> the the flavor funk that comes with those particular purples not the 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 fox ones like the the black russian where it's purple but it smells like you know black pepper and smokes like black pepper uh purple rhino you guys remember that one that was like menthol it almost had a mentholated fucking hash thing going on which you know pretty looking and yeah, it had a good nose on it and purple as fuck that bud but yeah it's not something you like get into over and over again. It's more of just like a, something fancy schmancy to kind of try and then move on from. 
What about the purples? Do you like? Is it just an anesthetic look? The look of it, or is it something about the? No, not at all. I could care less if it's even. Like I said, I'm more of an art person, so the way I even look at the color purple is by subtractive, which is like, like the way you stack or take colors away from colors to end up with other colors. I don't. I and so when I relate it to cannabis. That was my first fascination with purples is where the fuck is this purple color coming from? And that drove me into trying out purple number one and trying out purple lines. And I tried fuck so many, man. It was like that. Like I said, purple number one was pretty much just like purple fucking mids, not even mids. Um, uh, what were the other, like purple rhino? Okay, so this is all right. Anybody that bought genetics in the 90s, this might throw them back a flashback. Okay, so all those seed companies that we were buying from, now that you mentioned this, this is kind of a looking big fucked up part. All those genetics that were there in the mid 90s, I'm pretty sure when that purple number one or when purples became popular, they fucking all jumped on this bandwagon at one time. And so not only that we had purples were made available to us, and I don't know if it was subby or uh sunny chiba like i'm not sure where the purples came from because that purple number one was the one that was offered by one of the companies and so that was available and then there's that purple that adam had that was that fucking chocolate so they had go ahead i i go back and watch brett woods episode it's one of the first high time cups clinic he was on the show okay he broke down his theory on exactly according it came from his camp <laughs> but oh, he, he broke purple? that down yeah yeah yeah. oh no yeah no that. there's a lot of no 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 yeah yeah yeah, yeah purple is <laughs> a touchy subject man anybody that's claiming oh, ownership yeah. of purples i'm sorry i'm gonna tell them they're full of shit right now matter of fact hold on one second <laughs> Oh God, here we go. All right, well, let's start in uh, 1976 with Purple Zawatane. So unless this guy was in Mexico in 1976 and related to these crazy Mexicans down there, I'm gonna have to call bullshit. <laughs> and this isn't even a purple plant. This is just a plant that's purple, probably because of stress. <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, that was documented on the cover of a fucking marijuana monthly magazine in 1976. So I don't know. I'm not calling any, any truths. Yeah, and then you got purple haze, Same. which was like a haze that just turned purple, you know, and shit like that. Um, and we know that cold temperatures will make pop purple. There's a lot of purple of conjecture. There's a lot of topics that we can go down the purple road with. And my yes. advice to you on that one is whether that guy had a, a say or not, get a hold of Sonny Chiba. Have a conversation with him, do an interview with Sonny Chiba and talk about anthocyanins. If you want to go about colors, I, that's, you know what I mean? That's, I've been into this for a minute, but these are people that I respect and are way beyond my level of that, that particular field. Because that's why I went there with him. I'm like, all right, who is the best guy that knew anything about purples and really worked with them? And Sonny did. He started with an AK Cherry 47. 
if I'm correct, he ended up doing double purple doja, um, black Russian. This is Sonny Chiba. These, this is the guy that actually did something good with purples. And that's the fucking weird part. Okay, let me get back to the purple thing for, for a minute. The reason why that had kind of any, any uh, weight. In the 90s, I think those guys got a hold of that purple and they're like, we need to make everything fucking purple. And all of a sudden, the genetics that I would order, like the reason that we'd order the Nirvana stuff was not beyond the price, but some of them we'd talk about and be like, that Misty, like Misty from Nirvana was pretty fucking good. Um, their AK-48 wasn't bad, probably just because it was a rip of AK-47. Bubblicious, rip of fucking bubblegum. You know, that's all those were. So they were, the papaya was fucking really good. Um, so anyway, all of a sudden, like in the mid nineties to late nineties, we get those seed, same seed packs. Right. So now we're running like, uh, one of them was the AK or the, the white rhino from, uh, Nirvana. And what did we start seeing? Purple phenos and white rhino. I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Then all of a sudden we're seeing purple phenos and they're like Hindu Kush or uh master kush and then we're seeing and not purple huge phenos and end of end of season maturity purple like meat that purple meat and i'm pretty sure that at one point all those guys were like we're gonna sell them all purple weed now let's just breed it all the purple shit and they went balls out with it for a minute and for a couple of years though everything that i seem to run and get from dutch genetics had some kind of purple infused in there that made it worse so i don't know man they can tout all they want about purple but when it comes to it there's only been a couple over the decades that were ever serious contenders and we can't say granddaddy purple because granddaddy purple isn't a purple it's a hybrid it's an urkel to a, a big butt so it's not even relevant okay we got to figure out what urkel was I do believe Garberville, Garberville grape is a pertinent factor. Um, the Hawaiian indica, the purple indica, unfortunately, is a direct sibling to the PG-13. So it is actually a purple Afghan. And I know people are going to hate hearing that, but I heard it from Clips himself. So anybody wants to argue that one with me, you're more than welcome to. So I will say that again. The purple indica, the Hawaiian purple indica, and Pacific's G13 are sisters. And the reason why Pacific presented them like that is because he actually had two G13s and he couldn't call them both G13. So he called one PG13 and he called the other Purple Indica. And that's a fact. And the way I know that is, is if anybody knows the Purple Indica or the PG13 line, you're going to know one turp profile and that's perfume. And you don't get perfume in a lot of profiles. And this is a particular perfume. And unfortunately, it's not a very nice one. It's kind of like an old lady fucking overdone perfume. And uh, that was the giveaway. And you'd run those. I had the purple indica cut. I ran that for quite a while. It doesn't have a very good high to it. It's a beautiful plant. Fucking beautiful. Um, I didn't. I couldn't find an effect profile. Um, I mean, it's, it's, if it's there, it's very mild. It just wouldn't, didn't do anything for me. Um, the one line that I did click into were, were the purple G's and all that were connected or the G13. I don't even think I run the PG13 or the airborne 13. I just didn't believe in the 13 stories, the G13 stories. And I still don't or care. I just, like I said, I go by plant, not by story. 
So I'll run a line and I'll deconstruct it. And that's how I work. I don't work by stories or by history. I'll look at a parent line or a hybrid line that I'm working with and I'll go backwards and I'll, I'll research the parents and then I'll find the parents and I'll find stock from the parents. I'll run them. I'll get full understanding of those. And I'll, I'll work my way back to the effects and the profiles of exactly what I want through the parent lines. I'll, I'll reverse engineer it should be constructed. So that's what happened with neon purples. I just went, I tried a bunch of them and then it was like, okay, I get why these are like this and this is like this because they all showed me. I didn't have to do anything. I just had to go. And they, it, it, it just came, it was right there. It was very easy to see. Um, so the, the, okay, so that particular, you know, that what I just said there about clips and Pacific is a, is a big deal. All right, so that's probably like that is, I've never told anybody that. So you guys, um, that's a very tricky topic. Clips has died these past. Um, I don't know if Pacific's out there. My knowledge of Pacific was he was a metal head, kind of death metal, uh, dark metal band guy or something. And then he got a sex change and became a female and dropped out of the cannabis scene is the, the word on the, the, the grapevine word. Um, I ran the Purple Indica after I had run a line called the Purple GBX3 from Guru from Kings of Canna back in the late 90s, early 2000s, because I was infatuated with Hawaiians after I had tried my first Maui Waui. And uh, I, wanted, I wanted Hawaiian. And then I heard about Puna. I think I had a Puna at that point too somebody gave me some puna smoke i was like this is some fucking beautiful weed man i mean it's it's like um uh, kind of like a purple tone in there but add like hazelnut roasted chestnut tones i mean like butter buttery creamy roasted chestnut tones i don't even know how to explain it and that's kind of what i got from puna butter kind of stuff is there's these buttery nutty tones so uh anyway um i was on hg420 and kings of canna guru g-r-u-r-u okay i'm not sure who he's working it didn't matter what had happened was motor rebel had given me purple butter sherawan i'd run it and i'd seen the purple butters come out of it and i'm like i asked motor rebel where'd you get this he said well this cat guru made him up in somewhere uh he connected me with though with that guy um I got, he sent me, or I think Motor Rebel actually sent me purple butters on its own too, like in an F-Gen. But then I got a hold of Guru himself, who enjoyed my passion for his work so much that when he retired, he sent me all of his stock. It was fucking crazy. He did, like, if you look up Kings of Canon Guru, you'll see stuff like White Rabbit. I'll have to look it up, man. It goes, I, goes, I might have to look that one up. Um, there was a couple of very particular lines that he did. Anyway, the reason why the purple GBX3 matters is because it's a three, um, it's the two G13s that Pacific was working on, starting to do the BX because he's working them into it. That's why it's a BX3. Uh, the butters, I'm not sure how the butters got in there, but that's the cross that I was given was purple butters crossed to PGBX3, which was the pacific g13 bx3 
which was the inbred, the breeding process that was happening with the G13s. As far as specifics were went with the PG13 and the purple indica. I have no idea how this relates to any of the G13 stories or the AG13. If you guys, do you, do you follow where I'm at with any of that? Do you, were you kind of up on any of those? All right, no, I'm even lost you at that point. No. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck me. Fuck me. Oh, well. But you get um, how it can be easily related. And then what's fucked up about that story is I didn't know for sure that was happening. What happened was one day before Clips passed, I had asked him. I was like, I just have to ask, dude, is this fucking related? Because this is after I'd run PG-13, or not PG, but the BX-3 um, that I got from Guru. I'd run like a couple G13 hash plants, you know, stuff like this, um, all kinds of shit. And then that purple indica came across. Somebody gave me that cut. And I want to give a shout out to a cat named Scrappy. In 2000, through 2000, you know, everybody, I think certain people gave me shit. because like, man, that fucking, that dude's always got, you know, a bunch of cuts and he's just out. Everybody, I think back in the day, thought I was going to make a bunch of lines off all the cuts that I was getting and running and showing pictures of. Like I was documenting them to blow my own fucking horn. You see what I mean? So everybody was like, oh, yeah, you're just fucking promoting. And I was actually doing that to show the people that gave me the clones what I could do with it. And that was it. It was just kind of like, and they were doing the same back, just not in public, being like, oh, yeah, mine's looking a little better. And we were competing. Is with each other and being like, yeah, just giving each other notes. You know, there's that didn't have nothing to do with fucking ego or business and all that shit. And fuck, man, so many cuts, and so many, so many clones, and so many just great fucking varieties. And then later, these last couple of years, like the last four, four to three, four years, I still had people sending me stuff. I just didn't know what it was anymore at this point. The last thing, uh, was like old sog he had sent me sin mints the gelato 44 um poodle nuts the cut nine pound hammer um doses and i got i fucking that's when i went and then there's another jail story unfortunately my i fucking lost my shit and fucking went to jail and lost all that a couple of years ago and that's because I got in an argument with the guy at a deli about how they shaved my turkey. So I didn't even go down that time for any drugs or nothing. I literally went down for fucking uh, resisting arrest and trespassing at Baker's because I argued with their deli manager about turkey. <laughs> so unfortunately... This was happening right before I was moving out and I just started a bunch of genetics and old Tog had sent me those clones and fucking, yeah, I fucked that all up. So that was the last time I was like in a position to really do something I felt could have really come out. Cause I had the story about Michigan, that was a good year or so before all that. So um, now at this point I was back or where, you know, I'd started from all the shit that happened in Michigan was way past. And so I was going to restart again. And so I had started a bunch of new seed lines and a bunch of stuff from my collection that I had regained and uh, just restarted. And I, so I had some fantastic shit going. 
and then I fucked up and my daughter and my ex-girlfriend and some other friends like when I got went to jail and they locked me up they had to move my house for me and they all the plants died all the seedling no one went over there and took care of anything they just didn't understand what I was doing and to anybody actually would have walked in there been like this dude's place is all packed it's organized as fuck and then you go in his room and it's like a fucking jungle and it looks like he's fucking getting ready to start some kind of botanical fucking nursery in there so i'm anybody would have walked in there like what the fuck is this guy doing because it was i i was getting ready to move and i took everything out of my basement everything was broken down but i was starting new seeds and i had mom secured so i brought my seven by seven tent up into my bedroom <laughs> and it was fucking like sleeping next to my plants getting ready to move with my fucking new seedlings and you know i was just baby and stuff and then i turned around and fucked it up anyway so, but, uh, how was I, I was going to get back to a point, not about that jail, jail stint, but okay. Um, remember I was telling you, I lost that first seed collection in 90 or in 2014. Okay. So then I got together with people and this is before Michigan. All right. Anyway, the last couple of years after what happened in 2014, like I said, I got a hold of people. I had restocked some of my genetics and I had swapped some stuff and reacquired and bought new genetics and was starting to start another stock box. And then at the same time, the genetics I gifted to that guy that worked for Sagamartha for Tony that was in Colorado, the guy I'm going to go stay with here if I actually get my ass there or not. Um, he had stashed a bunch of the stuff that I had given him too that I didn't know. And so he put it in this Nestle's chocolate container. And on Adam Dunn's show, if you guys watch one of those Adam Dunn shows where I was on there, you'll see me with this Nestle's quick container full of seeds. And that's what had happened. Was I went back to visit him and he's like, I got something for you. And he gave me all, and it fucking made me cry because there was some shit in there. And I was like, I had faux berry hybrids in there still. And like, I was like, no fucking way you got these. And I shit you not. Okay, remember I told you guys when I came back from Colorado, I stunk and they hit me coming off the train. I shit you not. They fucking got all of them, man. They got them again. And that was the second, that was the third time that I got hit for my seeds. Or, yeah, the second. Because that was the re, kind of the rebuild restock. And that was, that was fucking tough. So now this batch that I got now is like a third plea to people that sent me back some of my stuff. But then on top of it, I did have people that I would leave stock with, that I like leave little stockpiles of stock that I'd be able to come back to and get from. And so I did collect, you know, I've been doing this for fuck dude, 35 fucking years now, I guess, damn here. So, I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Whether people got faith in what I'm talking about, it doesn't even matter. I know there's people out there that still have like cherry AK-47 in seed form fucking that have these lines they're just sitting on them they just don't know what we're doing or talking about they don't care you know they're just they're happy and they just don't they just don't need to bother with anybody because they don't need the hassle but it i mean we you know the reason i make fgens out of the stuff i have and we do that it's just like a natural function you know you, you want to make sure that line's secure and um who was talking texas kid I think is the one of the guys is like, yeah, I made a ton of LUIs. And I know he did because he sent me a ton because I went through him looking for Ortega. 
Um, you know, we know that, in the, you know, we're all now kind of still looking for the sweet tooth lines again from Spice Life, trying to get back that blueberry uh, sweet pink grapefruit hybrid. And I got a fantastic sweet pink grapefruit haze from a guy named Rocky Mountain Buds like 15 years ago in seed form out of Colorado. Pardon me. So I, they're out there. It's just anybody under 30 or 35, I don't even know if they'd know the people that were in that. You know what I mean? I know you're, you're about on the edge of that range or maybe the 40s is where it stops. But, I mean, I got the people that are 10 years ahead of me or 15 years ahead of me and then 10 years behind me that are still kind of connected to a lot of stuff we're talking about. But anybody on either side is, has no idea where where we're at you know where we've been or you know how that all went down and if they do it's just whatever they've been taught locally or read in the magazine or whatever but well brother i'm gonna have to ask you for a part two huh finish up the story oh cool it's only three that wasn't bad Oh, uh, it's sick. It's 420 here. It's actually 428 here. Oh, and I wouldn't, any other day, I wouldn't cut you off. But seeing how I've got to get up for an eight hour tattoo tomorrow, that's not a problem off. with me because I'm, yeah, I'm ready to unplug from it. And it's like uh, where we're at, so a good spot. We're like right where everybody starts in like 2000, like t- 2005. And so that's a whole different era. And so it's probably a good place to be like, yeah, figure it out from there. Because I just wanted to give you guys a background and kind of what I'm about, you know, and, and I think I did a pretty good job just giving you a perspective of how I see things and how I came into all the shit. And I, I don't stand on any soapbox at all. You know, I think I'm, I'm in the school of hard knocks like most of us that are still here fighting it off and just trying to figure out what's going on and, doing the best we can for ourselves and you know not trying to hurt it anymore that it's been hurt but very cool man cool i'm getting off early i like it <laughs> perfect and I, I don't stand on any soapbox at all oh god i don't well we're not early by any means we're not early by any it is 420 officially though here anyways that's yeah, usually where i shut it down or try shutting it down but i was gonna say any other night finish your show off i'm gonna do a dab with you guys kick on the email do one powerful one for the show there you go while the email's warming up we could go over the finished details there and that being that uh now that you have done the full episode uh, not many people do anymore do the full uh, time slot. That's pretty awesome. We've had three this week. Three in a row. Yeah, it's with you. That's with the full time slot. And that's pretty awesome. I, I love that. And it, it's been a great story. But you have most certainly earned your wormhole rights. That's for sure. Aww. And that Zoom link that you have now is the, the the same link that is used for the wormhole so All anytime right. that there's a wormhole you can jump in anytime you feel fit you don't have to don't yeah, feel no, like you need an invitation 
that, that that notification pops up and you want to pop in and come talk to us, you have the you have the link. Please do. You obviously you have a lot of knowledge to share. And uh, yeah, not only that, I just can't I wait mean, to hear something. Yeah, we're just, and I still have notes like for Bingus, like yeah, Smiley, Jack Greenstock, Red Pill, Johnny Canacy, Green Thirteen. Midnight Roots. <laughs> like, dude, I, I'm a little fucking out there, but yeah. Green Bodie. Got some questions and some I topics. Love that. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's just I how love- I, it's just how I roll, man. And I, I really appreciate No, I seriously love that because you know, a lot of times we get in night night after night, or we have, you know, sometimes they the conversation, you know, takes off on a natural curve, but yeah. you know, if we got somebody like yourself, they could come in and go, Hey, wait a minute. I've got a question about, you know what I mean? It helps, you know, pop off another conversation. You know what I mean? We don't have to wait exactly. for it to, you know, take, exactly. yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, right. And that's, and I, I honestly, all right. I like being challenged. Like I said, I was in culinary and I don't know if you guys ever watched Gordon Ramsay, but it's not a pleasant experience, you know, but that's part of the challenge is, you know, you know, I enjoy, I loved actually culinary is probably what drove me insane. The amount of stress and shit, you know, between my exes and my kids and just life in general. But, uh, uh, to me, that's, you know, it's such a, a connecting factor to all of it and the way I look at it and not saying there's the same kind of ego, but that's how I was, how I was brought up with just that. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a passion, but like he, Ramsey's a horrible fucking uh, representation of how bad it can get because I I love that. I loved when not that uh, like I would kill to work for Gordon Ramsay. You know what I mean? A lot of people probably watch that guy and be like, "What a fucking asshole!" But dude, his sous chef name is Scott, and my name's Scott, and I fucking would kill to be Gordon Ramsay's sous chef. You know, it's just even though I know he's gonna fucking beat the shit out of me, you know, daily. It's just. I like that challenge in life, man. Pot, cannabis is a very challenging subject in general, but uh, at the same time, look how it all pays off for us. You know, you, you can make a great meal and learn how to cook something from your grandma and pass it on to your kids. It's just like growing really good pot and turning on your friends to that and teaching, you know, your homies how to grow proper weed and fucking that positive vibe that just goes, that continues in that direction instead of what usually can happen, like pandemics and greed and fucking <laughs> all the other shit we're kind of having to deal with, you know, these last few years in particular. It was fun there for a minute until the pandemic really fucks it up, that's for sure. That made it fucking fun. But all right, well, I'm going to dab this with you guys. Cheers, fellas. This is, uh, I don't know, whatever. This is just home, my home BHO that I make. I just make sure to buy really pure butane. And I use a 
15 layer filter process, which is layers of silk screen and then layers of unbleached uh, filter on top of that. So it's filtered a lot and then purged a lot. And just as clean as I can, I believe with butane, it's just real, gotta be real careful about how much, uh, you know, they put that chemical in there for that butane smell. I just go try to find butane as pure as possible. But then we have some rosin and then some isolate too. So there's all those, but that's just what this happens. Cheers guys. Cheers. Take yourself out, sweat. A little bit. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so, uh, you sweat a little bit. <clears throat> before you go, now you gotta now you gotta go out sweating. We still gotta get the sound bite. You should have waited for the sound bite. <laughs> <clears throat> What's the sound bite? <clears throat> I knew you guys. Well, the, the soundbite is basically a commercial for this episode. It's the old school, like, radio school, uh, radio identification. Basically, in my words, it'd be, hey, this is Eagle, and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle. Episode 370, you can add whatever you want to it, you know, make it your own. But when it get play, when it's, gets played back, know that it is a representation or a commercial for your episode, so. Right, yeah. right, okay. <coughs> yeah, just put his coughing. <coughs> put his hacking. We're <coughs> sweating, what are we going out? We're going out sweating, is that what it is? Going out sweating. Oh, I'm glad I took a nap this afternoon, because yeah, it's gonna be a, it's a little bit longer than I thought it was. That wasn't too bad though. I figured your this was gonna run at least till three, four, or five. So I'm glad I got a nap in this afternoon. That worked out good. But yeah, that went probably pretty quick. But yeah, fair warning. I told Adam, you know, when we talked about this kind of stuff, it'd take like 10 shows just because there's just too many. And so it's good that we got the this done in the wormhole. It's probably easier to drop it and talk basic, like a lot of the other scientific and all that stuff. So but I kind of want to give people an idea why I argue and the conclusions I come to and where I got the information I got. And I, I do, yeah, I appreciate you letting me do this because Adam really didn't give me the opportunity. Adam kind of kept his thumb on me and kind of played the way Adam does. I don't know how well you know Adam. So a lot of people do. And Adam's Adam. That's what it is. But I appreciate you guys, man. So this is all, you know. We'll see where it goes from here. You know, that's all, all I can do. But I really dig your guys' show. I really dig you, dude. You're an interesting character. But your whole group is definitely seems to be 
not like the kind of folks that were there even five, six years ago. You know, they're very, a lot of egos, which I haven't seen really, you know, go watch some of the other shows. You can see it. You know what I mean? Not your shows, but the other like breeder shows or the other where like two dudes are sitting there all fucking blinged out. Fucking, you know, it's just not my shit, you know? So, yeah, I appreciate you guys too, man. For sure. And you know, anytime we'll definitely be getting into more. You bet. I hope so. I hope so. This then I'll send you some, fun. Yeah, I'll send you some gifts so you can pass out genetics to people and all that shit, man. Because as long as it gets used, I mean, that's what it's for. Those little little seeds or each little seed's a little baby. We gotta hatch some of these little babies. They're all waiting to be born. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you say that, because why? Why we were talking tonight? I was probably very rudely double double timing it, and I was uh, packing. No, there's. I, I've been moving the camera, but I was packing. Uh, Canafari was on another breeder a couple nights ago, about a week ago, and he uh, was nice enough to send some gear. So I was packing up. Seeds, laps, and T-shirts for some giveaways coming up soon. Nice. Uh, I was doing so. Yeah, if you if you'd like to pass some stuff along and see it given away and all, all right. that fun stuff, yeah, it'd be cool. Ooh, very be cool. done. Yeah, I've done. I just did a uh, a shirt. I'd done shirts before, a couple limited runs, and the one I'm doing now. I don't know if you've seen. Uh, what I posted up, my the latest one says disconnected due to inactivity. Have you seen that one? And this has more to do with me relating to my kids and kind of playing video games and the way we're all feeling right now, more than anything to do with cannabis. And so it's got my logo on it, but yeah, that's what it says across the chest is disconnected due to inactivity, which is what happens when I play a video game and I walk away spaced off and I'll come back and it'll disconnect me due to inactivity. But I feel that way in life over the last couple of years too, because of the COVID. So it really, you know, just where my mind ended up with that particular shirt for some reason. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. All right, brother. You still haven't done the sound bite. You walked right around it. Right around it. What am I doing? The sound bite. So basically, in your words, it would be something like, this is full AB normal, and I'm on fucking talking shit with the Eagle, episode 370. You put whatever you want on it, but it's got to have that. I gotta oh, have. All right, I dude, I'm high and kind of tired. I had no idea that's what you were looking for, man. That is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ready? I got you. I'm ready. All right, this is Fo Twenty of AB Normal on talking shit with Eagle. Episode 370, I hope. Does that work? That works. That was horrible, but I think I got it all. Oh, that was bad. 
You totally put me on the spot, dude. I totally felt that dab did not help. That dab made me so self-conscious, dude. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> oh, there's no reason to be self-conscious. We're here to have some fun oh, and talk, No, I usually, yeah, I shouldn't matter. Yeah, that was funny. But that dab definitely hit me right in the face, so that's all good. All right, awesome. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much, I did some rest, my friend. I'm going the same place as soon as I get here. I'm out of here. Hitting the bed. I'm hitting the bed early tonight. So, All right. thank you. Yeah, that was awesome, and man. I, I appreciate it. Very cool meeting you, man. Been awesome meeting you. I'm looking forward to seeing much more of you, to be honest with you. Yeah. So, I want to get you. up to Michigan to the events because I want to meet back up with DJ. And I've never hung out with Motor Rebel in person, and I think he's actually having some personal issues right now, so it's really not an issue. But, yeah, I mean, I, Michigan's a, a, a progressive place, so you will be seeing me most likely up in that direction. I'd almost bet on it. <laughs> good dude. Good All right, brother. Well, have a good night. Get some rest. I'm going to do the same shit. Appreciate All everything. Right. Are we even live still? Yeah. All right, cool. Yes, Thanks. sir. I appreciate it. Shit, 86 watching still right now. Okay, cool, cool. All right, good, good. All <laughs> right, we're, all, we're all burnt then. Cheers, everybody. Till next time. Yeah, we'll figure out another one and either do the wormhole or another session, however you want to do it. Because, I mean, there's a lot of pertinent information we can definitely still get into that's, you know, not about me. It's just about you know what's happened so i'd like to yeah at least kind of keep it connected for sure any night any night seriously any night there's right. a wormhole you're welcome cool. you don't need an invitation as long as it says wormhole that's we'll all you that. need all right cool, yeah. cool i'm down all right sounds good all brother right. have a good night thank you very much all right, you too, man. Take it easy, everybody. Till next time. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. I know I've had a great night. Sorry for kind of cutting it short, but I do have a long, long day for tomorrow. And uh, But it was a great episode. I am very much looking forward to hearing from full AB Normal again. Uh Wow, what a ton, tons of knowledge, tons of knowledge. You guys know the deal. Please do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness do save lives. I'm a living, breathing example of that. Go back and watch this one. It was amazing. Thank you for watching. I'll see you tonight with T Dog at 11:30. Thank you guys. I am out of here.